Welcome, friends, to the 286th episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast, where we are going to be discussing the long and I think very wonderful film legacy of Pixar Animation Studios, celebrating 25 films before their 26th film hits theaters this month. Of course, for that conversation, I am joined with Brandon T. McClure. Hello, everyone. Ben Magnet, who just muted himself, but I'm going to call him in it anyway. That, that's fine, because my cat's meowing. I don't know if you can hear that. We, can. No, we heard it. No. And, of course, Ryan Eliopoulos is here. Hello, I'm the original Pixar movie. This is true. And I am Sparks Witty. And we're here, and we're going to get into some dark visions at the end. But before all that, we got some news. And before that, we got some some nonsense about what we've been doing with our weeks. And the even comic before book. that... Brandon's the comic book sp- dark visions, not yeah, yeah. actual dark visions. No, 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 both, both. Oh, both. both. Okay, cool. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But before the news and before we get into our weeks, Brandon's going to talk at you for about ten minutes about all the things that we have links for. <laughs> Calling me out, but he's right. We have links. Part of the show. <laughs> he's not wrong. We got part shit. of the crew. Part of the show. Part of the crew. Part of the show. Part of the crew. Part of the show. Um. Wait, does yes. that mean instead of like a instead of barnacles, I just get like computer stuff melt and microphone stuff coming out of me? Sure. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather have barnacles. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yes, as he said, we have some links in the description below. Ryan, your YouTube channel is still there. It is, but I don't think I did anything this week. <laughs> but it's there. It sure is. Um I also have a screen rant. Uh my my author page for screen rant, that's still linked below. I did publish a few things. Um, boy, howdy! What were they? Um, I did. There's an Orville list that dropped out today. Um, it was a it was a list like everything you need to know before the Orville season three or New Horizons. There you go. That's a whole thing. Really fudged that one because there weren't ten things. Mm. Um, but that's there. And the Infinity Saga pieces that I write are back. Um, I did not do one last week because whatever doesn't matter. Uh, but it is here this week. And because I really like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and I really like the first Doctor Strange, I forgot how much I did when I rewatched the movie before Multiverse of Madness. So I wrote about the final act of that film that I believe is a moment that deserved uh, uh, something to write about, and I hope I did so well. Basically, if you don't remember, it's the it's it it blows me away because like it's a it's a Marvel final act, but it's done backwards. And I think it's really cool how they do it and um, how they choreograph that. And then it just, the way it ends is that Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange dies for like a thousand years before Dormammu just finally gives up. It is one of the, it is one of the better final acts to, to, to one of those movies for sure. Yeah. And I, I just thought that deserved a, um, I deserve, I thought that deserved a write up. So I did that. Um, Ben. Yes. You have two episodes from Grace and Live. I do. We're still uh, we're still uh, at it with the new Super Mario 3D World, and that's really all I can say because I didn't rewatch the episodes that dropped this week. I was too busy doing other things, and I'm like, oh hey, new stuff. But if you do watch those episodes, I do know one thing we did talk about. We talked a lot of Elden Ring in those yep. episodes, even though we're playing Super Mario Bros. Because that when we recorded that episode, we were it, Grayson just got the game. Grayson was still super high on the game. And I never stopped getting super high on that game. So we're playing that game. We're also quoting the beginning of "He tarnished, he dead, yet live." It's the opening of the game. So yeah, check it out. It's a good time. The dung eater. 
Hello, Sir Gideon, the all-knowing. Hello, some dung eater. That's true. They are mostly talking about Elden Ring and very yeah. little Mario. Um, I'm going to try and fix that next time we record. Okay, you're almost done with the game. Just Listen, go through. Your yeah. fingers might be taking a vacation, but your heart never left. No. Hmm? Still fun game. Still, this is my second time playing through 3D World. I'm still having an absolute blast with it. It's a really good Mario game. Highly recommend it. And Ben, you also have an episode of Basement Arcade Pause Menu that dropped. I'm sorry. Never mind. We took that show from you. Sparks and I hijacked Basement Arcade Pause Menu to talk about a game that's over a year old. Um, <laughs> we did Spider-Man Miles Morales. We did, a, I think, a pretty good in-depth review of that game. Sparks? Yes, I agree. I'm sorry. I was shutting the door because this little guy on the bed behind me, his name is Sammy, and he oh, meowed outside the door until I opened. <laughs> um, so he's going to be in here now, I guess. He's been doing this today. I um, guess. Yeah, we talked about Miles Brown. It was a great conversation. I was surprised with how much we were able to like engage with each other about it, considering uh, that I was mostly going off notes and memory. Yeah, me too. Um, actually, just memory. I didn't write notes. Um, but it was a very fun conversation. I actually think I... I think we did a, a really solid job. Um, check that out if you'd like. Yeah, and oh, we did it. Good we job. did it. Good job, guys. Oh, I, I listened to it. Oh, good. I uh, heard we, that joke, Sparks. Have Apologies. you not played the game? No, haven't played the game you yet. Just spoil the whole game you for yourself, Ben? Dude, forget. Let's be real. That's Ben saying, I'm not going to play that game for six years. No, no, that's me saying I'm going to eventually play it, but I'm, okay, ben? I'm not going to play it for two years. Ben, Ben, Spider-Man 2 comes out next year. Not sure it does. You're gonna have you, to play it. You're gonna have to play it. But you don't have to anymore because you just listen to someone talk about it for an hour. Honestly, <laughs> I can't tell you who the big bad was. It's Troy Baker. It's Troy Baker. It's the actor Troy Baker. There, he yeah. does not play a character. He is Troy Baker. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. Anyway, um, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad we finally did that. And then, guys, just to wrap up the the links, there are quite a few fake nerds watches. In the description uh and more are coming that did not mean to sound like a threat um we've but got, it kind of is it kind of is um <laughs> there are two episodes of fake nerds watch for strange new worlds star trek strange new worlds um episode three and episode four that i did with cookie those are two separate episodes um that just kind of worked out better for with our schedules um both really excellent episodes and the fifth episode has been recorded with a special guest mm -hmm. pointing down it. I did it. I did Love a Trek it. watch. Love yeah. It. Very happy about that. Um, yeah. And uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm -hmm. We did that. Parts one and parts Episodes two. Episodes one and two. So if you're looking for episode three, wait. Yeah, that's not <laughs> coming for it. a little bit. Um, but yes, part one and part two of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Did we like it? Spoilers. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so check that out. And... Are you done now? stranger things there's two stranges in this <laughs> there's a lot of strange in this uh in this link section strange new world stranger things stranger strange. fiction doctor strange um yes. what's one more okay, it's okay ben you don't need to um so yeah uh stranger things that went up today actually so that so that's there sparks was a uh, quick turnaround honestly quick turnaround on that episode all over the place. We watched all those episodes. We recorded the, that thing in honestly record time. Mm -hmm. uh, good job, us. Good job, everybody. Um, so that's that's all there. You can check out all those links if you'd like. Um, 
yeah, who wants to go first of the week? I'll do it. Everyone's so enthusiastic. Hell yeah. Let's go. Um, I'm continuing to watch this anime called Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, Never doing heard like of it. About, about five. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's this little indie thing, you know, just like Star Wars is a little indie thing. Um, we're doing about five episodes a week. We're watching like five at a time, once, like, you know, once a week, uh, like a little movie a week. Uh, it's still, you know, still a good show. Still really liking that show. Um, I'm continuing to watch adventure time and that show continues to just be really really great i'm almost done with season two uh again every episode could be someone's favorite uh uh the party wolf party god is probably my favorite character ever conceived of all time um just a cool giant head of a wolf with a backwards hat he just loves the party oh i forgot about him yeah what a guy uh (laughs) cool guy um i returned after almost exactly two years uh, because the last time I got a trophy in this game was two years ago, to Dragon Ball Z Universe 2, because um, I didn't buy it, but they're still releasing DLC for that game, and they just released uh, uh, Top, Topo, the, the God of Destruction form of, of Top uh, from Dragon Ball Super. Um, and another character I forget, but I don't care as much as that guy. Oh, and like, and um, what's uh, the uh, Frost, the other Frieza mm-hmm. guy, Frost? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, they brought him in too. I'm like, I'm not going to pay 15 bucks for that, but like, that's really cool. But it may be want to play it again because i just wanted to get into some dragon ball and uh that game's still really fun uh there's just so much stuff to do even if it's like not super like in depth but it's like they have like 150 of these missions you can do and it's just like variations of like the 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 dragon ball story it's like oh what if you know uh raditz had help when he's fighting goku and piccolo in the very beginning of the show it's like various versions of every single fight throughout history um, mm-hmm. And it's about time travel. The whole thing's about you being part of the time police, basically. So Ooh. it's very easy just to go get thrown everywhere and everywhere. Um, yeah. I want to piggyback off that yeah. briefly. Only yeah, because, please. A, I'm excited you're doing it. It's not in our trailers because it, it would have been too complicated. Um, they are releasing pieces of a full trailer for Dragon Ball Super Superhero, which yeah. is rather annoying. But it's coming out in like 15 second chunks. And the most recent chunk shows I Piccolo. I thought that was very strange. Yeah, the most recent chunk shows Piccolo going undercover into the Red Ribbon Army, and I'm all about it. Yeah, him wearing Red Ribbon armor. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I love it. <laughs> like, what's going on? It looks like a good time. Oh uh, yeah, it's a uh, Dragon Ball's fun. And what's really cool is um, it's not this. It's not like this for every mission and every character because when you go on these missions that you can do you can pick any of the characters you unlock so you can do any combination of any of the characters and they have at this point like 100 characters they have voice interactions between characters who wouldn't normally be there um and uh oh i I had one really good one but it was it was like frieza talking about uh talking about goten and trunks about like i can't believe these saiyans continue to have children or something like that (laughs) uh running into them it's like it's nice that like these characters would never meet, or if they do, it'd be like in a movie or something. But uh, I just find that game to be really fun. The combat's really engaging. Uh, it's simple, but like you can master it in that kind of way. Um, so I'm doing a lot of that. Um, something all, all uh, there's three of us did on the podcast. We did a Fortnite event. Oh, yeah, we did do that. We did play a lot of Fortnite Sparks this week. Yeah, that was really fun. Um, I put a lot of hours into Fortnite. I got that we Doctor did. Strange, baby. I got that Strange Strange. Oh yeah, I did too though. So like I should also like yeah. it was more. And to um, be honest, I'm I'm slightly underwhelmed by the new battle pass outside of Vader. I just I just wanted to put that out there. I just I the the new characters 
I don't mind like the original uh, original Fortnite designs, but a lot of these just feel like people instead of like something cool about them. Oh yeah, sure. I sure, felt sure. like we had more dynamic, cool original designs for the Fortnite original characters in the previous season. Sure, sure. Because uh, you got the guy who's got like the chainsaw hands and the mask, and you got um, the Omni Sword girl. And here I'm like, there's the one dude who's like an action figure. He's like the new Omni Sword guy, and so you can like replace his pieces. Yeah, like yeah. he's an action figure, and I think that's cool. But then the rest are like, okay, I, I guess. Uh, honestly, I never care about the original characters generally. So like, I, they're all they're all the same to me because I I honestly only care about the IPs, and that's me just being a a, a Disney shell. <laughs> I I, un, I understand what you're saying. Though. I think there are Fortnite originals where I'm like, I I enjoy playing some of them once, and I I like when there's at least like one or two who they something cool. There's something cool about them. There's something that feels good about getting them in the battle pass. And this is the first one where I felt like, man, I'm kind of not into anybody. At least I got Vader at the end, so you're going to do it. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. the thing is it's going to make me go that. all the way through to get Vader. Uh, and I played a few matches of the new the new map and season, and uh, I immediately found a wolf, and you're able to ride wolves. So you can do, like, drive-bys on wolves. And that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Drive-bys on wolves. Is it still called a drive-by, or would it be a ride-by? Drop the D. No, you're right. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Imagine like Robin Hood medieval ride by. Yeah, uh, pretty good. I also, I also really quick before it comes up again, I just want to yeah. acknowledge Ben. Ben, you're suddenly louder. Everyone else noticing that you are. Yeah. What did you do? Something a second ago? No, I just turned my mic off because I guess Suki was being loud and attacking Fanny's legs. But okay, like, you are a little hot. It's very, that's very. Yeah, you're you're a little hot. So I it might balance to... out. But if you want to turn down your microphone, yeah. if that's possible, you might you might try that. Let's see. Um, I did that. Uh, I played Avengers for like an hour just because, like, I it's like checking on a friend to make sure he's okay. Um, <laughs> that friend is not okay. And no, he's fine. The thing is, that friend is like, like hey, man, hey man, do you want this Thor costume from the comics that was available in Fortnite three years ago? Would you like it? Listen, I, I, I've, I've come spend money feelings. on me and play. I have complicated feelings with my friend, okay? Yes, the Thor costume yeah. looks significantly better in a free game, yes. Um, <laughs> um, Jane Foster's coming sometime, What? it's the fifth? It's sometime this month. Um, but that's just going to be another version of Thor. It's going to be her own character, but she's going to have, like, similar powers to Thor. So it's not, like, a brand new character. Um, mm. And I just know the campaign's probably going to be, like, two hours long. And then I'm just going to have to do the rest of the content that I've already been doing for almost two years or whatever. And I'm like... Well, this game's, I, man. I I don't know what we can do with this game anymore. I just don't know. I don't know. A new character just won't do it anymore. Like the fundamentals of the game, it's just like, I just it, it breaks my heart because like they just canceled. We didn't talk about it in the news, but they just canceled a new MMO, a Marvel MMO, uh, uh, after it was announced because they it wasn't it wasn't reaching the goals that they wanted to. And before they released another shitty game, they just canceled it outright because they don't want another Avengers. And I'm just man, that bums me out because like there's a kernel of good stuff. But the live service model that they initially, uh, initially went with just really bogged it down. And I, I just think, didn't, I I didn't hear important. about that Marvel MMO. What was that? It was just it was announced six months ago that this that this team uh, uh, they're like they were allowed to make an MMO, and then yeah. they was announced like we're shutting it down. They're not happy with what we got. Oh, yeah. I think nice. I think the thing that's so awful is just like I'd still like these two to get through that campaign just so we could have a conversation about it. But like, um, yeah, because it's a great campaign, mm-hmm. and honestly. I wish that they just dedicated to being a narrative game. Yeah. Like a la Spider-Man. I mean, the gameplay for these Avengers is good. Playing with your friends is cool. Uh, it just, the dedication to the live service model is what's really killed it. 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, let's see. I watched all Stranger Things. Or I watched I watched six of the seven episodes of this week. Um, we have a whole thing to talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. And then, finally, today, I watched the first episode of The Boys. Season three of The Boys. Um, we will be talking about that next week? Yes, I believe next so. Week. Then I will just yes. say, real quickly, on that first episode... That's an incredible first episode. That's a really okay. good first episode. That is a spicy way to return. And we talked about that they're going to be doing hero herogasm stuff, which is this giant superhero gross orgy from the comics. Um, they don't do that in this first episode. But this is, without a doubt, even this first episode, the grossest shit they've ever done in the show. And like they immediately ramp it up in the first episode. I'm like, oh, man, this, they are really going to go for it, I think, in this season. Like, really just like... You'll see, like Ben, you watched it, right? Oh yeah, I watched it all right. Yeah, baby, it's gross. It's hell. It's it's awesome and gross. I can't, I can't believe it. Within the first ten minutes of the show. Yeah. Within the first ten goddamn minutes. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. too will find out, but yeah, yeah, no, spo- no spoilers, of course. No, no lines. No, oh, here, I'll, as we always, we love to spoil on the show. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm so glad it's back. Um, Let me just say that I feel for our future fake nerd watch when we do the boys. That's gonna be like the hard rated R episode of Fake and Watch. Because I'm just gonna be naked the entire time. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna in graphic detail describe what we see on screen. Yeah. Um I'm sure I did other things. I'm looking around my room. Um oh I read a Darth Vader comic that we'll talk about later. I'm sure I did other things uh, that I'll mention out throughout this three hours. Um do you... with me? I did do Elden Ring. That's see, there we go. More I always do Elden Ring. That's part of my life. Uh, do you want to talk about? I know you watched Turning Red this week. Do you want to talk about that here? Or oh my God! Talk about See, that in the topic? not only did I watch Turning Red, I watched two Pixar movies this week. Yeah, <laughs> which was the other one? Um, let's talk about the one I really liked first. Um, okay. I watched Turning Red, which and uh, that was when I went to San Francisco for vacation, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. so I missed that episode. Uh, and I wish I didn't because that truly is one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, I think it is one of Pixar's best movies. Hands down, easy money. Uh, I will go back and listen to the reviews of your guys. I haven't done it yet. Um, but man, it's what a really a special, special, cool movie. Um, that also is like, again, like so much just turns into kaiju movies all of a sudden. I'm just like, it's, anywhere I go, it's kaiju mania. And I love it. Um, I talked about that on the Kaiju Weekly episode I was on. Where it's just like, kaiju are just popping up in just random movies now. Uh, I'm, I'm not mad because America has a kaiju problem. If we just sneak it into every movie, they won't even notice. It's just like a superhero thing. They'll eventually take over. Um, nice. That's great. I'll talk probably more about that when we do our Pixar discussion. And then I watch Monsters University, y'all. And I think that movie's fine. I think it's fine. Um, mm. It's it's just so pedestrian. Um, I think of Monsters, Inc. as being really inventive and creative. And it's this entirely new world. And then this movie kind of just feels like it's just like a college movie, but like it's all the jokes that I know from college movies, but like with monsters and all the performances are good. It's not a bad movie whatsoever, but it's certainly how I feel about maybe except the Toy Story movies. Uh, a lot of the sequels just don't compare at all to the first ones. Um, and I didn't watch Finding Dory because I, ha- I, I and I hear Finding Dory is better than than how I'm going to feel about it than I feel to Monsters University. Um, I didn't feel it added anything to the world. Um, I I think the show, is the show out? Did it come out? Monsters at yes, Work. Monsters yeah. at Work, okay. yeah, the first that's season came. Like, that is the future show where they're doing the laugh stuff, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's what I want to watch. Because I, I <laughs> it's not like I, I 
I was like, I knew where they were going to go, like in Monsters, Inc. I was just like, there's nothing for me that's being added additive here other than we wanted to make another one of these movies. Um, I think it's clever at times, but like, there's just nothing about it that I was like, wow, I'm, gl- I'm really glad I watched this. You know what I mean? God, I'm, I'm so excited for this, for this Pixar discussion. Um, that's cool. I'm glad you got to watch that. Yeah, I'm glad too. And like, it's not, it's not bad. It's just like, it's exactly how I feared I would feel. It's just like, oh yeah, they made a sequel that's that feels like a sequel. I've always said that the reason why Monsters University is one of my favorite Pixar films is specifically because of when it came out and where I was at life. Because I yeah. was where Mike was when I, we'll, when that we'll movie talk, came out. I, I'm sure Monsters University is going to come up in the discussion, so we'll get we'll dig into that yeah. that later. But I'm I'm super hyped about your hype for Turning Red. That's awesome. Yeah, that that was something like completely fresh, unique. Again, like talking about like having perspectives that we don't do. Like it's about this one thing, but it's really about this other thing. Like it's it's that that is what I was. I'm so happy I watched that. I'm so happy. Sure. And then that that now I'm pretty sure that is my. Week. <laughs> uh, I'll go next. I didn't do a whole lot. Sure. Go for it. So most of my week, media wise, was just scarfing down as much Stranger Things as humanly possible to make it to Saturday, because that's when we did our figures watch and. As you guys know, I, I we have a Fignerns watch about it, so you can find all my things about Stranger Things there. And besides Stranger Things, I also watched the first episode of The Boys. I was watching the second episode when I was eating dinner. Wasn't able to finish it because I came I came up here to get ready to record with you guys. But so far, like Ryan said, first ten minutes of that first episode, yikes! It is they are going hard on that one, and we'll definitely get into that later on. So and. So besides that, we did the Fortnite thing, which was really cool. That was the first time I logged into Fortnite in months, so I had like a bunch of V-Bucks ready to go. I had a bunch of like, hey, this is the member. Here's like the special Fortnite crew skin that you are, and here's all this other stuff. I'm like, that's neat. I haven't touched this game in months. Oh, yeah, because if you don't, yeah, because like every month they give you shit, and if you don't log in for a while, it's just like. It just like, it just, it carries over, which I'm I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for that it carries over. So I'm not, you know, wasting my money on the subscription. It's just that I haven't played Fortnite in a long time because, of course, the big one, Elden Ring, has still been taking up my time. I'm 130 hours into that game. I still haven't completed the entire map yet. I, there's still so many things I haven't discovered yet. And Ryan and I, we did something that I have yet to do. We dueled. Ryan and I, Ryan Yep, pretty much. We challenged each other to a gentleman's duel in uh, Elden Ring. Uh, we we made the agreement of no ma- we can heal each other via magic, but you can't use your flasks. And I won by a ring out. <laughs> I fell off the edge. <laughs> he fell off the edge and died. Yeah, I uh, uh, I mean, I, I did play Elden Ring this week, but I mostly did it in, in PvP. I invaded a whole bunch uh, which is like if you are co-oping with friends, you have the chance of being invaded by another person to just like mess with you. Uh, and if you are playing Elden Ring with friends, it happens to you all the time. So you know, after I beat the game, I'm like, I wanna, I want the two, I want to become the murderer. I want to be the evil man. And it's a blast. And I get why people do it now. Uh, and like fighting real people. That's why I love the Dark Souls franchise. Is like having one-on-one duels with like you know gi- fighting giant monsters is cool, but having like a like expert duel with like a, a same similar sized person that's about skill that's so much fun that's like that's just the most fun and making it a real person like i've now discovered like a whole nother part of the game that i'm like well here's another hundred hours okay 
Yeah, that game. I, I talked about it last week. I think I talked about it with you guys about how I have yet to buy another PS5 or play another PS5 game because Elden Ring has just taken off. So every time I turn my PS5 on, I want to play Elden Ring. I mean, don't get me wrong. Look at all the other cool stuff I can play on my PS5. That's like that's there. I'm looking forward to the things. We're going to talk about stuff later on in the episode, especially some trailers. Final Fantasy being one of them. But for oh, now... No. Now we don't need to talk about that. God damn it. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's... Elden Ring is great. Stranger Things is great. Boys is so far fantastic. And I'm looking forward to talking about Pixar with you guys. Cool. All right. Sparks, you want to go next? Yeah, I'll go ahead and go. Um, let's see. Oop, I switched out of the thing. There it is. Uh, I watched Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm not going to say anything about it because I'll say shit about it next week. Uh, uh, too. I watched Stranger Things. I'm not going to say anything about it. We have a we have a whole, a whole hour, thing. 40 minute thing for it. So go check that out, please, to hear our thoughts. I watched Strange New Worlds. And I'm not going to say anything about it because I recorded <laughs> an episode <laughs> talking about it. Um, it's still good. Uh, that was that was really nice. I'm glad I got. To wait, that. wait, Sparks, is it? Yeah. No, it would be. Never mind. You watched it before we recorded the sixth. Sorry, what? Well, because you on the sixth anniversary, you 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 put it on your list. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was I thought I was wondering if this episode had altered that, uh, but then I realized you watched it before the sixth. Yes, that's true. Um, I played a teeny tiny, barely even worth mentioning, and I wouldn't except for one thing, amount of Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. Mm. And I did not know a thing about it that I want to know if Brandon knew about it because he didn't bring it up. So I don't know. Uh, I was midway into like a part of episode one. If you leave the story and you come back into the story, it makes a new crawl. That crawl tells you what you've done in the game. So because it was episode one, the crawl is saying some, uh, so the Jedi went and tried to have the negotiations, but then they had to lightsaber kick butt their way out. And then I'm, I'm not kidding. And it's saying things like that. And then in the second paragraph, it's like, and the Federation got upset. So they sent down a bunch of droids for their, and you know how like it does like all capital letters in parts of the crawl for its perfectly legal invasion of Naboo. <laughs> and I'm like, Yo, are they making funny paragraph crawls for every chapter of the story? Because now I feel like I got to dip out on every chapter and come back to read their special funny crawls. I had no idea. Now I'm pissed because every single time I log back in, I skip the crawl because I've like, already it. read this. I almost did too. I almost did too, but I let it go and I was like, wait a minute, you cheeky bastards. They I've the done six paragraphs jokingly crawling their way to remind you where you're at in the story. I have done six movies. Yeah, you oh might want to just God. Google those. You've missed dozens of jokes. <laughs> I missed so many jokes. What a what a tiny but very rewarding little gag. That's awesome. Yeah, so oh, I just wanted to share that. I, I feel that that just shows how much the people who made this game love Star Wars. Yeah. Or at least they're having fun with it. I forgot. I, I You brought up Star Wars, and I, I've watched almost all of the Bad Batch. Oh, yeah, wow. nice. right. You were watching. Yes, you're you're definitely ahead of me because I didn't get to touch Bad Batch at all this week. Um, so I'm still on, I think, episode 10 or 11. Um, oh, no, like, I'm excited. I'm on episode, um, uh, almost my mean, like um, I finished episode nine. Gotcha. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping to I'm hoping maybe this week I'll get the Bad Batch finished. Um, speaking of Star Wars, Brandon and I went and saw Star Wars. We went and saw we Star Wars, an original print on 70 millimeter film. 
as it was released in theaters in the 70s. Well, almost, uh, because it still says episode four. Yeah. And al- they love A New Hope. Almost, almost because uh, it <laughs> had a tear, and so there was a brief intermission while yeah. they fixed the reel. Um, that was wild. That was very unique to see it in the way that it played and the the, the sound, because the way the sound is kept on the film, that was wild. Mm-hmm. Um, just what what a wild, unique experience. I was I was thrilled to do it. That was quite cool, because I had not seen the original cut. Like, I've heard of what that has been changed, but I first saw Star Wars on VHS just before uh, Phantom Menace came out. So like the that was already the special editions when Lucas yeah. already went in and added a bunch of CGI and then the Java right. scene. Yes. Um so I I'd not I'd not seen the original cut. It was really cool how like tight that movie is. Yeah. Yeah, I really I had a great time. I'm glad we did that. Yeah, me too. Um that was really neat. Okay, my summer of anime continues, friends. And it continues in the sense that I am now at a stopping point in Hunter Hunter. I think we're roughly like 40 episodes into this show. Uh, and we have decided that that is where we're taking a break and we're moving on. We're watching something else as a group. Uh, the thing we are now watching is that time I got reincarnated as a slime. Um, that's a pretty good anime. Uh, if you've heard good things, believe the hype. It's it's mm-hmm. fairly enjoyable. Um, it basically opens with a dude. He's just living his life, 37-year-old man in Tokyo, Japan. And then there's a dude just running down the street, like full tilt, big run with a big blade right in front of him, just running down the street. And uh, in order to save one of his students, the guy just steps in the way of the blade and dies. And uh, as he's dying, he's saying all these things about what he doesn't want right now or what he wishes he had. And a system is logging all the information he's saying and making sure his next reincarnated life will fit all the criteria and the way to fit that criteria is for him to be a slime in (laughs) another life but a very powerful slime (laughs) a significantly op slime who upon his first interaction is with a dragon that has been imprisoned and he befriends the dragon and is immediately blessed by its protection divinity so it's a good show sounds cool um and i'm i'm watching one other show uh anime that's called surezure children um it is a bunch of small 12 minute episodes that are just romantic comedy episodes about high schoolers who are in love and bad at communication cool that's me friends that's 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 what i did i did Fortnite. we talked about it i did there was a lot of Fortnite. Fortnite took up a lot of my my time that wasn't um, these things Okay, my turn. Sparks brought up Star Wars. Uh, just want to say a little bit more about that. It was really cool. It felt like I was watching history, watching that movie as it was meant to be seen back in the 1970s. And even though they, someone spliced in that that episode four, A New Hope crawl, and it's not the original crawl, which was quite funny to me because I so I I have yet to see the original crawl, the very original crawl. I know it's the same words, it just doesn't say episode four, right? Um. But yeah, that was really that was really cool. Um, there's a lot of things I haven't seen the movie in a while, and it was there's a lot of things that you now know and kind of take for granted about Star Wars that were in that first movie. Like uh, the first, like one of the first things that C three PO says, like we'll be banished to the Kessel to the spice mines of Kessel for sure. And I'm just like, oh shit, yeah, damn. Yeah. Um, it's a good movie. It's true. Uh, okay. Um. 
Sparks, you didn't watch the Orville this week. Yeah, so no, I did I did not. Um real quick, I was just gonna yeah. mention the the reason why the crawl says episode four is because technically, technically, what we're watching is a print from nineteen eighty one. Mm-hmm. which is when the film was doing a re-release and they did include that in the crawl because it's made uh they tell us this at the beginning it's made from a different um film stock company how they did it because this is the kind that didn't deteriorate over time and the way that the original film was released just a few years earlier that did deteriorate faster over time so it's these versions that they did for the re-release in 1981 which the only change is that change in the opening crawl otherwise it's exactly the film you saw in 1978 yeah before all the touch-ups that lucas did 1977 1977 sorry yeah uh uh yeah uh so that's that's why the Orville, no, uh, because I I think Megan wants me to hold off and watch that one with her. There's a lot of shows that she's you know letting like letting the circumstances be what they are, and I can watch them and and that kind of thing. But that's one that she'd like me to hold off if I can. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about it if if that's okay. As long as you don't spoil anything. No, it's a very controversial episode, and it's not the episode that I would have expected for a season opener. Um, it's very <clears throat> heavy, very dark. Um, it deals with suicide. And some people have, you know what? I'll be honest. A lot of people have said not in the right way. I actually liked how they handled it. Um, but what do I know? Um, there's a lot happening in that episode. And for a show that is quite honestly considered to be the more lighthearted version of Star Trek, it was very surprising to come out with your first episode of season three being so heavy and I'm I'm curious how that's going to affect the show going forward, considering they were really hoping for New Horizons, because it's been three years since the second season ended, um, that New Horizons would be a soft reboot to hopefully get more people watching it now that it's on Hulu so that it can continue. And I'm wondering, I'm curious to know if like opening with this episode might turn people away. Um, so I don't know. I hope not, because I would like to see more seasons come out. But they are, all the actors have been released from their contracts, so they're not obligated to do more seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, still excited for the rest of the show. I was just, honestly, I was triggered by the episode. Like, in a, like I, I, I get triggered pretty heavily when it comes to like suicide depictions, and it was a hard watch that I really just needed to decompress after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really surprising to say that about the Orville, considering that's just not that's not the vibe the show wants to give people in like its trailers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm glad it's back though. I can't wait for the next episode. I forgot how much I like those characters. All right. Um, I watched a little bit of Mrs. Maisel, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, season four dropped a few months ago and we're finally just getting to it. Um, I really like the show. I really relate to the show. Um, being Jewish and, and having, a Jewish family. Um, it's very funny. There's some really funny lines that just like killed me this season. I'm only three episodes in, but I really like it so far. It's the second to last season because they're filming their last season now. Um, happy to be back into it. I watched a lot of the bad batch. I'm only about on episode 10 or 11. I can't remember exactly what, but yeah, I watched a lot of that. I was kind of hoping to finish it this week, but I didn't get the time. Uh, I really like that show. I think it's really solid. It's it's not as good as Clone Wars and not as good as Rebels. I don't think enough people are talking about 
the um how quickly and cool it is to have the design that's like half clone half stormtrooper yeah like i don't see that get talked about enough because like they they've got the uh chin piece that's coming in that's going to be stormtrooper standard but the eyes and the overall top of the helmet are still uh clone style yeah um i really like this era of star wars as i mentioned a lot and so it's cool to see how like the politics of it transitioning from the empire from the republic to the empire how that wasn't quite smooth um there's an episode i'm sure we've all seen it because it's early on but that rex comes back and it's like hey if you guys have your chips you need to get them out because you're dangerous mm-hmm. yeah i think that's uh, seven seven or eight yeah and wrecker is is uh his chip is starting to is starting to activate and everyone's just yeah. kind of like uh <laughs> um, i am not as hot as probably either of sparks either i like it i'm enjoying it um I don't want every Star Wars show to be Lone Wolf and Cub. Oh sure. Uh, Omega is fine. I it's it's. I know it's a kid show, so this is this is entirely on me. It's just like every situation that they're in. Like, why is Omega there? Why is this kid here? Like, there's a point early mm. on where Omega goes to go live with another family, but then she decides not to, and I was so excited for her to do that. Because I thought that would have been a good end for the character. I thought it would have been nice that the clones got to experience that. But now we're just every single Star Wars show now is about having a younger companion to like, you know, and I'm just like, okay. So I'm like, it's fine. It's interesting you bring that up because I wasn't, I didn't make that connection at all with it. And I think that's partially because I'm just used to the animated shows always having a child perspective, whether it's Ahsoka or Ezra or omega like i just chalked it into that and didn't think of it as low wolf and cub but i i I hear where you're coming from when you when you draw that line i I guess also like that's like also marking like that wasn't like uh, that wasn't revealed to be part of the show initially it's like i thought it was just gonna be bad batch and that's fine um and it's not like it's a bad thing and like it's it's not a bad show whatsoever it's just like i i i would rather just her not be there because like often she's just uh uh getting in the way or getting caught or helping out a little bit i'm just like okay like it's the star wars thing and it's fine it's just it's just maybe just not for me i will say i think they're trying to like fast track's not exactly the right word but like they're trying to get her as quickly as possible to like being her own independent member of the team because they thought that's why she gets that that bow that she still clearly has in the season two trailer she gets the um you know she's learning how to deal with arming and disarming bombs from wrecker like they they want to make her part of the bad batch proper um i'm i'm curious where that could get us especially like thinking about how rebels time jumps for ezra's development because like i'm not crazy about ezra when that rebel starts either um and that down the road she could be a really fascinating addition to the team um yeah but i hear i hear where you're coming from i don't think that's that's off base uh it's I think I'm taken yeah. by the fact that I think this is the most I think this is the most I'm getting out of a first season of one of these animated shows and knowing sure. where where they can go. Like when I think about Clone Wars first season and Rebels first season, it was a lot harder for me to get on board. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it, it wins me over and I felt much more in tune quicker with the Bad Batch personally. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll agree with that. Okay, I yeah. So real quickly, Ben, you don't know who Omega is? Omega is revealed to be the only other unaltered clone of Jango Fett. Uh, oh. She so basically she's Boba's sister. Oh, um, 
I like Omega actually quite a bit. Um, I really, I don't, I hear what you're saying, but I think just I like the lone wolf and cubification of Star Wars. I think it's fun, um, and I and I do quite enjoy the character. I also really like how the show is weaving in basically Filoni characters a lot. Like me, like Ming Na Wen comes back as Fennec Shand. Um, Tad yeah. Bane is in the show, and I, I um, briefly um, there's one character that I did not expect to see. Uh, that I just I'm halfway through an episode where I'm just like, Oh, I did not think I'd see you here. And I don't want to spoil it just in case you guys haven't seen it. Um, yeah, I quite, I quite enjoy the show. Kind of like sparks. Like I, I, I'm much more in tuned with, with this from the jump than I was clone wars and rebels. I don't think it'll ever hit where rebels did for me, but I'm quite enjoying it. I, I also just don't, I also just find the writing also not as good as those other shows. Mm-hmm. Sure. I think it, I think it, I think it's, it's also like, it's not their fault, but it is like, it's just a bunch of clones and they all have different personalities, but they're all, they're all, they're all clones. Yeah. Um, and they do, ha- they all, they're all distinct. But for me, um, besides, like, besides maybe a wrecker, they're not distinct enough, <laughs> maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I, but maybe Omega is, is needed. Otherwise it would just be a bunch of, bunch of dudes. I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think Omega adds, adds a lot to the bad batch because honestly i think it was smart to include her because otherwise it's just four it's just four d bradley baker characters talking just being manly men and omega kind of gives them a softer in for audiences and i i and and allows them and allows them to have a character a character arc that's not just well what do we do now but i think i'm still figuring out why she exists like in the show or just like as a character in the show Oh, because she's the contingency. She's the Camino and contingency plan. Uh, should because the they mentioned in the first episode. So, the so she's, Django Fett, real quickly, Spark. The Django Fett DNA that they have is deteriorated to the point that they can't use it anymore. Okay. And Omega is their contingency. Like we can use Omega to make more clones. Oh, she's the the DNA sequence thing from Man of Steel. Got it. They made her because they didn't have access to Boba anymore. Got yeah. it. Okay. Okay. So so. They they have no one else they can keep making clones from, except her. Yeah, okay. uh, which is which is why they which is why the Bad Batch now have to keep her out of Camino, because uh, they'll kill her. Makes sense. Okay. Anyway, um, I'm excited to see where uh, this goes. I'm not done. With I was the show gonna, yet. I was trying to say earlier that um, I think another reason the show doesn't present Lone Wolf and Cub to me is because it's not Lone Wolf, right? Yeah, because you get I'm the sure. pack of the family interacting with her. Lone, but they're wolves. Lone wolves. I, I get. I hear what you mean, but yeah, I, I, I see. Every, every show has had is doing this, and I'm like, I just don't want every show to need a kid companion. Yeah. No, I I get it. That's all. I do. I do. I do get it. I think. I think like um, Kenobi's doing a good job, so I'm not upset with that one for going mm-hmm. down the path. I think it was the logical path to take. Yeah. Um. But I. I mean, like, you do hear where there might have might have been a problem in just that idea of it or the fixation on it with the fact that like the original ideas of the story were to focus on luke and obi-wan doing this kind of story uh which i think that is just playing into the lone wolf and cub this feels like it's driven by like story purpose Mm -hmm. uh but i i do hear you like i I think one more is gonna break the camel's back um especially with halo having copied the model yeah yeah i'll say um and not in a, not in an interesting way but um i do i do like how they portray the bad batch as when order 66 happens 
they're all just kind of like, hold on. What just happened? Mm -hmm. Why are all of our clones killing the Jedi? That's weird, right? Yeah. Um, and that kind of, that kind of puts them at odds because they're they since they're deviant, the chips don't work on them at least not right away as we saw with like Wrecker and Crosshairs. And that scene that scene with Wrecker I think is the best the best uh, scene in the whole show so far. Yeah, that's a good that scene. was actually like I was really that's when I felt like the impact of, of everything because otherwise it's cool. Like, sure. yeah. it's cool because like you get he's got you see like he's getting headaches throughout mm -hmm. the like a couple episodes prior to that and it and you and you as an audience are like oh no is this is this the chip? Mm -hmm. um, and then, like, it's finally revealed that yeah, he's he's about to turn. Um, it was what, a good. What I say, it was good. Uh, good soldiers follow orders. Good soldiers follow orders. Yeah. yeah. Which is what Crosshairs was saying before, even before like the chip, mm -hmm. like fully yeah. took over. He was like, "Good soldiers follow orders." What are we doing? What an evil man. Yeah. Um, I also really appreciate that the Bad Batch. Um, most every Star Wars show gets a gets a cute little droid companion. Oftentimes, it's a new droid created just for that show. I really appreciate that the Bad Batch is just like. Gonk droid. Yeah. Just gonna use a gonk droid. Not even gonna make a new one. Just a gonk droid. It's a classic gonk. Um, I I thought that was cool. Not even a very important one. No, it's just gonk droid. Yeah. All right. Um, speaking of Star Wars, I played a lot of Lego Star Wars. I'm now through episode six and into episode seven. I just started. Um, that's a very fun game. I really like the combat, the jet, the 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 lightsaber combat. It's a lot of fun. Um. The world, every planet is huge. Like the, like almost almost to the point where you're just kind of like, I don't know if I want to walk all this way because mm -hmm. <laughs> I haven't unlocked that many vehicles. Um, but it's really cool how expansive they made. Like there's, you could easily get sidetracked from like, I have to go over here to continue the story, but like what's over here? Um, and like, it's very easy to just kind of get distracted doing things like that and different puzzles and how you unlock different types of characters is well integrated throughout the story. Um, yeah, it's quite, it's a lot of fun. It's, it is there is the, like the best Lego game, like hands down. It's, it's, it's very cool. It's very funny too. That's like exactly what Ryan and I were doing last night on the ring. It's like, you know, the grace is telling you to go that way, but we're going to go that way first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's cool when an open world can be populated to the point where you're just like, oh, Actually, hold on. Hold on, story. I'm going to go that way. Hold on. Um, I also want to shout out that I think the voice actors... I mentioned, like, the prequel voice actors are all, the are all like, mostly the actors from The Clone Wars. That's really cool. Awesome to hear them again. The, seat, the, the original trilogy voice actors, I haven't looked up the name for Han and Luke. They're great. They sound just like that era uh, Han Solo and, and Luke Skywalker. That, that era Harrison Ford and... Um, Mark, Mark Hamill. Hamill. Like, I was thinking the entire time, like, if you didn't go the route of that re-speecher, you could have just hired him to be the voice of Luke. He sounds just like Mark Hamill did in, in those movies. Um, he's got the cadence down exactly. It's crazy how uncanny it is. And same with Han. Han is a character... Harrison Ford is a voice that's really hard to imitate for a lot of actors. Uh, Battlefront 2 has a, has a Han Solo, and I don't like his voice actor at all. Um... It's very bad, but this guy dead on like it's sometimes I just think it's Harrison Ford's dialogue. Mm. It's crazy how good it is. Um, so, yeah, get those guys more jobs. It's not just a Lego game. I was gonna go uh, like like an animated show or something. What? Like, an, I don't know. Gee Willikers, like an animated show. It's based around the original trilogy. 
Um, I still, I'm, you know, I still want that animated show with Han, Luke, and Leia doing doing New Republic things. Um, and then finally, to end my week, I finished Volume Three of Thor: The Complete Collection by Jason Aaron. Um, this is wrapping up the first 19 issues of the Mighty Thor after Rag- after the Ragnar uh, Secret Wars. There's some really cool stuff in here. Um, that's just bombastic. There's the Earth Shi'ar, the Asgard Shi'ar War, where the Shi'ar gods are so pissed off at Thor for some reason, and no one can quite figure out why. And Thor has to like beat them in like god combat, and then they unleash, they unleash something, and Thor thinks it's the Phoenix. It turns out the Phoenix was just passing through. Um, and uh, Kid Omega, which I did not expect to see in this, uh, shows up and just becomes the Phoenix for a minute. I'll tell you why. Because Jason Aaron wrote Wolverine and the X-Men, and he loves Quentin Quire. Oh, cool. There's also a, a Krakoa before he was a giant island. He's just sitting on a just a little tropical tropical piece of land. Just, just, a, living, just a living island at that time. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really great art in this book. And then there's, there is one. Oh, yeah. The covers for the Asgard Shi'ar War have, uh, unworth- have Odinson and Jane together. He's not in it until like the last page when he comes from his book, The Unworthy Thor, which I haven't read yet, to just kind of be like, in for the save. It's me, The Unworthy Thor. Hello. Um, that was fun. But it's a very good book. I really like this run. Um, I knew I would, and I'm so happy I'm reading it. There's some awesome, just some truly awesome stuff in here. Like the the issue where it's revealed that the hammer actually has the god of all storms that Odin fought against uh, in like like early centuries AD or whatever BC. Um yeah. Really cool stuff. I'm gonna start volume four and then volume five in the War of the Realms. That's my week. Shall we do the bread and butter? Ben, you're on common duty of course. Yep, and look who's in the chat. Grayson live himself. Just want to pop in and say hi. He'll be listening in the background. Sounds good, my man. Thanks, Grayson. Poop, poop, butthole, poop, poop. Hope, hope it's loud so your friends can hear it. Or your ball, <laughs> hey, um, okay, so some TV show news up top. Ooh. Uh, Raised by Wolves has been canceled after two seasons. I don't think any of us was any of us were watching that. As no, well. we did a basement oh. arcade. What do you mean? We did a basement arcade. <laughs> we did a favorite block for it. Ryan and I have definitely been interested, and we just didn't get around to pulling the trigger, I think, because we both wanted to watch it together, and it didn't quite come come to fruition but i i wanted to watch it i still yeah, really so, what was actually involved so i was like just so i know what we're talking about that's a show where they're on a different they're on the, a different planet and there's robots raising children right yep True. got it uh yeah well it's gone now oh that's because none of us watched it it's our fault. <laughs> no it's, it's not our gone. fault it's just over it's our fault it's their still... website yeah you can still watch the first two seasons it's not gone no, never. Essex County. We read that. Mm-hmm. Did. Yeah. It's getting a TV show. A miniseries over at CBC, which is a Canadian network. Show would probably be here on Netflix or something. And Lemire is showrunning it. He's gonna yeah. be he's gonna be the this, in the writer's room. This has long been in development. Um for a while it was gonna be a film. So it was oh, only sure. a matter of time. It makes sense that this is gonna I'm glad this is being made for Canada. It should be. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I I would love to watch it. I love Essex County. That's, That's cool. This is gonna be like like he's been involved in other shows, but like I think this is like his first time showrunning something, right? Because he didn't showrun Sweet Tooth. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So, 
sweet. So like, but, he, he's, like, but he's got a he's got a heavy hand in how that story's changed for the for the series. I think Lemire knows how to bring these stories to television. Um, so um, and Essex County is probably one of his easiest works to bring to television, frankly. So drama um, time. Yeah, I, I'm I'm stoked. I love that book. Cold drama time. And I love Jeff Lemire. Today, Marvel released a poster that told us. I am Groot, the animated short uh, series, the animated series of shorts uh, about yeah. Groot, baby Groot specifically, is coming August 10th, which will overlap with She-Hulk. Yeah. I doubt we're doing a So we'll, we'll probably that. have a trailer this coming week because that's usually how it works. Yeah. yeah. Uh, For I am Groot. Yeah. Sparks, I think you're a little delayed. Oh, great. You might be back, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh we'll we'll give we'll we'll see what we'll see how you sound when we do our flag means death. Those bastards waited for the right day because it has been renewed for season two. I'm just I'm just very, very happy. I wasn't worried, but but I'm just very happy about it. It, it it's right. it's it was a little touch and go because like they could HBO Max could have been like mm, too progressive actually. Um but I'm happy so happy that the biggest that the biggest show in the world is getting a second season. Well, that's why because you're not going to cancel the biggest show in the world. Um, especially where where the where the final episode left left our characters. Got to wrap that up. I'm really excited. Sparks Percy Jackson had some news this week. Mm-hmm. Virginia Virginia Cull has been cast as Sally Jackson. Glenn Turman has been cast as. Chiron? Chiron? How do, how do we pronounce Chiron. that? They, they'll they probably end up saying Chiron. Ew. <laughs> Jason I'm basing, Manzoukas. That, I'm basing that off the fact that that's how they pronounce it in the movie. Gazunta? Oh yeah, that white-ass movie. <laughs> Ugh. Did I mute myself in time before I sneezed? Yeah, you did. What's Good. up? Jason Manzoukas has been cast Dionysus for Mr. That's, D. That's the best casting. Greek, Greek casting for the win. Megan Mullally has been cast as Electo. Almost the Electro. I was going to say, ooh, my favorite Spider-Man villain. And Tim Sharp has been cast as Gabe Ugliano, who's the uh, stepdad to Percy. Gabe Oogly Boogly? <laughs> Ugliano. Oh. These, are, these are cool casting announcements to get. It's a little surprising we're getting them before we get Zeus or... Really specifically, Aries. Um, I wonder if because Aries is the main, huh? I wonder if those. It's because those are those are probably bigger castings. They might not. Could be, could be. Um, because Aries is our is our main guy. Mm -hmm. Um, we've got a couple of kids we still haven't met too, uh, who are pretty important. And uh, Hades is also a pretty important role in that story. Who played Hades in the movie? Scott Coogan. Steve Coogan. Steve, Steve Coogan. Thank you. Okay. That's exciting. I'm excited for that show. Can't wait. That yeah. was weird casting. That was weird. Steve Coogan's <laughs> Hades. I didn't hate it. It was just weird. Rosario See, Dawson was um, Persephone. Uh, Persephone, yeah. See, I didn't know. I wasn't familiar with the books, but I knew who all the actors involved. So I was like, ah, it's Steve Coogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sean Bean was Zeus. Didn't even come back for the sequel. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Can't. Madam Webb? You know, that movie's coming out. I guess so. They won't, they won't stop it. <laughs> they won't stop it. <laughs> Isabel Merced, who 
I really like. She was in Dora and the Lost City of Gold, which I, I think is an awesome movie. Also, Transformers last night. Transformers, one of the best parts of the movie. Uh, she's been cast as the third female lead of the movie. <laughs> it's like, what's what? We what didn't. Is... Did we? Did we ever really talk about Dakota Johnson being cast as Madame Web? Pretty sure we did. I think we I did when it because she's like the star of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. um I don't remember that. Maybe I wasn't around for it. I don't think so. I don't. I don't remember talking about Dakota Johnson being Madame Web. I feel yeah. like I, I don't understand why I would have neglect. Why I wouldn't have put it on here. Um. I'll tell you. I'll be like, like we I... did it. But um, I, I was just faith... gonna... go ahead. I have less faith than El, Mor- Mor- El Morte, but um, or sorry, I have more. Sorry, I have more faith than El Morte. Um, just because like I like everyone who's been cast, like every actor involved, I really like. So I'm like, I just don't know what this movie is. Unlike Craven, where I'm like, I don't think they should make a solo Craven movie. I don't even know what this movie is, which means it has a greater chance to surprise me. So I don't even. I don't. I'm not negative towards this movie because I just have no earthly idea. What it is, how, which one it is, who it is, wh- how, why it is, Drax, you know. Yeah, yeah. We we still we still know it's about at least the early reports and potentially rumors where it's the second Madam Web who is also Spider Woman, Spider Girl. She was a Spider Spider Woman. I, I yeah, I don't remember. Um, but she, yeah, it's whatever. Go for it. And because it's the second one, that's one that's not blind, correct? Yeah. 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 It's the one that's not in the chair. I wouldn't be shocked, actually, if they do cast an older Madam Web and she will be like the the one taking over or something like that. Ant Man, easy to do. No. <sighs> Amy Pascal really likes to be the Marvel Universe. She wants it real bad. <laughs> yeah. Scream. Scream Six. What do we call this one? Chris Six. I'm gonna have to workshop it. Yeah, we need no. to workshop this one, guys. Okay, uh, everybody in the comments, what would this one be called? Where would you put the six? Um, let me look. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start typing. Six am. Um. Anyway, uh, Dermot Mul- Mulroney, who you guys got to look this guy up. You know who this guy is. Yeah. Um. Joy has been jo- has joined the cast as a as a cop at this point. And <laughs> he's playing a cop. Playing a um, cop. We don't know who exactly. So when you type in when you replace the six with any of the letters, the best spot for it is the e in scream. Uh-huh. But it also doesn't look good, so I don't know about this one, y'all. I'm not. Oh, I just gotta know. call it Scream Six. Just gotta call it Scream Six. They should have stopped the five cream. They had. They had it. They had it. They had it. Nope. No, no, one. no. We're we're getting hay and pantier back. They needed to make more. Oh no, that's true. Yeah, it's true. Right. That's true. Um. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. This is cool. Uh, like, cool to hear more casting. I. No offense to Mulroney. I'm just not as uh not as hype as I was about Hayden coming. So. This film is being turned around very quickly. It's coming out next year. Hell yeah. So, um, <laughs> Grayson in the Grayson in the comments, Ben, you're not even paying attention. No, I just then saw just... it. It's like six cream. Oh no. Then you're just copying the, the previous one. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. Okay. And comic book news. We'll get into the fun stuff in a minute. I hope. Um, Joe Casada is leaving Marvel Comics made an official statement that he's leaving the company. It's been a, been a long, long road for Mr. Casada. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot about Joe Casada. Do you guys have anything you want to say before I just start talking a lot about Joe Casada? I just know he was the editor-in-chief at Marvel about, about like five, six years ago. 
Um, and people don't like that he is the reason why Spider-Man and Mary Jane are not, are not together anymore. Yes, he is most famous modernly for the dude who does not like Mary Jane and Peter being together. I disagree with that. That is the worst quality of Joe Quesada. Uh, that dude's responsible for the Ultimate Universe. He's one of the reasons for the Ultimate Universe. So uh, mm-hmm. I know Sparks, you love Ultimate Spider-Man. He did the covers for Ultimate Spider-Man. He was a big proponent for Bendis working at Marvel. Um, yes. Quesada uh, definitely is, he uh, ran the peer to Marvel that I love the most. Uh, I think the stuff that he was doing with interconnectivity uh, is the best that Marvel e- has ever done, except for maybe now with like the X-Men stuff. But like everything he did with the Avengers and Bendis and disassembled the new Avengers, having Wolverine and Thing like and Spider-Man on the Avengers team, that changed Marvel forever. Because the Avengers, before the movie, guys, like people think the Avengers are the biggest thing in the world. Nobody gave a shit about the Avengers in the comics. They still don't really. They still don't. Like <laughs> Avengers gets outsold by like X-Men comics all the time. Like it's it's just really funny. But Joe Casada also brought uh Daredevil back into the limelight. He did Daredevil with uh with Kevin Smith. That whole era w- was amazing. Uh when he became editor in chief, uh uh he did the Spider-Man stuff, and that was the slow downfall. Um, but that's only the worst that's the worst thing he did. I love pretty much everything else he's done. Um, I think he- the best thing he ever did was was push Bendis. Because like the Bendis era of Marvel, when he's hot, it's like that's the best. That's the best era. That 2005, 2010 era. Same with DC, honestly. Sure, I remember. I remember his um, his posters for the Defender series on Netflix. He did yeah. a lot of the teaser posters that they would release at Comic Con. He um he did a cover for Ghost Rider um that because uh, uh, I just I just read something like uh, uh, earlier in the week about like his legacy or whatever. So I'm not pulling mm-hmm. this out of my ass or anything. Uh, <laughs> i actually did like uh, i didn't know this before um but like yeah he was doing covers for such a long time and then he just he slowly worked his way in then he became editor in chief and i was like i have a thing i have a i have a feeling we can do better and he did he made the avengers into an actual profitable book um so he's kind of think he's one weird reason that the avengers is as popular as it is now so uh mm-hmm. thanks joe i don't know why you hate marriage <laughs> i mean he shares that with dan didio yeah both awful opinions because uh, Dan Didio was like, people were bringing this up this week, which is the only reason why it's readily in my mind. But they were bringing up the fact that J.H. Williams wasn't allowed to marry uh, Kate Kate to Maggie Sawyer. Um, and Dan Didio was the reason why. And that that's why J.H. Williams left Batwoman. And it's it's like superheroes shouldn't be married. But like you're also doing this to, to a, a queer couple. So it's just like it's, the optics are real bad, my guy. I'm so sorry. And I'm sorry. One of your best New 52 books Absolutely. that you just cut off at the knees ruin that book um because that book ruled yeah batman incorporated is coming back speaking of batman ed brisson uh with art by john timms will be relaunching batman incorporated coming out of the current batman arc uh like shadow war i think it's called Mm -hmm. um there's no plot details at this point but the batman incorporated team now owned by lex Luthor, are in shadow are in the shadow war arc that's coming out in october We've all read Batman Inc. Yeah, love that book. No, damn, no. damn. Uh, I Batman Inc. for me, it that's that's like that's like the final Batman story. <laughs> it's like Endgame Batman, where Batman is so comfortable, like he's he loves being Batman and he wants to save the world, but it's obviously beyond Gotham. So he makes he makes the the, the Justice League of Batman around the world, and it's awesome. You got like Knight and Squire and like the Japanese Batman. He's like a Knight and Squire. Movie. Knight and Squire are my favorites. I love those two. The Batman Inc. Uh, uh, Grant Morrison, Chris Burnham book. Um, incredible book. So much fun. And like I thought that, again, that's like a part of uh, a DC history that I thought would just never come back because that's such a huge thing to do with Batman. 
Um, even if it's like, I'm not caught up with, with what the current uh, iteration with the Lex Luthor and stuff, I'm going to have to now because I want to. But if it is Batman Inc., the idea of that, uh, that is such a that is such a juicy, fruitful idea. Uh, I'm I'm so excited when I saw this. Me too. Uh, Ed Brisson's a good choice for it too. Yeah, he's he's a, a good up and comer. Yeah, yeah. I only read um, the first issue because it was coming out as part of like whatever was launching at the time. Sure. The New Fifty Two relaunched Batman Incorporated um, because Grant Morrison was like, "I'm not done. You're going to let me finish." He it was like everything changes except for the Batman and Green Lantern and whatever Grant Morrison's doing over here. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, yeah. That Jeff Johns had the same thing where it's like, I'm not done with my Green Lantern stuff. You're not, you're not, we're not doing this. Yeah. The new, it was like more like the new 49. Yeah. All right. But that's coming out soon. Check that out. Okay. Now we're into some of the fun stuff because the PlayStation State of Play happened. Ooh, that it did. Anyone else want to take this over? Who knows more about this than I do? I'll just read out the stuff if you want me to. I don't have the the thing in front of me, but like you picked like there there it's it was a thirty minute state of play. Um, mm-hmm. so it's super short if you guys want to watch it. We did leave off some of the indie stuff, but the entire state of play I think is worth watching. I think every, almost every game this is one of the best ones I've ever done. Like every single game is like looks cool. Yeah, and they revealed God of War, which is coming out at the end of this year. That's absolutely coming out this year, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Um, okay, well, let's... Mean. <laughs> all right. Uh, Final Fantasy sixteen had its yes. reveal trailer. We got some gameplay. We got some more of the of the summons of the of the or what they're calling acons, like the classic Final Fantasy summons. Ifrit, Bahamut. Um, they added Garuda because Garuda would used to be a, a monster. Bless you. Yeah, and Grayson, of course, is going woo, God of War. Ifrit. And I am, I am super excited to what ben, to how this game looks. It looks it, so it good. It looks like it looks like like when. Like when the like when the titans and or like when the summons are up, it looks it turns into like a fighting game. It looks like at times. It does. Like they, they get health bars, yeah. and I'm like, what? What is going on in this game? It looks incredible. It looks insane. Well, normally the summons are there. It's just like you summon the special this, attacks. Yeah, there's there's super strong special attacks, and yeah. now that the summons are actually like in say Final Fantasy X, the summons played a major role in ten because you have to summon the Aeons to fight Sin, the giant you know whale of death. Mm-hmm. But then in this game. It's like you these summons inhibit these certain characters, and I think the main character is the who controls Ifrit, the fire summon, one of the earliest summons you get in the, in the games. And I am just so excited for how this looks. Um, I'm a big fan of action RPGs. I love it when I get to control how my character moves. I, that's why I love 15. That's mm-hmm. why I really loved 7 Remake. Um, I mean, there has been some people online who have been bitching and moaning about, oh, I missed the old turn-based Final Fantasy. It's like, we got to try and do something new and we're doing something new. Yeah. We got 30 years of those games. Go play them. 35 actually. There you go. Yeah. Long ass time, but the game looks so pretty. The game looks so gorgeous. You got like a bunch of particle effects going left and right. And the only thing that I, I heard that the, you will have a party. It's, it's not just like a single player game. It's hopefully they'll do something like they did in seven R where you can switch, where you can have multiple party members and you can switch which one you're controlling. Mm Mm-hmm. I, now it's a rumor we didn't see in the trailer, but other than that, I'm hyped. I really hope they stick to that summer 2023 release date. I hope they do. But I have to imagine after 15, because uh, they did all that DLC where you play as every other character too. So like mm-hmm. I have to imagine that they're set. They're just they've been building up to you just the same thing with with Seven R. Like you said, like just having a bunch of different people you can do like an old Final Fantasy game, but yeah. in a modern open world action RPG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All right. It's pretty excited. 
Resident Evil 4 remake. Another one I'm actually really excited for because Resident Evil 4 is my favorite Resident Evil game. It's also the one I've actually only played the whole way through. I was going to say, isn't it the only one you've actually played? Doing that it's, the only, it's the only one I've played the whole way through. Now, I mind you, can I, may, I, may, may I say, it's the only one I've played. Yeah, it's you, really did you beat it? Game. Did you beat the game? Oh, no, I didn't play it all the way through. Like Ben is, oh. as Ben is saying, I only played it. We used to have this, we had a, 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 a like a youth center that you would go to after school and someone brought Final Fantasy 4 mm. to that. And we and I, I, I played it a bit, but that Resident was... Resident Evil 4. What did I say? Final, Final Fantasy 4. Whoops, Resident <laughs> Evil 4. And, and that's the only time I ever played a Resident Evil game. Yeah. Um... This is very obviously exciting. This is the same team that's done the past remakes. So, like, mm-hmm. the quality is going to be there no matter what. Um, four uh, is interesting because of all the past Resident Evil games, uh, it it still holds up. That game is almost 20 years old, and it still holds up. Uh, yeah. they've, it's been re-released and remastered and put on phones and put on computers and put in VR. Uh, it's, it's almost as much as Skyrim at this point, but it's because it's such a beloved, like, well-crafted game. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm beyond pumped for this. Like, like, like two and three. I didn't, I didn't play three, um, remake. But like, I'm so pumped for this, man. Like, it looks yeah. so, looks so spooky. Yeah, Grayson, he's here saying RE4 is the only one he's not afraid of. Um, I remember there's one time in Resident Evil Four when, because Resident Evil Four was the first Resident Evil game I begged my parents to get me for. When I heard first for the news that it was going to be on the GameCube only, I was like, Mom, Dad, can I have the GameCube? And then Capcom pulled the back that deal and put it on the PS on the PS2. I loved that game. And I was I was absolutely terrified. I will never forget I was in the end of near the end of the game and I was stuck in a room with those enemies where you have to find their weak points with a thermal scope. And they don't and they they don't die. Like they respawn. Yeah. Yeah. They um I was in a room, the lights were off in my living room. And all I could hear was just this incessant breathing of one of the monsters that I couldn't find. I killed every other one, but I couldn't find this one monster. And all of a sudden, it he just still popped. haunts me today. Behind you, it it popped out of me. It popped out of me. I started yelling and, and started shooting wildly. My mom comes down the hall. She's like, "What are you yelling for? It's one in the morning." <laughs> all the time, my mom really yelled at me for playing games so late. So I'm pumped. I'm looking forward to it. We knew this was coming, but it looks. But what we did see. It looks gorgeous. It looks absolutely stunning, and I cannot wait. I have a question about these. I, I watched the trailer for this. Um, the Resident Evil remakes. You guys have talked about them before. They're ground. They're ground up remakes of of the original Resident Evils. How close do they adhere to? Like, how close will this remake adhere to the original, or do they like change stuff? How drastically um, different are they? It's almost. It's almost exactly the same. Their yeah. their dialogue cleanup, but it's 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 basically the same. Okay. The thing, the thing that's interesting about this one, which is why a while ago I brought up to Ryan, you know, do you think they really go through with four? Um, is because two and three were different in their in their way that they were made, like the type of game, uh, in the it's way that you're playing way. with the controls and everything is different from what the remakes have done with two and three. They reinvented the gameplay from that from that standpoint, and four that wasn't necessary to do. Four's mm-hmm. gameplay is so universal that you would want to play it today that's why it's on switch you know like it's on all these consoles because resident evil 4 plays as well as modern video games do uh it didn't need to be retooled to that degree so it's not quite clear how differently dynamic this one will be based on this trailer 
Uh, is that a fair assessment, Ryan? No, absolutely. Yeah, and the thing is, like, with games like with at least the first the first four Resident Evil games, uh, they're all great. Uh, once we get the five and six and some of the offshoots, like different qualities, but like you don't you don't have to change it if it's so good. Just make it look better. My, it's like my, remaking something. Like you don't want to get rid of something if it works. My my estimation would be because they're remake they're doing it, so they they'll want to. It will be a different experience. They'll want it to be. Um, the the standard has been that the remakes of two and three are much faster. You have to think faster. You have to move faster. I yes. suspect four will also be picking up the speed. I think it will yeah. be faster than maybe, the original. I would assume maybe they add a few more quick time events in the cutscenes because, I mean, you two played Resident Evil Four, the original one, so because you know, in their times, a cutscene's going, and all of a sudden, Dude, you're you're, you're running from boulders like yeah, in the Yeah, you're running from boulders, or you're tied up with that one guy, and the dude with the big axe comes in, and he, if you don't hit the button at the right time, he's gonna kill you, chop your head yeah. off. I think there's an added amount of like they know going into it that most most gamers have on some level touched the original at some point, if not played the entire thing. So to really to really make it feel like something not only that's fresh but might still scare you, speed is I think going to be yeah. the key. Uh, and what's really cool is uh, I didn't pick this up, but like hardcore people who have like picked it apart, uh, people think this isn't just going to be a remake. They're doing what they do. I guess spoilers for what they did in in Final Fantasy VII remake, where it's oh, not shit. just a it's not just a remake because oh, there's shit. a line that Leon says it's like it's like it's like he says something into the lines of like I'm doing this again and it's not the same or something to that line at the end of the trailer and people are like what if it what if they're doing it again in like a weird Evil Two situation where it's kind of doing it again but it's not you know what I mean like well that's I, what I was curious because it um that does the trailer implies like a dual narrative happening you play as a second character i don't remember that being the case in the first one i mean there is um, ada wong story but you don't um uh, unlock her stuff until after you beat the main campaign so and yeah, i was curious he plays other stuff in like side stuff because because i think that's ada wong in the trailer we see her in the trailer yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah so he it's plays ashley and stuff too so like it's not it's not mm -hmm. unfounded but I was also curious, like, because I saw a lot of discourse about, like, how they changed plot elements. I was wondering how frequent that was and could they change any, like, thing of, like, the story in, in this game? I think I, it's... So, go people ahead, have, Real quick, people have speculated because Resident Evil 4, it's also one of the longest uh, single-player narrative games. It's, like, 20 hours. It is, it is a chunky narrative single-player game where most games are half that length um it is incredibly long so people are speculating because the newer Resident Evil games like 7 and 8 they're like 10 to 12 hours long um so people are speculating that they will condense it and make it even better by removing some of the fluff because it is a pretty it is a pretty fluffy game there are some this stuff is... that you cut. that's not bad but that's again where I think the speed comes in I would not be surprised if we're getting like kind of a, a reinvention or rewriting even that the game doesn't necessarily need to go the way it does because five and six do not have a strong fan base. They're not no. beloved. And so Ryan and I were talking about this recently, like they're going to do it right. They're going to redo five and six, but not like redo those stories. They're going to make brand new five and six. And I think that's true. I think that's what they're going for. I think they want to make a five and six that feels more in line with the franchise, especially leading into seven, because the whole reason why a lot of these started getting made is to get at the audience that got in on seven. Yeah, and that's why people are thinking that um, that they're going to tie in plot elements from from eight, and very much uh, Resident Evil Eight Village is very much a, it's not a remake, but it is very much a spiritual successor to four. Right. Uh, you you deal with a village and you're going to a castle. Uh, very much the same kind of elements are happening. So people think they're going to tie four to eight, 
So in the markup of five, six, seven, it actually makes all narrative sense. It's one giant narrative that really makes sense uh, from one to eight. From yeah. remake one to eight. They would have to stop. At, they just have to stop the remakes at five and six, right? Like they couldn't. Like yeah, it's too early. It's too oh, yeah. early to remake seven. Oh, no, seven. no, no, no. Yeah, you you do all this to get to seven to right. because that, again, like you you started doing this to grab the audience that got into Resident Evil because of seven, and they didn't do one and zero because those had already been remastered in a way that they felt like they didn't need to they said it really respectfully like they didn't want to they, they thought it had been touched up really well professionally when the remaster had been made and because that was the original they didn't want to retread that water yeah mm -hmm. uh they wanted to leave that intact as is but they knew they could like begin again with two um so i think it's very likely we see past this a a five and six that is five and six in name only and not necessarily bringing the story from those games because those uh, games were panned pretty hard yeah i i think it might be a situation where um i don't because it's like it is it is the lore it's kind of like you know like the prequels like how do you feel about the star wars prequels like like they're not they're not better they're not let's just say they're not great movies right but you respect the lore you know we got clone wars out of those movies right you i don't think they're going to change the story of six five and six because that's we it is still canon to get to seven stuff that happens in five and six is, leads into seven so you can't change it but you can fix it you can maneuver it to make it a better I, story i should be more specific that i wouldn't be surprised if we follow perhaps different events and characters that are happening around that story uh in this in the stories of five and six i say as someone who's not intimately familiar with the details of both of those titles yeah but, but if that leaves them more room for for reinvention where you're able to follow a slightly side path but i always say this because like i know you're not familiar with them but like five stars chris and the stuff that happens in five leads directly to where he ends up in seven so like mm -hmm. if you can have the same story, just make it a better game. I think you can you can have an entirely new script, but the story elements have to be the same. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying change the story elements. I'm just saying we might follow a different character who's on the side of Chris's story, while Chris's story is happening, which sure. might give them more freedom to do something. Sure, I think they're just going to remake the games as similar as they have for the last five games of Bayonetta Four, though. All right, um, Street Fighter Six. I love style. They're love trying vibe. something new with Street Fighter Six. I didn't get to watch this trailer. Uh, Can you elaborate? This, this yeah, trailer's so... this trailer's starting to use some open world stuff with Street Fighter, and boy, does it look more appealing than another open world game we're going to talk about later. Oh, oh yeah, I already forgot. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, what's cool about this is this is the Street Fighter universe. It's also been uh, Final Fight. Is Final Fight yep. something? Yeah. So yep. the Final city, Fight, city. Yeah. So the city that the, the Street Fighter Six takes place in is from Final Fight. So mm -hmm. this is like Metro a city. cool Me Metro sorry, City. Yeah. Metro City. Cool. Cool. Metro yeah. City. Um, it's gonna be like a big open world like fighting RPG, and like yeah. Mortal Kombat had that in the PS2 era. Um, I'm excited for that to come back. That's great. Yeah. Um, I mean, it looks great. It looks very stylized. Um, I actually kind of, I really enjoy Chun-Li and Ryu's new designs. Like I like Ryu's beard, Chun-Li's bracelets. They don't have the big spikes on it, but they're still bracelets that give homage, homages to that. Um, I do like the open world stuff where you still fight other characters, but you, you go around and you're talking to people who knows what it's, but we still don't know everything that's going to happen with street fighter six. Um, I'm actually 
looking forward to this because I know a lot of people have a lot of problems with Street Fighter V. I mean, those problems eventually got fixed down the road, but when it first launched, it, that game was panned. And and I'm actually kind of glad because this looks like they're doing more of a story thing, but they still have that arcade element to it because a lot of these fighting games, a lot of these long-running fighting games, um, barring Mortal Kombat because that has a story throughout, but Street Fighter Four, Street Fighter Five, even Soul Calibur Six, it's just like they have like the story of the game is you playing through the arcade, the arcade mode as one character, and then you find out what happens to them, but that doesn't affect the overarching plot of the game. And it's often like a like thirty second like cutscene of just yeah. pictures, like Johnny beat the tournament and went to go live with his mom, and I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. And it's just yeah. a picture of the guy going, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that was a lot. Like the last main Street Fighter, I really dug my teeth into was Street Fighter Four on my 3DS, and I would beat the campaign with certain character, or I would beat a, a mode with certain characters, and it was exactly that. It was just like, oh, and after we beat M Bison, Blanco went back to Brazil to live with his family because everything is fine, or Ken went back to making movies, and Guile was like, he's back behind bars. Let's keep him there this time. Wasn't Something. anything much. Now that there looks like there's an actual story mode where you are not playing as the world warrior, but you're fighting against characters like Chun Li and Ryu, so you can become the next world warrior. I'm looking forward to it. I would like to see this happen. So uh, Street Fighter Five did have a campaign, but it came out many, many months after the release. Yeah, like you're right, Ben. Like that Street Fighter Five came out like the most bare bones game you could possibly have, and it took years of goodwill and free shit uh, mm -hmm. to <laughs> to get that game to where it is. Um, yeah, and the campaign. Their campaign is just like Mortal Kombat, so where you play as a character, uh, you fight a bunch of people, and you switch to another character. So, like, Mortal Kombat really invented something really great. The thing that I'm really excited about the fighting in this game is Tekken, the last couple of Tekken games, and no other game does it. I don't know why. They do these things where when you connect with special moves, it does the camera zoom in, and it goes like, huh, and you see it, and it turns into, like, a movie cinematic. And only Tekken does that. But Street yeah. Fighter Six is starting to do that. So you do a cool kick, and you see, it, like, the cinematic angle of it. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, like... It's not just better graphics. It's just like uh, it's better animations. It's more fluid. Like it looks so yeah. fluid. I mean, this game's kind of the PS5. The PS5 looks absolutely gorgeous. We haven't. Do we have like a, a mainline fighting game that came out just for the PS5, or is this gonna be our first one? Because I can't think of anything. Mortal Kombat got an upgrade, but there's yeah, no. Yeah, Eleven got an upgrade. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't plugged in Soul Calibur Six into the PS5 just yet, but I mean, I'm sure it's gonna look great. But I'm sure there's no upscaling for it. But I mean, I'm looking forward to see. I mean, I hope that this is a step in the right direction for Capcom because ever since Street Fighter Five came out, Capcom fighting games have kind of been on the. Because after Street Fighter Five, we then got the disaster that was Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, and now hopefully, fingers crossed, that with Street Fighter Five or Street Fighter Six, excuse me, also with the Capcom Fighting Collection selling well and also being a good game, a good collection, we might see a returns of it because there's this thing called the Capcom Test where Capcom releases a collection of something, if sales do well on that collection, then they're going to go and start other projects. Guess what's taken over the almost the entirety of that collection that's coming out later this year? Street Fighter. Darkstalkers. Oh, Darkstalkers. So we, there's like four Darkstalkers. How are we supposed to guess that? <laughs> it's one of those fighting games that, know, that a lot of fans have been like, bring back Darkstalkers, but it's like, here's Street Fighter instead. It's like, I mean, no, it, there's a Street it, Fighter game on that, on that collection. Dark Sox is cool. It has, a, it, has a, it has a fan base. Yeah. So I I would, I mean, I'm looking forward to the fighting collection. I'm looking forward to Street Fighter 6. Sparky, call, call me when they bring back Power Stone. 
Oh yeah. Bro, uh, Bro. IGN, I think it was IGN. They just put up like a like a ten best of Dreamcast games, and you know what was it? What wasn't on there? It was Power Stone on Power Stone. What is wrong with them? <laughs> I haven't even played the game. I just know it by proxy. But even I'm like, how dare they? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm worried this might get into a long thing. But like, I thought Marvel versus Capcom Infinite was good. I don't, I don't remember hearing anything bad about it. It's uh, it was um the gameplay wasn't the best. The roster was lacking. They they didn't bring back any of the X Men characters because they wanted to pander towards the movie audiences instead. Big MCU, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and also there's um there's DLC stuff. Um, they took a step backward. They didn't like the Infinity Stone. The, the Infinity, Infinity Stone mechanic like wasn't it. good. You can they, it was essentially you can break the game. Um, <laughs> people liked three, which was the one before yes. that. Nice. Three was three, awesome. great. All right. Yeah, the style in this looks cool. I might uh, play it. We'll see. The Callisto Protocol. Next Ben's going to play this one. Next year, Basement Arcade, Ben. <laughs> I don't find this that scary. I just don't like the look of some of the monsters, especially that one where the dude is like, he's like, he has like, the, this. he's like attached to the wall. Half of his face is all messed up, but the eye yeah. is still moving. And I'm, I'm pretty like, sure that's exactly when that happened that I said to Ryan, uh yeah ben's gonna play this one <laughs> yeah i'm not i was watching this tra- i mean it looks it looks pretty damn scary i'm not looking forward to playing this one with you guys just letting you so, know right now this one before i'll play but not no not this one uh this is from x uh dead space developers so it's it's really a blessing that in, in a very short time we're not only getting a new uh dead space game uh, from the original guys who made Dead Space, but we're also getting a Dead Space remake, which is, by all accounts, looking to be like an incredible remake of that original game because it's just that original game, but it sounds better, looks better, like runs better. Uh, how it's how you do a, re- a remake. Um, mm. I just love big creepy uh, Cthulhu monsters in space. I can't wait for definitely. I think that's Troy Baker talking. That guy talks in every trailer ever made. He's every character ever. Um, I love culty stuff in space. Can't wait. Culty stuff in space. Uh, Stray was announced to be coming uh, free for PS Plus members, but it's coming in July. Oh, it's free. You did not know that. No. If you buy the... Because PS Plus is getting relaunched with multiple tiers, remember? Uh It's It's if you get the higher tier. Oh, because I I saw... Because I I looked into this because I was wondering if I was getting it. It's just... It's not... It's not the tall tall tier. It's coming... I thought it was coming to everything. That's what I read. So, like, if you have PlayStation Plus, you'll get this game. It's in the premium tier, which is the middle tier. That's what, that's that's the one where you get all the new PlayStation games, basically, like Xbox Game Pass, eventually. Um, PS Plus is still going to be the exact same for us. You get like the free month of games. That one's coming to the premium membership. So if you want to pay an extra couple bucks a month, you'll get it. Well, I heard things about that PlayStation Plus, like the top tier with all the older games. Um, I heard some things about that that I'm not happy about. PlayStation's up to their old to the same shit they were with the PlayStation Classic. What? I'm no shocked. Idea. Yeah, no. Yeah, no no yeah, idea what that means. Just sticking with PlayStation Plus. D- don't worry about. Don't worry about it. Um, emulation's not going to be pretty good. That's why I've heard because they're still going to be using the freaking PAL versions and not the NTSC, the North American versions, because they run differently. Anyways, what? Um, going to straight. I'm straight shocked. looks adorable as hecky. Straight looks really cool because hmm. straight's a kitty. Uh, yeah, this game. It looks cute. The fact that it comes out so soon makes me really, really happy. Um. And it's only thirty bucks. Um, it looks just really, really, really adorable. Yeah, I'm not paying seventy bucks yeah. for this short ass game, bro. <laughs> All right, 
Uh, anything you want to add on that one before we move on? Um, I think Stray looks really, really, really good. I'm really excited for it. I love Robot. Um, Stray looks really... My outlier, I would say Stray is very... It looks very good. But my, my top one is Final Fantasy sixteen. Yeah, me too. Uh, I really want to play Season, A Letter to the Future. Yeah, that's a cool vibey game. Yeah, I really like that trailer. If you wanted me to put those on, I was curious about that. I should have asked you. I'm sorry. It's fine. We don't need to like do a whole conversation about it. I think that game looks like a very pretty indie game that I would like to spend some time in. Mm -hmm. That's it. All right, let's get into some trailers then. He talked more trailers. Hopefully get out of it as quickly as we can. Gotham Knights. Collective sigh. Yeah. I'm not watching this. It's quite terrible. Come on, Sparks. You're the CW guy. You got to watch it. No, I don't. It's not in the Arrowverse. I'm not beholden (laughs) to them anymore. I'm free. (laughs) I actually thought we were talking about the video game Gotham Knights. I'm like, but wait, we already had a trailer for Gotham Knights. This must have been a typo. Whoops. You got two shows you got me locked in on now. They are Flash and Superman and Lois. And then I'm out. It's really cool and fun. Not cool. It's funny because uh, a day after this terrible trailer came out, the Twitter page for the Gotham Knights video game came out saying, we are not in any way related to the CW TV show. If you have any questions about that show, please at these other people because it looks terrible. You see the Batman outfit that they got on that guy? That's not even a Batman outfit. I can't believe that they greenlit this pilot while canceling batwoman with their other hand which is the same thing uh but better <laughs> no i know but it's like they canceled the better batman's gone and this legacy has to take over for a worse yeah i i don't get I it think. i don't i like it's bold it is bold to cancel a show where you were retaining an audience of people invested in Gotham in Batman related characters and the next year put out a different show about Batman related characters Sparks. that for all intents and purposes looks way worse. Sparks. It is bold to put out a show this shitty looking. Yeah. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. It's, it's certainly one of the worst trailers we've watched in a while. That and it was three minutes long. It just never ended. I feel like I watched no. the whole pilot. Because I'm showing you that yeah everything is 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 wrong like i was i was so look i i like to give something a benefit of the doubt but yeah. like i knew from the moment you were just like we're not going to use we're, we're not going to use any of the famous characters we're going to make up an original character and then we're going to populate it with harper and colin who i like as characters but not enough to carry a damn show um this looks awful so here's here's what's really really funny is that we have two properties that are doing the same thing but insanely different ways. We have the we have the game that's about the sons and daughters of Gotham taking over after Batman's gone. And that is what the CW show is doing as well. Mm-hmm. But the CW show is like, oh, we don't want to actually like be associated with Batman though. If they had just honestly, this wouldn't have fixed it, because it still looks like crap. But like at least using well-known Batman characters like Dick, uh, Jason, Tim, and Steph. Like or even Damien, like using well-known Batman characters would have at least gotten people to be like, I mean, I guess I'll give this a shot. I... But you you screwed up everything from the ma- making the show te- from making the show look that bad to making it so that even people with a passing interest would even be interested in it. Yeah, and like I know they're reaching for the barrel when they go for Joker's daughter, because like 
that's not a character that anybody likes. No. <laughs> that's a bad, that's a bad, a bad And she's just doing a bad Harley Quinn. Yeah. Um, and then you got uh, Misha, Misha, right? Misha Collins? That's what that Misha is. Collins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doing, just being a guy, I guess that's Harley Dent. I mean, he'll lose half his face somehow during this first season, I'm sure. Um, I, I like, and I like Harper Rowe. Like, I, that's a cool Scott Snyder new character, but like. Bluebird. But like, yeah, like it's really cool. Like we're at a point where we can make a Batman show on TV. Like that's really cool. We have a Superman show. I don't even mind the, I don't mind the idea of making the Gotham Knights idea, but just everything about the execution is just like, I don't think anybody really cared like even at all. They it's, it just looks like a CW show and those are allowed to exist to, you know, high drama, soapy Riverdale type shit. That's allowed to exist. Uh, but unfortunately this is catering to us. And this is this, this isn't it. Well, this and looks I think like it's worse than anything Riverdale could come up with. Yeah. Well, and I think it's a slap in the face for the people who were watching Batwoman, who liked Batwoman. Yeah. Batwoman was not bottom of the barrel in the Arrowverse shows by any means. Like, I think it was, I think it was doing pretty well. Uh, I, I had a lot of things that I valued about that and that I thought were worth watching. And if to, to cancel that and then just put this one out is like, what are you doing, guys? Like this, this is. But, you at least had an audience with Batwoman. But Sparks. Hmm. It's Carrie Kelly from Trig. I don't give a shit. <laughs> See, and, and you know, that's what's funny is like in a different show like that, that would be funny. Like you see your, your, you see your classmate out in a superhero, like, oh my God, you're that girl from my class. Like in a, in like a Spider-Man cartoon, like that's, or a Spider-Man show, that's funny. Right. But like in the context of this and like, it's just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Why, why in the world? Would anyone create a new character for Batman? A, a new adopted son for Batman? When the he's only, got so many that aren't in the show. The only thing that I can think of is like, they're going to reveal that like, he's somehow related. What's your something. real name? Grayson. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. If anything, he'll be like Dick Grayson's son or some bullshit or something. Yeah. Um, I just, no. It's just a bummer because we, I think what happened is the show was too far in development. So like it'll get canceled after one season, but it's unfortunate that we're going to have to endure a whole season. <laughs> well, but it wasn't, that's the thing. They, no? they, they greenlit that pilot. They didn't have to greenlight that pilot. Could just, could have just stopped guys. Maybe could have just stopped. Yeah. They could have stopped, but like, I don't know. So least... we thought we, we thought that justice you wasn't happening. I think it's happening now. I just don't think definitely. they care. It's definitely happening. Uh, I, I at least suspect that to be higher quality just because Diggle's involved. <laughs> I am now so happy I did not watch this trailer. I don't. Oh. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that's no. happening. I think they're. I think they're killing the Arrowverse. Nah. I'm Outside sure. of Superman and Lois, I think that it's on its. It's on its way out. We'll see. I don't think they're going to keep putting things in the context of that universe. I don't. Wow. We know that Superman and Lois is like Lois is safe because of HBO Max. Flash, we're pretty sure is ending next season. Right. Um, so they'd have to get it out for Flash's last season and then cancel it after one if they really want I, to kill I it. Say, I say I think they're getting they're on their way out with it because like you you canned half of it. Mm-hmm. You did. Like like half of what the audience was watching and you canned half of it without them having an ending. So people who have been like the loyal speaking from personal experience, people who have been the loyal Arrowverse followers who have been watching all these shows, you have usually give them given them their like their ending, their way out. Mm-hmm. You cut short two of these shows one of them a gotham focused bat character show to put in this show uh and superman and lois does the barest minimum to stay within the arrowverse like and flash is on its way out the door i'm positive so 
I don't think the Arrowverse sticks around. I think they're just going to do their own like DC properties now. I especially think that most of DC is not really that interested on in CW shows uh, for their characters anymore. I think if they can, they'd rather bring them to HBO Max. Yeah, I think the CW era is ending soon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, when we know that they're looking to sell the CW. So Ben, you should watch this trailer just to see how bad it is. And also, why didn't you watch it? Do your homework. Well, first of all, I thought it was a typo because I saw Gotham Knights I, and I went to the video game. To be I fair, had, yeah, that's fair. I had assumed that we all knew, so I didn't write the CW one. Had, I should have done that. I'm it, sorry, it, Ben. It's my oversight. No, dude, it, it's totally fine. I thought you were smarter. Pick Pinocchio. Or I'm just, more, no, you're just not on Twitter as much as we are, Ben. It's fine. <laughs> I'm I, mean, I'm I, I am on Twitter, but I guess my feed wasn't not, because I was scrolling through Twitter to see if I can like find like a, a still silent video of what the trailer at least looks like. All I saw were tweets of people saying how bad that trailer looked. Like, the, my favorite one was, CW must be a laundering scheme because there's no way that Gotham Knights trailer was real. Yeah, right. Or they'd be laundering money or something. And it was Pinocchio. I did see this one. I like Tom Hanks' Geppetto. That's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> I don't. I this this trailer did nothing for me. Like it's just it's a teaser. So like it's not like uh, the the uh what's his name? Jiminy Jiminy Glick. Jimmy Cricket. I know his name. If you were to make the Disney animated film into a live action film, this is exactly what it would look like. Sure. Well, well. I've seen Dumbo. I mean, I'm, uh, not uh, nope. What? You can't put it on here and then not say anything about it. Uh, I, it's just, Brandon, I thought I, I didn't connect with it. It's just a teaser. It's like, yes, this is what a live action Pinocchio would look like. So until I'm not, I get... I'm not saying that I'm sad I put it on here. I don't care. I'm saying this sucked. This royally sucked. It's just, yeah, it's just like a teaser. It's like, because we all know Pinocchio. We're supposed to go like, oh, member berries. So like, yeah, and, okay. And my my stumbling through that was me not wanting to be so negative. Yeah. It's very exhausting because there's a lot of he on here that I'm just like, this is terrible. <laughs> Why do you think this sucked? I just, I just, I, everything about it. I'm like, I, I've seen this. It's fine. I saw Dumbo. I didn't care for Dumbo. Beauty and the Beast, I like. Lion King sucks. It looks like the animated movie live action, and I don't care. Mm -hmm. They're I, not doing I, anything. They're not... The, I'm sick of it. They're not doing anything different to warrant this bullshit. They're just remaking the same damn movie to somehow longer? I, I don't I get wanted, how they do that. I wanted more Pinocchio, to be honest. Yeah, um, I don't like being so negative. I apologize. No, 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 you're, no like, you're you're 100 fine. The only thing I was gonna say is that I'm. I mean, I like Tom Hanks because you know he's Tom Hanks, but at the same time, Pinocchio. If I had to pick my least favorite Disney animated film, it's Pinocchio. That film oh. scared me a shit as a. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. okay. <laughs> it scared the living shit out of me as a kid, and I haven't seen it since. Frack if I know. Also, put your, put put more money in these movies. That cat looked like shit. Well, they can't. It's for Disney Plus, not for theaters. Why is it a fake cat? Because Why it needs it... to. It needs to be animated. It needs to do something. Because it needs to do things that they can't. They can't do with a real cat. If I had to, if I had to choose which Pinocchio I'd rather watch, it's the Guillermo del Toro one with Ewan, Ewan McGregor as Jimmy Cricket. That I am one, looking least... forward to that. Me too. I mean, I, at least that one. That was this one. <laughs> at least that one. Sorry, Ryan. Didn't hear what you said. But at least with that one. That trailer strap is like this is the story of Pinocchio as told through me, the cricket who was there the whole time. It's like, well, Pinocchio is 
Pinocchio is a different story in the original storybooks. It's not the same thing that Disney put on screen. It's, I mean, it's relatively close. But mm -hmm. Del Toro was going to lean into more of what the, what's in that book. Not only that, that's stop motion. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be beautiful stop motion done by Gilbert Del Toro. Hell yeah. Uh, Meg, it was definitely Pleasure Island that scared Ben. Um, that and Monstro. <laughs> um, I mean, kids turning into oh, donkeys, that's messed up, man. Yeah, that's Pleasure Island. That's Pleasure Island. Um <clears throat> And I watched the, the whale. I watched the whale scene. I'm excited to see that. Uh, okay, I'm okay with that scene. The other thing that has me, the only thing that really has me like the most curious to watch this one is because it's Robert Zemeckis coming to do it. Honestly, that's a detractor know, for me. And I just don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah. he's we'll he's not the Robert Zemeckis of 30 years ago. No, he's not. He's not. And so I'm really curious, like what this. I'm curious. It's it's pure curiosity, not true interest of what this yeah. turns out to be. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't feel that. Like, you know, if it's not great, what do we expect? It's on Disney Plus. I yeah, I'm also like, Pinocchio was never really my jam, so like maybe like it's like one of those like oh I don't have nostalgia for this really. So like, this is I'm just glad a, a trailer. I'm glad the blue flare the sorry the blue fairy is black. That's cool. Yeah. You didn't need to not do that, so it's cool you took an opportunity to do something different. Yeah. I didn't see it, but the one thing I'll give the Amazon Cinderella credit for is who they cast for the Gary, the fairy godmother. Um, I can't remember his name. Billy Piper. Thank you. Oh, is that his name? Billy, Billy, Billy Lord. Billy, mm, Billy Piper. No. Mm. no. It, the, the male fairy godmother. Yeah, Billy, uh, Billy Porter. Billy Porter. Billy Porter. Billy Porter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Billy Piper's uh, Rose Rose from <laughs> Doctor Who. I've heard I've heard that that movie's not very good and I've heard that unfortunately like while well, the casting idea is cool the execution of him as the fairy godmother is not good. Oh. I have yeah. only heard one person say nice things about that movie. Yeah. It is cool that they did that. It's a good it's a cool idea. Unfortunately, it sounds like they squandered the opportunity. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I put this one on here because I actually kind of like this trailer, and I wanted something that I like to talk about. She's the princess, which is, which is Joey King. Me too. I like this trailer too. It's uh, this like, looks um, like fun. It's like um, shit. I can't remember the name. Um, the the bride with the family movie. Help me out here. Ready bride with the family movie. Yeah, the one ready. where she, it's a horror movie. Thank you. Ready oh, or ready not. or not. Yeah. Uh, ready or not, it's like it's like you know, slightly slightly younger focused. Ready or not, it feels like. Yeah, it reminded uh, me. Um, it does no like magic as far as I can tell, but like it reminded me of this comic called Rat Queens, which is about like a fantasy, like mo like a modern like dialogue in like fantasy setting with like cool like like cool ladies and stuff. Um, I like this trailer a lot. I'm glad you put it mm -hmm. on here. Um, what is it coming to? I know it's a streaming Hulu, Hulu, Hulu. Hulu yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a 20th it's a 20th century film. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's awesome. rated R too. So I mean, what we saw oh. in the trailer was probably tame. So there might be some, some like really great yeah. action fighting. Because cool. when I saw I the really, princess, oh, sorry, I was gonna say I really like Joey King as an actress. I've I've been impressed with her so far. Um, and this got for me not necessarily ready or not vibes, but like John Wick ish, like more tame John Wick of like in in this kind of like medieval world. Mm -hmm. Um, she looks really cool doing a lot of that action and i think it, it looks like it's well choreographed from the trailers it's a fun energetic trailer that i'm i'm kind of stoked for this movie yeah we, me also, too. we see a lady with like a whip sword kind of or some yeah. like sort yeah. of whip that looks that reminds me a lot of ivy yeah. um the designs of some of the knights like when she breaks that one knight's neck using the horns on the helmet i thought that was really cool mm -hmm. um 
I'm looking for. I'm probably gonna give this a watch. I'm looking forward to this. And like the whole time I'm watching this, it's like, oh, it's like when you go to the Barnes and Noble and you see those some of those books that say, in this one, the princess saves herself. I'm like, that's cool. And this one's like, oh, she saves herself and she's gonna kick ass doing it too. De- depending on how busy the months are, because I know they are, maybe we make this a special or, or topic so to get more eyes on it. Unless sure. like we're reviewing a Marvel movie or something, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd love that. That'd be great. Um, there's. Something I was going to say that Ben reminded me of, but oh well. Um, yeah, cool. I'm glad. I'm glad we all dug this. Yeah. <sighs> Sonic Frontiers. Real quick, before we talk about it, just remember the hype that we had when that initial CG trailer came out. Just remember. Just remember. Just remember that. Did yeah. you also watch the gameplay footage? The footage that they put out too. I saw yeah. the gameplay footage, not the combat footage. I probably should have seen the combat footage. It's worse. I... No, it's worse, Ben. It's oh, worse. God, no, no, no. Ben, ben, oh, ben, ben, don't take out a prop for the love of ben, God. I feel like we have to acknowledge the fact that the fact that you made a combat trailer for a Sonic game is right away a wrong sign. Because that's yeah. not a not a franchise that should be focusing on combat. No, it's, it's and not they didn't really. do a good job, unsurprisingly. So let's, if we can, before we destroy it, let's try to be positive. There, I like, I like the the. How do I even say this nicely? I the sense of speed at times can be nice. I do like because uh, in Sonic games, like there is a there is a path that they make that you follow to make you go down very fast. Like all that stuff seems fine. I like the speed. I like the way it like. Oh, I don't like the way it looks. <laughs> um, there's a mechanical idea about Sonic creating like light paths. Yes, that affects the environment. And I think as a like invention of Sonic being able to inv- in- interact with the environment, that's a cool mechanic idea. Yes. So there's a there's a Zelda like called Okami, uh, mm-hmm. which is a Japanese uh-huh. RPG yeah. mm-hmm. where the, the whole thing is like you play as a wolf where you paint your attacks. So you stop time much like this, and you draw a circle or you draw like a zigzag to do different attacks. So I agree that element of doing attacks is really cool. It's very slow. You're Sonic going fast. So yes. the thing, the thing that you talked about, the thing that you talked about when you're just like, there's, there's thing, there is something that's really cool when you, when you're, when you're just running in the open world, which is that it looks like you can click boost for a couple seconds. That looks like some, maybe the speed this whole game should be at because everything else is just slow. I was watching, I watched both of these, and after the Sonic movie, I'm so hot. There's a new Sonic game. Hell yeah, I'm down to play that. Um, I fell asleep. This was so I told boring. I told Ben uh, that, like, because I sent it to him, and Ben was trying to be nice in the moment, and I was like, Ben, I'm getting, like, bad 06 vibes. Yep. Um, Second you said that, I was like, okay, now, okay, unhinged, because... It feels like um, like they took like an Unreal 5 asset, or Unreal, sorry, we're on Unreal 5. They took an Unreal 4 asset from, like, the last gen, and then, out of a different system, brought Sonic into it. Yeah. Like I Sonic am- feels like he's brought in from a completely not like, oh, he's on a lost world. He feels like he's just brought into a different game. It doesn't feel natural. He doesn't feel like he belongs in that world. It they don't look similar. You know what I I, I thought about this the other day, because watching this trailer and I was I was bored. While I was watching it, I was like, this doesn't look like I'm gonna have fun with it. Exploring around what is else is there to do. I didn't even see like the badniks or the enemies or whatever. And then, of course, like Spark said, they released a combat trailer because Sonic's not about combat. Sonic is about going fast. What you jump on enemies to make them blow up. What are those enemies in the combat trailer? Those are not robotniks. They can't be. 
So as far like as far as I know, they haven't really talked a lot, a lot but like there is a new threat that Sonic's facing. I'm I'm guessing it's not just mm-hmm. Eggman. Yes. Okay, you guys also noticed that this that this that this open world looks empty as shit, right? It looks like the first. It looks like a certain chunk of Hyrule from Breath of the Wild. Can't I can't believe that this is what they're trying to put out to sell people on playing this trailer. Like that, and, all the more shows me that like they think this is some of the best, and I'm like, wow, this game's and bad. Here's the thing: as like remember when we talked about the Gotham Knights video game trailer and how like we thought like like at least I thought like the de- the person playing the demo was demoing it poorly. Yeah. I also think this not only looks like a bad game, the person playing the game was demoing it poorly. And this isn't a journalist playing the game. This is this is Sega themselves putting this stuff out. So if this is what they feel is confident enough to show us. This game sucks, bro. Oh, yeah. You, you yeah. know what? I'm just gonna say it. Sonic never should have gone 3D. Well, at this point, at whoa, this whoa, point, whoa, 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 calm down. Let's not go crazy here. Sonic Adventure, Sonic Adventure Two, and Sonic Heroes are fantastic games. Man. And, Those, and Ben, and Ben, and Ben. I'm not going to let you finish because I want to fin- because I want to add another fuel to this fire. Lego Dimensions had a better Sonic mechanic than this game. Ooh. Ooh. What was the best reviewed Sonic game that came out in the last 10 years? Lego Mania? Dimension. Mania? Yep. A 2D, 16-bit style Sonic the Hedgehog game. Barring Adventure 1, 2, and Heroes, which I will admit, great games. Every t- every Sonic 3D, and even, gen- actually no, Generations, half of it, the 3D parts of Generations, are also really good. But what was the main draw? Gen- generations, colors... And uh, frankly, Ben, I'm gonna say Sonic Unleashed. Okay, I, can, I don't care know. about the dumb warehog shit. Those levels play no, no, good. No, no, no. Those those speed levels, I haven't. It played sounds like to me there's more 3D Sonic than there is 2D Sonic. Well, there, there, is. there is, but the thing is, a lot. So of then, stuff... perhaps Sonic should have continued with the times. Okay, and this is only an indication that it did not continue with the okay. times because let this is re- empty as fuck. Let me re- let me re- rephrase my statement then. Sonic should not go open world. Sonic should go just Sonic should stay in zones, stay in regular levels. But again, again, like that way it would be awesome to be Sonic and just race through an open world like you do in a Lego game when you're the Flash or when you're you're Sonic in Lego Dimensions and you just have an open stretch of land and you just go and you're just booking and it's fun. Like, I'm not like this. This looks so cool. I know, but like, that's the problem. That's the it's not the fact that they that they chose to that they were like, oh yeah, Sonic should never go open world. It's this is a bad open world game. There is potential for a good open world game. Absolutely. Um I think First of all, I think if you're going to do an open world thing, I think it should have been something like a city. If you're going to may, do something may I, like Ryan, this. May I, Ryan, real quick? Ryan yeah, and I talked about this while we were playing Fortnite. And uh, we both said, like, if you're going to do an open world Sonic, why are you not doing, like, the most famous environments in Sonic in an open world? Why aren't we doing Green Hills? Why aren't we doing Station Square? Why aren't we doing, like, wh- what are we doing? Where the hell's Casino Night? Yeah. Why aren't we doing right. those That's... as open world? That's the thing. This looks like, as Ryan said, this looks like, so they made an ultra realistic land and then put a cartoon in there. Yeah. What the hell? It's really honestly like what 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 I what as someone who's like who's played the least amount of Sonic games, but like I played enough to know like what I think a, a good Sonic game is. Like if you if you take the two D portions and you and it's gonna sound dumb, but just make it three D. So like you you don't have as much control as maybe you should in a big open world game. But the sense of speed that I want Sonic to have in open world is really fast. So like. I think imagine him in a city and him just like navigating through buildings up and into buildings and like very fast cinematic and like you're not controlling it, but like you're doing that stuff in a city. And like Sonic is supposed to be fast. That's always been my thing about a lot of Sonic games. I don't always feel fast. 
And like in this game, I'm like, I'm only fast when I'm not doing something, when I'm bouncing between things automatically. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but no, my, Ryan, you're going at a jog. You don't think that's fast enough? My oh, and like the way he just like he like he likes he's like Fred Flintstone. He's like he's like to go fast. He's like it looks awful. When you <sighs> say like Sonic Open World, my perfect like picture of a, an idea of it is that Robotnik like succeeds in roboticizing a city. Yes. And and you lost that fight and you have to like retreat back to where your friends are. So that's like that's near Green Hills. That's like some of those early environments. And then you have to work your way getting stronger as you go back to the city. Yeah. And then you have to get through the city and get to Robotnik. Like that's open world shit I want to do. That sounds hype. That sounds great. Um, this is just fundamentally misunderstanding Sonic because if Sonic is the only character you're playing in the game, and let's just assume that they are for this game as well your priority number one is making it feel like you can go fast. That is priority number one. Combat is not as important. And this game fundamentally does not understand that. And the combat looks like shit. It does. It looks terrible. I haven't even seen the combat trailer and the fact that you guys are just grilling into it is like... Ben, it's like like there's an enemy that's like a bunch of balls. It's like, let's say it's like 20 balls. It's like a bunch of balls, right? You jump up, you ping, you jump down, you, you ping it, you ping it, you ping it, you ping it. You ping it, you ping it. Well, to be to and to be fair, like <laughs> that's, that's what it does. That's mostly that's mostly Sonic Combat. But yeah. the point is that you're supposed to usually have to do something maneuvering wise because you're fast yeah. to get around the boss to be able to ping it again. That's the whole point. Like right. Sonic's it not doesn't complex look like, combat. It doesn't look like these enemies are built for a Sonic game. They look like they're built for a different game completely. Yeah. That it's just ended like up a... in this weird game. Where are the Sonic characters. Where is Robotniks? Why, why are these crazy robots? My fear is that this is because this is coming out. I think what the hell is year. that Titan? I think this Sorry. is coming out next year. I think this is just really, really early. I think they made a mistake. I think they they got the hype that people are feeling with the movie and that trailer and like oh open world Sonic and they're like let's show them what we're working on as some sometimes developers do. I think this bit them in the ass. I think they oh, yeah. should have waited until this looked better. Because uh, this looks really early. This looks super early. This we have, be the game we have three more weeks, friends, of Sonic Frontiers content coming out. Because IGN has made yes. a point that Sonic Frontiers is their cover item for the month. Sega so we are going to get more of this. And I am unconvinced anything is going to make me want to play this game. The problem is that this game has been in development for a long time. Um and this is where they got to, we're in a bad place. Yep, yep. Uh, it's unfortunate that this game started development before the initial movie hit. Because I think if the movie hype and how it's grabbed the fandom had connected, I don't think this is the game you come to the table with. No. Yeah. Uh, I will, I'll say one, one again, another positive. Uh, I do think when, it, when it's more polished, which it will be in a year, probably two at this point, because I bet it's going to get delayed again. Um, the Shadow of Colossus, like, boss stuff. Like, where you have to, like, run up a leg and you connect and, like, bing, bing, bing. I think all that stuff could be really cool. Uh, like, that was the initial promise of, like, you're going to be scaling these things, taking them out and stuff like that. Like, I think that, the, I think that's the core idea that they're going to make really good. It's just the smaller shit that it's probably it's going to be really bad. Ryan, this game's coming out this year. What? Really? Yeah. Oh. I thought, I, I, I could have swore I saw 2023 in the brain. November, December this year. They haven't set. They haven't set the official date. Not anymore. No. So, Not anymore. No. So the Next. thing is, like Sonic 06, where Sonic 06 really killed me. Frankly, wasn't the levels weren't great. They they were pretty patchy and bad, and and I couldn't I couldn't always get through them. But where it really lost me is because there was a 
pseudo open world menu, which was taking cues from Sonic Adventure and Adventure 2, that just sucked. It didn't feel fun to go through. There was nothing interesting to do. You were just kind of moseying around this town and some hill area. Oh, yeah, until, the world? Yeah, until yeah. you went back into the level. But, like, that's different. Sonic Adventure and Adventure 2, when they had, like, wander around the world shit, it felt good. I think it, it, was, felt... it was only Sonic Adventure that did that. Sonic Adventure You're right. 2, was Sonic Adventure 2 just went to missions. But, like, yeah. going around, like, having the, like, collect the stone and get to from Station Square back to... Uh, over where Tails' workshop is and go put the stone on the pedestal so you can activate the thing to go to the level. Like, all that shit felt fine. Especially for the time. Like, it felt of the world. Not this only that, looks like trash. <laughs> not only that, even all the, uh, the characters' abilities. Because you were... you If you were if you were to find upgrades in certain levels, like a, a good example, Sonic Slide Shoes, that made him to do the light run, where there's a string of rings, he powers up, and he faster than light gets all the rings goes from point a to point b that was affected in the open world you can push these buttons and there's a long string of rings that you can't get to without the light shoes and there's a big upgrade over there yep. you can there are so many little secrets and so many things knuckles can dig for emblems in station square and even though it's just the regular overworld Sonic can reach top speed like he does in the regular action levels whereas in this one i just feel i feel like sonic is so slow even when he is pushing the boost, when you're pushing the boost button, you get that little whoosh, where he gets a bit of speed. And I shouldn't feel like I'm being slow while I'm playing a Sonic the Hedgehog game. There, uh, I just I, don't understand the, at the, on the fun. I don't understand a lot of this, but like I don't understand on the fundamental level. Why did you decide to make a realistic world and then plop a cartoon in the middle of it and say, let's call it a day? You're muted, Ryan. You're muted, Ryan. You're muted, Ryan. It was probably really cheap to make that open world, like again, that like un, that old school Unreal looking world where they just put a bunch of assets down. It's yeah. probably really cheap to do that. It's one of the things that and this is specifically where I'm talking about. Like they need the movies to kind of get them back on the right track, and maybe the next Sonic game will actually do it. Whether they've been successful or not, a lot of the previous Sonic games have had a tendency, not forces or generations, but um, Lost World, Colors. Um, even unleashed to an extent, Black Knight. Um, all of those have a focus on, well, what if we take Sonic out of his usual environment? What if we move him further away from his friends and further mm -hmm. away from folks focusing on Robotnik? Those have had varying degrees of success and mostly failure. Um, they need to get back to creating a game that is about Sonic living in the same world as his companions and doing things, whether it's against Robotnik or another villain, but like Robotnik's around. That's what they have to get back to focusing on is fleshing that concept and world out rather than constantly trying this idea of like, what if we took Sonic out and put him over here, which is just what they seem to continue to want to go back to and default to. And the movie showed like you have an audience that wants to see Sonic with tails and knuckles going up against Robotnik. That's that's where you're at now. Like the games have come back around. That's where you should be. So I want Ben, is this Team Sonic making this? Yep. Team Sonic is making it ever for this is we're continuing the Sonic cycle again, and <laughs> it's like we get hype, disappointment. Next one's going to be good. We get hype, and just a continuous circle. One of the reasons why I'm like right now is like the last, the best Sonic game that came out in ten years was a game made by fans, and it went back to the roots of sixteen bit, added new zones, they redid the old ones, and there has been. And I haven't checked the sales numbers, but I can only assume. It sold well. It sold very well. It sold so well digitally that they even made a physical release for the game and added some more new stuff to it. All the DLC that came out digitally, it was prepackaged in the new one 
or the physical new, one. You need a new developer. You need someone yeah. to come in. To you like you need. I, I feel that a Sonic team is constantly just trying to. It's the Sega curse. They're trying to constantly do something brand new, something something totally crazy and bombastic. And it's like this is this brand new thing that we're doing. We're putting Sonic in there, and it just been and it just fails every no can I mean not every time, but just constantly disappoints fans. It doesn't make people want to go into Sonic. Every I feel every person who has had a hand in making something Sonic related that isn't completely Sega or Sonic Team has made loads better projects. An example: Mania, the film, Sonic Prime that's coming out on on Netflix. That looks pretty damn good. It I looks really that, good. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not out yet, but that's like that could be an example. So I don't think the future of Sonic games solely relies in the classic style of Mania. I don't think that's the only way you can make good Sonic games now. What I do think is you need teams that are going to prioritize focuses on speed and good levels. Mm -hmm. If you do those two things first, the rest will come. But yeah. those two things need to be in place because if you have that, you have a good game. You have a good Sonic game. If mm -hmm. it feels good to run fast and the level design is solid, you're solid. That's it. And and going going to open world with absolutely no level design, I just don't understand. Like, Sonic is designed to an extent to be on rails so you can go fast the proper way. It's all about finding the best and fastest route. Yeah. Like, it's just, even even the Sonic Adventure or Sonic 06 games understood that to some extent. That, like, yeah, it's cool to, like, explore a world with Sonic, but at the end of the day, the main things you gotta do are go into those levels. Yeah, even mm. the, the Generations 3D levels, they were fantastic. They were so much Super fun. Super good. They were so good. much fun to blaze through and hit that and slam that boost button. Yeah. I mean, Generations was a perfect mix of clap. That Generations worked because it was classic, classic Sonic with the HD upscale and modern with those really cool level designs from Unleashed. Mm -hmm. Yes, so, I agree. So you have something great here, Sega. Sega, you have something great here. And also, I feel like with them throwing Sonic into an open world is partially trying to chase the trends of what Nintendo and other companies are doing, putting like Elden Ring, Breath of the Wild, Odyssey, great games, true, but at the same time, Sega doesn't really have a plan. Like what sparks when you said is like, hey, put them in green, put a Green Hills, Station Square, have Robotnik take over Station Square and you have to fight to get there and you have to explore around it. That would have been fantastic. That would have been great seeing older or zones based off of classic Sonic um Sonic games, but they're not doing that. Why does it look so empty? Exactly that too. It looks so like Ryan said, it's cheap. Yeah. Um, I I think that we're circling very much around the same ideas here, but like I, I just do I feel like if you were to go open world with Sonic, it's you want those older environments, that's the thing you want to explore, not like generic, generic as hell, open world <laughs> bullshit. Um and if you are going to do a lot of exploration in the open world, I think that's when you use Sonic's cast. Yeah, that's when you should be playing as other characters, no. like like you know using I mean? Knuckles and Tails to get to other places that Sonic can't get to, and then you don't have to worry about the speed focus quite as much. Well, you know what you I'm gotta... imagining in my brain? It's basically like Arkham Asylum. You make a Metroidvania where you have to utilize all the different, like you have to use Knuckles to break a wall open or Tails to fly up to get the next power or something like. You can you can even use Rouge, um, Shadow, and Omega. Rouge has to sneak into uh, an Eggman base to steal some intel. Omega can be the tank and just like blat and just go rat tat 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 against Eggman's forces. 
And then you got Shadow doing the nighttime stealth missions. I feel like, At least I feel like all we're describing is what Sonic Adventure 3 should be based on Adventure 1, 2, and Heroes. At, yeah. at least, at least with, with Robotnik, you have interesting villain designs that could be fun to, to fight as. But this is just... This looks like... They this looks even, like other things I've seen. The thing is, like they don't, they haven't given us any story of like who you're fighting or anything. Yeah. So like, yeah. we don't know. Like the only, at least the one possibly decent thing that's coming out this year for Sonic is the Origins, but even then, there's problems there. Yeah, and, but those games will still be fun to play, though. Yeah, th yeah, those games are fun to play. You're you're very right. You're very right. All right, I don't, um, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm, I'm a brand. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Man, the second I saw that trailer, I'm like, oh man. Yeah. Me too. Me too. No, it's it's sad. It's sad. Yeah. It's sad because like I think even for the team it has to be sad. Yeah. Like that they're looking at the popularity of Sonic right now and they know this game isn't playing to that yeah. audience. It's just but not. But we'll say this. I'm really happy Brandon is super passionate about this after seeing Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Because it had me movie. Ben, you need to know we are this close to doing a basement arcade with Brandon playing through Sonic Adventure. You need to know that we're this close. Look, we're this close on doing a lot of things. So yeah, we need to do go from this close to doing this close because this has to happen and I need to be there. You know what? You know what? We'll do it after we finish Aliens Fire Team. That's true. Incentive. Does someone have a copy of Sonic Adventure in a Dreamcast? All right. I got the internet. Let's talk about something. I have it on the Xbox. There we go. We're good. Anyways, you were saying, Brandon. Enough about that shit, shit game. I'm Ugly so mad. I don't understand why I'm so damn mad. I'm surprised. Because you know what? It I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. Go ahead. I was say, because now that you've watched the good Sonic movie, you're hungry to try a game, and the only newest modern game that's coming out looks like shit. So that's a bummer. <laughs> you were ready. Brandon, you, you could definitely pick up Sonic Generations, and you'd, you'd be happy. But I think we should just get you into Sonic Adventure and have a good time. Yeah. Okay. Let's finish Aliens Fire Team. Yeah, sure. We're talking about a whole different thing because the main reason why you and I have talked about doing Sonic Adventure and that it would be hard is because Ben would definitely need to be part of that and working with his schedule is a whole different thing. It's it is true. All right. Let's talk about something that doesn't boil my blood. Um, <laughs> Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Let me tell you what boils my blood, though. <laughs> no, uh, I put this on here because this is the most that I've been excited for a Pokemon game in a while. Because Arceus turned out to be just fine, by all accounts. Um, and this looks to be the actual next generation of open world, cooperative Pokemon experience. I am so jazzed. This game looks like the actual real Pokemon game I really want. So to pull back the curtain in a little inside baseball, you guys know I write for GoNintendo.com. And when this um, came up, I was in the Discord and my editor asked who wants to write a feature for this. And I was able to get the feature. So I'm writing a feature about this. Nice. Um, I will say immediately, I'm very, I'm happy. I'm also kind of surprised of what Ryan said, because one of the things I saw from the trailer was the battles that they're still not doing anything really different from the battles. Mm -hmm. It's still like the same, um, it's like the same one on one, but it does look a little bit better. Obviously, Diamond Pearl is a remake. There's just so much you can do with that. But it does look, I will say this right off the bat, the game looks absolutely gorgeous. And I love that the co-op is there. Four players, you can explore at the same time. You're not just trading, battling, doing whatever. You're actually in a game and you can explore the region. That's not And true. also the two different professors. That's a first, never been done before. 
You know what else hasn't been done before? What? LeChonk. LeChonk. He's taking LeChonk? the internet by storm. <laughs> that dude is taking the internet, and I know exactly what I'm going to nickname him once I catch it. I uh, I, I, I was watching the was watching the trailer today, and uh, Zara and I both looked at Was that Pokemon's name LeChonk? <laughs> It's People think he's gonna, get, he's gonna yeah. turn into a lethic. Lethic. Ham sandwiches, but uh, Mag is in the chat real quick. He says, "I'm excited for the new Spain region, which does yeah. look like it's a uh, it's based off of." I heard, I read somewhere because I was doing research for the article I'm writing. It looks like it's Mediterranean Spain, mm-hmm. but Spain nonetheless. Uh, I also don't know if this is true that I read, but this will be the first Pokemon that's non-linear. It is. Um, I'm so excited for that meaning you usually looking, go from gym to gym but you can do it in any order and then the narrative will still progress in this one so that is true i was looking i was going through the, the official pokemon website to try and get official statements because there's still a whole lot we don't know about this game yet um my excitement is there but it wasn't as there when i first saw the trailer but the more i think about it the more i talk to other people i'm starting to get there um there yes it's true that it's completely it true it truly is an open world pokemon game you don't have to start at the very, you can just go straight to a different side of the region with no blocks. There's no Snorlax blocking your way. You don't have to, pro- you can progress the story at your own pace, which I think is like, that's what people have been clamoring for for years. Wait, is Snorlax, is Snorlax not in the way because he finally woke up? Maybe. <laughs> I'm sure they're still gonna, they'll still have stuff like that for like secret stuff, but like mm-hmm. the, the, the straight and narrow, you have to go this way to progress uh, for this one is not there, which I'm just like, I'm all about give give people freedom to do what they want. I obviously not every game can have that, but in a game like this, where like if you can if you can make it um, like all the levels work out. Like I wonder if it's going to be different level scaling depending on where you go. I was just about to say that because why do so? There's a thing in Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl that I really liked, which is the Grand Underground. The Grand mm-hmm. Underground. Once you get inside there, you can go to these different rooms and find different Pokemon. You don't have to travel to where the Pokemon are because. The Pokemon are their same levels. Like you go through the Elite Four, you go through all eight gym badges, you go back to your hometown. Oh, look, the level five Pidgey that I could stomp on, no problem. Yeah. Whereas in the underground, you stomp on a Pidgey. <laughs> brutal, man. <laughs> Gyarados Hyper Beam. Bah! <laughs> Anyways, um, the Grand Underground, the monster, the Pokemon in the Grand Underground, they scale with you, and they're about either five above or six above levels higher. Than your strongest Pokemon. So if they decided, if Game Freak has it that way, so you can just, instead of doing the gyms, you can just explore the entire region and the Pokemon that you encounter generally do the level scaling with you so you don't have to constantly. So that way, say you go to like the ending area, there's a super strong Pokemon, you just get one shot it. Yeah, yeah. I feel that that's the best way to do it. Yeah, uh, most modern RPGs, Skyrim, the the Assassin's Creed games, The Witcher, uh, they all implement level scaling. So like mm-hmm. if you do go somewhere else, like you won't be you won't be destroyed uh, to yeah. allow to you to explore the way you want. Mm-hmm. Love so, it! I'm so yeah. stoked. I'm hoping that happens. I'm still. I want to say I'm cautiously optimistic mm-hmm. because I do because the thing about well with Pokemon and especially with Sword and Shield, I mean I enjoy Sword and Shield a lot. I love the wild areas. I thought the wild areas were cool. But the same thing in the wild areas. You go in there. I remember I went to the wild area, found an Onyx. Like cool, I'm gonna catch an Onyx. It was like 20 levels higher than my strongest Pokemon, and I barely made it out alive. Mm. So I'm hoping they You mean your Pokemon barely made it out alive. Remember, yeah, it's, it's an Pokemon. abusive game. 
<laughs> Your Pikachu dies. Not my problem. <laughs> I haven't done a Nuzlocke yet. I would like to do a Nuzlocke, but I'm not going to do a Nuzlocke just You know yet. what? The last time I played a Pokemon game, I put I dropped off a Ditto with a Pikachu to make a bunch of Pichus. Oh, there you go. Breeding. I made a lot of Pichus, man. <laughs> I love a good breeding system in yeah. a video game. Yeah, so I mean, once again, the game's coming out in November. We're going to learn... Normally, Pokemon is very good at making that November release date. And... That's gonna be a cool birthday present. Three days after, uh, three days after mine, four days after Brand's birthday. So, did you guys hear that? Me. We all know what to get Ben for his birthday. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> three copies of the same of the same version. You can't be different here. versions. Nope. Yeah, I, I was just same. about to say. I was just about to say which version of the game I won. Now I'm just gonna. Hmm? Nope. <laughs> it's a 50 50 chance. Oh yeah, the the new legendaries are really cool. One's yeah. like a jet, and one's a motorcycle. Uh, and people are convinced you're going to be able to ride them in the game because oh. you can like you'll be able to ride Pokemon and stuff. Oh, so one quick little thing because I heard they ran rumor... out of animals. They just went to machines. They've been well, it's like a dragon animal. who's got like wheels on his belly. Uh-huh. I saw the jet with yeah. jet exhaust. Yeah. Jet exhaust. So one other thing about the Is game. That I his butt. <laughs> one other thing about the game I want to mention. Once again, me diving into the thing and doing research. Um, the professors are not named teams. They're named Professor Sado, or Sada from Pokemon Scarlet, and Professor Toro, which is Professor um, from Pokemon Violet. Since this is game so far is being placed in Spain, it's based off Pasada, Pasado, which is past in Spanish, and Futuro, which is Spanish for future. So, what depending on the game you get, you're either gonna do stuff for the past or stuff for the future. And I really like how you're the it's kind of like um Pokemon Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby or Ruby and Sapphire, where depending on which version you get, that's the that's the like the teams or the path you take. That is that is the one cool thing, and also like the really like uh 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 not terrible thing, but like they make ostensibly the same game and they change just a couple things about it, so you buy both versions because it's not really a different game Not what really if what if what if what if it actually is a different game except it's the same game but going backwards you start at the end with like a yeah, and then you just work your way backwards <laughs> just Benjamin losing Button. pokemon left and right <laughs> Benjamin Button the game hell yeah yeah all right yeah that's it that's the news shall we do our shall we do our main topic then Okay. Sparks, since this was your brainchild, I'm going to pass the baton to you. Sure, friends. We've got 25 categories uh, for guiding our discussion that we're going to go through to talk about 25 films from Pixar. Um, Cheating just a little on one category because one's about the shorts. Um, And uh, so we're going to be talking about all of the Pixar films. So spoilers ahead for Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Cars, Ratatouille, WALL-E, Up, Toy Story 3, Cars 2, Brave, Monsters University, Inside Out, The Good Dinosaur, Finding Dory, Cars 3, Coco, Incredibles 2, Toy Story 4, Onward, Soul, Luca, and Turning Red. Oh, but we're also talking about the shorts. Can you name all the shorts, too? I'm just, just kidding. No, please, no. God. <laughs> please, God. Please, God. Lexo Jr., Jerry's game. Stop right there. Um, yeah, so... Uh, um, I think before we jump in, I'm just going to give like a quick opportunity for us to just say, like, um, ooh, I love Pixar. I've always loved Pixar. I don't think I've seen a Pixar film I didn't enjoy at least a 
a good amount that I would call a good movie. I think Pixar on its worst day is still better than most studios. Um, uh, they've kept that track record pretty solid with like they've had their bumps in the road and, and we'll definitely get into a couple of them. I'm sure just by lieu of how we're going to talk about things, but I've, I've always enjoyed the Pixar's um, how y'all feeling about Pixar, Ryan? I, I'm pretty sure you have missed a few in the catalog still. Um, I haven't seen the good dinosaur and I'll just never watch cars three. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's great, I just the Cars franchise. I don't need it in my life. It's I. I will be better without. I hear it's. In my life. I hear it's great. I will never touch it. Yeah, ever. Absolutely. No. I, I got other things I'd rather watch than a Cars. Cars. Movie, Cars three was almost a gap in my. What was would have been a gap in my Pixar view. I've seen them all, and like I was like not really into Cars three. But Sparks came to my house, and said, "We're seeing Cars 3. <laughs> And that's what happened. So Sparks says, thanks to you, my Pixar is complete. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, my, my... I love Pixar. I love all the Pixar films. I I totally agree with Sparks and everything he said about it. Yeah. Pixar is a very, very big part of my life. I mean, I remember the day my aunt came home. She or My aunt was visiting and she said, in three days, I'm going to give you and your brother a present. I didn't know what it was. It was Toy Story on VHS. And I will never forget, um, we, I came home from kindergarten, she gave us Toy Story, and for the rest of the day, we were just watching Toy Story over and over and over and over again. And every you... Pixar film that came out, or almost every Pixar film that came out, I would see in theaters. I've missed a few in theaters. I mean, obviously, Luca and Turning Red and Cars 3, I watched on a plane. Sure. But every time... Well, that's I a different see... movie. Yeah, but every time... <laughs> I see what you did there. Every time a Pixar film gets out, comes out, or it gets announced, I'm excited. Pixar is just—it came to me that Pixar is just so different from your typical Disney film that it's just different enough that it. I love how they just focus on the story. Let's tell a good story, and then it goes from there. And, and it's Pixar, of, Pixar wasn't originally owned by disney they just distributed their movies mm -hmm. um and then when when disney officially bought pixar it didn't change the company and company at all um they they have a they have a quality control there that they're just like it's it's got to be the right story to tell and we yeah. we're not forcing anything which is why it took them 10 years to do many of the sequels they've done mm -hmm. sure. yes and um yeah, it's I, I, I love Pixar. I, I don't think I mean there are Pixar films I'm not a huge fan of. There are definitely Pixar's I would pick to watch over another one, but like Spark said, divorce Pixar film is still better than a lot of other studios' as bad movies. Mm -hmm. Uh I love Pixar a lot. Uh, I, I I would say I'm in a better spot now than I was probably before the podcast started. Because there was, and I'm looking now, uh and again, there no bad movies. Pixar's not made a bad movie. But when you make nothing but incredible movies, sure. and then you start making sequels that are just okay, that that quality barrier is very noticeable. Even if the movie's good, it's just it. So from basically, uh, at, from Toy Story three up until Toy Story four, which is almost a decade, um, a lot of sequels came out. Brave came out, um, and a lot of that's the middle period where those are all the movies where I think they're pretty much a lot of them are good. They're fine. Um, let me think. Uh, actually, then, I I'm curious. I think you'd like the Good Dinosaur. I'm sh I'm sure I would. Um, I wanted to watch Turning Red first because I yeah because I was like, I think I you made the right call. Like Turning Red was is a higher priority. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I'm just saying. Just you know, 
on a Sunday on a Sunday morning, maybe give good dinosaur a shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, like Inside Out is like incredible. Um, and Coco is incredible. Uh, but like we had we've had two more Toy Stories. We had another Incredibles. We had another Cars. Um, and just like I I didn't want Pixar to to go the sequel route, and then they did, and that's fine. And then the sequels they gave me weren't as good as the originals. Um, mm-hmm. So I was at a point. Uh, up until again, we started getting like original like Coco and Soul and Odd, like where we are now, um, where I was like, Pixar is not what they used to be. But now I feel that they are. I feel like they they've come out of not even not even a negative spot, but in a spot where they felt like they didn't they couldn't be original for some reason, um, or or maybe they 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 were just like like creatively just having trouble or whatever. I don't know. Like making movies is hard. I get it. I'm definitely um, not. I'm definitely not there because i actually quite like a lot of their sequels i think yes, I'm i would even the least. i would i would even go so far as to say i think i like all of their sequels um and some of them as much as i like the original fair i think i think ryan has a point where like it it just like that is a time period where all of a sudden like we were getting more sequels and prequels yeah. than we were original ideas and and like he he sectioned it out pretty well like it is the toy story 3 to toy story 4 time period is is like that's where pretty much all your sequels and prequels happen that aren't Toy Story mm. 2. Um, yeah. And I do think like there's an amount of every everyone said, and I understand it, that was behind all of those projects. They did it because they had the, the idea for it. And um, I do think like I get where they came from with each of them. I, I understand it. I see the path. I see why they went. I had this idea for how to continue the story. So we finally did it. Toy and, Story is the only one where I like all well, like even Toy Story Four. Like I think all those movies are great. Like that's right. the only one where I'm like they really they really had a really excellent idea for each of these movies. Yeah, um, I think I think that they they more or less had the right in you know kind of reason and and attack for I had an idea. Here we go. We're going to do another. Um, so we'll we'll dive into the categories because um, it, it's it's meant to foster conversation there's a reason why i didn't call anything here best i i called it favorites um you don't have to limit yourselves to one if you want to talk about a couple of them that's this is meant to be a discussion thing i don't need you locked in on like agonizing over picking just one ben's giving me a face like he already did well now i can know i don't have to worry about my list anymore so okay (laughs) yeah no I, i i wanted it to just be like things to queue up our conversation about things so if you have more than one idea for a thing please feel free to say it you don't have to be like i only picked one favorite song because i honestly if i feel like i feel like if we do that there's some films we're just never going to talk about true um so uh let's start off our very first category is um favorite destination to live in slash destination to visit um destinations yeah go ahead ben so the first thing that came to my mind is a place to live in um place to live in i would love to live in the world of onward i absolutely Mm -hmm. adore the the mix of fantasy with um with modern technology and there's still magic in that world um me being the big fantasy geek that i am i feel like that would be a perfect place for me to live in i think that i would just flourish there and thrive as for a question for you mm -hmm. onward if the world of onward is your is your place uh would you be a normal size like as you are now but maybe blue um creature in that world or will you be a centaur who for some reason can't fit in any car i would like to be an elf per- to be perfectly honest the blue okay so you're good elf. then yeah i would like to i would like to be an elf everything well, is chris- built for you ben just wants to step into chris pratt's character yes let's, let's be honest <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
I, it's fine. <laughs> like they, they, they got you. They, they did. They, they totally did. Holy shit. I mean, Chris Pratt's character, that's like me if I was like more outgoing and had a D&D campaign or I ran a D&D campaign. So um, place I would like to visit. This is definitely a big one for me personally. But if it if it did happen, um, not Paradise Falls, but the, the waterfall on Route 66 in Cars, the first film. Oh, oh. Radiator Springs. You want to go Radiator Springs, Springs? Yeah. So I'm. Um, I mean, yes, I could te- technically go to Radiator Springs for Cars Land, but as you, all three of you know, I've talked about this before. My road trip with my father on the original Route 66 was amazing, and when I came home after that trip, I did watch the original Cars film just for shits and giggles because along the road, I went to the cafe that inspired Flo's Cafe. I saw Cadillac Ranch. I was at so many different. I saw all the different landmarks on my trip, and I'm like. I saw that live. I've been there live. I know where all these were. So like the town of Radio Springs and also to go to where um, Sally takes lightning with the waterfall by the road. And cause I, unfortunately there wasn't anything like that as far as I can recall on my trip. So just I almost call it paradise falls, but that's, that's up. That'd be a cool place to go to as well. But I would just love to just like go and see that part where it's like the, the gorgeous canyons, the gorgeous, the, the desert. And then this, this lush greenery by the waterfall. I would love to visit that. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to jump off yours, Ben, because I also put uh, to visit radiator Springs. Nice. Um, I think cars is very good at hitting a, a nostalgia for road trips. I think it excels at doing that. Um, that's one of the, my favorite things about the film. Um, there's something I find warm and comforting about its depiction of Radiator Springs. And while I like visiting it in the sense of California Adventure, I would love to actually visit the town as it is in Radiator Springs, where it's actually like the, the sleepier, quiet town, not a theme park. Um, <laughs> True. Would be, would, be, would be really cool. And so that's that's up there. I also, for visit, put um, the city that the Incredibles live in, um, specifically as we see it in Incredibles 2. I think that city would be a lot of fun to go around and spend some time in. It's got like a jazzy vibe to it. I'm just in it, into it. Um, another place I mentioned visiting is I want to go to Paris, a la Ratatouille. Ratatouille mm-hmm. makes it gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, for, for living, I was torn between two places, um, which really I can pick both. Uh, I want to live in Porto Rosso from Luca, the mm, seafaring that's village. Yeah. Uh, I want to live there hardcore. I think that place is beautiful. I could so spend beautiful. every day there. It's it's gorgeous. Um, and then when I'm dead, I want to spend all my time in the land of the dead. Because <laughs> it's beautiful, baby. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I also put uh, uh, 1950s Italy, where yeah. I'd like to live. Just beautiful, really cool. Uh, I would visit Onward, because I think fancy shit's cool, but I don't want to live there. Mm. Um. I said Metroville, which is the Incredibles city. Nice. Um, Because that's where I want to live. It's a beautiful place, especially how it looks in Incredibles 2. And I I would like to visit uh, Ratatouille's Paris um, because wherever I I am, I can see the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) True Paris experience. The true Paris experience. No matter where I am, which direction I'm facing, I can see the Eiffel Tower. When I go to Paris, the half day I do have, then I'm going to like try and walk around as much to see as humanly possible. I'm going to try and like look sick. Can I still see the Eiffel Tower from where I am? Remember, you got to look in the opposite direction, and it will be there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how the hell did you get there? 
some lovely places. Um, most iconic lead character. Uh, I thought I when I came up with it, I was like, this will this will probably be a pretty good one. This is a pretty good way to talk about like like a cool lead character, uh, most iconic. And then I I couldn't I couldn't get away from Buzz and Woody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the thing because when you like iconic, yeah. Like no no offense to to Wally or Remy, they're they're iconic, but like cowboys and spacemen are like are, are eternal, right? It's I mean, hard. It's hard to escape Buzz and Woody as as the beginning. In general, like with these categories, it's a little hard to escape Toy Story. I, mean, I, I put I put Woody because it was only singular. Because I we have a best pairs. I have a different best pair for. Sure. Because I love those two, but you're right, Buzz and Buzz and Woody. That's that's Pixar. That is like you say Pixar. First thing you think of is like the Toy Story franchise. That's the one that started it all, and it still holds up 25 films 20 years later. Yeah, yeah. I also I just specifically said Woody. Uh, I think I think he's by far Pixar's most iconic do, character. Do you think you guys have a favorite league character you could you could mention that, like, if you're not playing to the most iconic thing? Ooh, um, I would. S- my my hard. my brain tells me Wally. Yeah, like I I just like Wally is one of my favorites just because like it's just a cute little robot. Like he he is pretty memorable too. Uh, I'm right there with you. I think Wally's great. Um, I I yeah. went to Mr. Incredible first, and then my brain brought up brought up Marlin. From why would you why would you go, Brian? Can you point at your thing? Why would you go through the Incredibles first? Is it because we've been subliminally messaging you all night? No, I mean. I don't want to spoil what my favorite Pixar film is because that's the last one. But, Dude, but you you landed on Marlin. Like, I want to hear about that. I don't know. I just really something about Marlin just spoke to me. Even years later, I love I love finding Nemo. It's like but... he's trying to speak to me. I know it. <laughs> You're really cute, but I can't understand you. I don't know why. Probably just because Marlin was like very. He has like that sarcastic, dry humor sort of thing, and he's not trying to be sarcastic. I don't know why the why the, the why exacerbated bad energy. Yeah, very exacerbated, and it just went from Mar. It went from Mister Incredible to like Marlin, and I'm like even I'm kind of confused. Like, why would I think about Marlin? But he's is a good character though. So I think I think if I had to like pin down a favorite league character, if I'm if I'm trying to stay away from Toy Story, and I am, damn it, <laughs> um, I I think I'd go with Miguel from Coco. Oh, well, that's a good one. I really love him. I think I think he has a wonderful story. I think he has a wonderful heart to him. If I really tried to get away from the Toy Story thing, like it would be Mr. Incredible. Sure. Um, I really like that first Incredibles movie, which mm-hmm. you know we'll get to. It's a, it's a lot. It's in uh, a lot of places. Uh, so for the, our next one, we're talking favorite sequel, or because there is one prequel. Um, so what's Monsters. what's up, friends? So yeah. I put one, but the sense that you mentioned two, or we can mention like more than one, I'll put. So right off the bat, when when Ryan said he didn't like Cars three, that's my favorite sequel. One of my favorite sequels, anyway. Like, how can I like it? I haven't seen it. That, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I and my other one is obviously Toy Story three. I mean, holy crap, that gut punch at the end of that film still sticks with me to this day. But the reason why I put Cars three, I love Cars three as to because it tells Lightning's story when he's at the end of his career and he's just trying to find his groove again. And then he, and he, he's able to transition from being the hotshot racer to the mentor that doc Hudson was for him. It's top gun Maverick. (laughs) It's yeah. 
in 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 a lot of ways it's yeah. old man lightning yeah. yeah yeah i mean i i really like that also i like the um the interactions between him and um the 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 lady Cruz. who eventually takes Cruz, who takes his number spoilers ryan who takes his number for um <laughs> for the final race at the end of the of the movie and to me it's just like that feels like a general progression for lightning like he had his time as a racer it's kind of like when you see um older athletes it's either they leave the game and they're done with it or they do come back and they, they start coaching. They start being like a lot of baseball players. They become managers. They become hitting coaches and they're still For part sure. of the game. They're just in a different role and they can still bask in the glory of what they did when they used to be on the field. Thank goodness they made Cars 3 because of Cars because Cars 2 is legitimately what I think of as the worst Pixar movie. Me too. You're not the only one. Um, yeah, I, I do too. Thank goodness Cars 3 exists. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Ben. No, I was gonna to, to divert from Cars three. There, what, what about Toy Story three? What else about Toy Story three can I say? That was, to me, a Chef's Kiss ending, for an era that I literally grew up with. I was in kindergarten when that movie came out, yeah. And I grew up with Andy. Essentially, I was in college. I was going to college when Toy Story three happened. Mm-hmm. So I, that was that was such a. That was such a good ending, and and yeah, what else can it's, I say about it? It's realistically probably Toy Story three for me as well. Uh, I it Toy Story three I think is is pitch perfect definition. Uh, we came back because we felt like we had to, and I agree. You clearly had to. You mm-hmm. had this idea, yes, you had to. This this was an idea you had to return to the table with. Um, and Ryan, do you want to say something about Toy Story? No, 3? I, Toy Story three is also my answer. I think it's the best sequel. Okay. yeah i think it's, it's hard to not say that I, I i definitely think it's the best i do want to like slightly touch on cars 3 i think i cars 3 was in my my running on favorite sequel because i think cars 3 does does the job also that i think in this lot of prequels and sequels only only toy story 3 and cars 3 truly do um where i think that they surpass their originals mm-hmm. um Cars 3, I think, is a, is is the best of the Cars films by by a mile. Um, uh, it it's truly impressive to me the story that they they came to it with because it, it it's clearly just like different think different people were thinking of playing with those toys and came in and and made a Cars movie um, because they t- they essentially took take it from John Lasseter mm-hmm. and they had a clear more concise idea of how to tell an emotional story with those characters. So it's very hard to not be impressed by Cars 3, um, which frankly, when it was coming out, I was writing off. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's hard not to be amazed by its by its improvement. And then I do want to mention, like, also in my running is Monsters University, to be honest. Um, oh, Monsters University, I truly love. Um, I, I love that it's a story about Mike accepting not being able to achieve his dream. Yeah. That, that that for me works mm-hmm. in spades and it works for me every time I think about it and every time I watch it that it's it's a it's a Pixar children's film especially the time period that it came out this is a little more common now but at that time saying you know you might not be able to do the thing that you want to do and that's okay yeah it's a good message it was yeah. it, it was something that it was in my running as well because of that arc really hit me in the right time yeah um Ryan, do you want to say first what your sequels, what your sequel is? He said Toy Story three. Oh, okay. Well, did you, I was wondering if you had another one. Uh, uh, Toy Story two. <laughs> um, Toy Story two, also great. 
I I tried to get away from Toy Story two, three, and four. I love those movies to death, but I wanted to showcase something else. So I think the the answer unequivocally is one of the Toy Story sequels. Um, but I also really love Cars three and Monsters University, which you guys have said uh, plenty. Incredibles two though, that is my favorite sequel. Nice. Um, I love that movie. I rewatched it um, just today, actually. Um, I think it is a very worthy follow-up to that original that can, that pairs very nicely. Um, there's some really great action. The animation is gorgeous. It's it's in every way the 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 Incredibles movie I wanted Brad Bird to come back and make. Mm. Um, love that movie. Uh, I also really like Finding Dory. Those are my two, like my two actual answers. Finding Dory is, um, I think, a very solid sequel. Um, with a lot of great, with a lot of great jokes, um, I, great character work too. I really like that movie. I have to be honest; I didn't put Finding Dory into my consideration at all because, frankly, it'd been too long since I'd seen it to really sure. judge it. And like, I I was like, I think I might like that one a lot, but I honestly don't even like like how much in comparison to these others. And I didn't have time to watch it, so I was like, I just can't. But I there's a good chance. There's a good chance. I am, I am sure it's great. Uh, I'm, it's, uh, I don't like Ellen DeGeneres, so I'm never going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I, I, I get it. Um, favorite, <laughs> uh, favorite character design. This is going to be funny. My favorite character design is from Monsters University. Oh my gosh, I love it. Uh, Dean Hartscale, the dragon center. Yeah! That's mine too! That is the coolest thing Pixar has ever made. Hands down. I, the first time I saw the design, I was like, well, I'm glad I watched the movie literally for this. Incredible design. Incredible. Dude, I love that. That's so good. Um, yeah. Great pull. Honestly, great pull. That 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 bit where she comes down, like the thud behind oh. them. Honestly, great use of... Um, that's Helen Mirren, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Great use of Helen Mirren. God, fantastic. Yeah. Excellent pull. That's, um, that was, that's mine, too. It's cool. Yeah. I'll put Buzz Lightyear. I put Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> it's iconic. It's great. It's it's such a good it's such a good design, especially where they ended up. When you look at like some of the original concept art designs of Buzz, like what they ended up with is so so well crafted. Um, to be honest, I kind of split the difference. It was him and Sully. I think they did such a good job with Sully's design of making someone who can be both a friendly monster and a scary monster. Mm-hmm. I think they rode that line pretty perfectly. He reminds me a lot of um, where the wild things are. Oh, yeah. uh, conceived in a Pixar direction and I find something so wonderful about that design where I'm like, when when Sully's scary, I can see how that can be actually scary. And when Sully's Sully, it's very comforting. I mean, every time I think of Sully I think of the part where he's like go to It's just I, I half expected uh, Ryan when he said that his character design was from Monsters University to be the, the guy who's just a tube. <laughs> who's <laughs> like gonna write this in your dream journal i'm here to laugh with you live with you <laughs> cry with you it's, it, uh, um, that's that's charlie um not charlie Hunnam, um charlie from charlie, Always day. charlie day thank you yeah yeah good designs like not a complaint about any of the monster designs i love love the look of that movie oh, yeah. i i was i was uh, i misinterpreted the question and while my my Monsters University was definitely the dean of that college. I also really, I also really like just the character design work in uh, Coco. Mm-hmm. Oh or, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, which yeah. is how I interpreted the question initially. Just the looks of Coco, 
or even the how Coco looks and even how space looks in Wally is or even the designs of the robots in Wally. I really like the Wally That's, robot design. I should I should actually look at my list for what I wrote down because now that you said that I'm like wait a minute. I I did put a third character on it and it's Eve. Eve's character mm. design is fantastic. Mm. That was my runner up. I love Eve. Yeah. I think Eve looks looks so impressively simple yet cool. Sweet. Uh yeah, they did such a great job with her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, solid. This is never going to come up, I don't think. But I just want to—I I want it on record. I rewatched the Bugs Life for like the first time in fifteen years. Uh, Bugs Life will definitely come up at least once. I'm sure. Okay, so then I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait um, to say. I'll wait to say anything. Um, so our next one is man. There were more contenders for this than than I thought there would be. Most memorable musical moment. Yeah, Ben, what's up? Life is a highway. Nope. It's not from Cars. Oh. It's when Miguel sings The World is Me Familia at the end of Coco because that got me crying like a little baby. Because he's what you see the um you see what's the what's the real grandfather's name? I forget. Uh the one with the gold tooth, the one who died. No, I get you. I it's been a bit. Hold on. Yeah. You go ahead and keep talking, I'll find it. You see him with a family with Grandma Coco. Hector. Hector, you see Hector. Hector you say Hector um, with the family and they're going in through the land of the dead and Miguel is in his mariachi costume, his mariachi outfit, playing his guitar with his family and that got me crying. Like, oh, God. So, <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's either, it was either that or the La Llorona scene from Coco because that's just so good. It's all in Spanish and I don't understand a single lick of it, but I just can feel the passion of it. I'm like, damn, this is some good shit. But yeah. It's hard for me not to... I, this one's going to come up for sad sequence, so I, I'm not really going to get into it here. Um, for me, I thought of Remember Me, uh, but specifically when Miguel's playing it for Grandma Coco. Oh. Yeah. Uh, because the first time I saw it, <laughs> it got me and I didn't recover. <laughs> Um, but I'm going to talk about that in sequence. So instead, I'm going to spotlight. First, I'm going to spotlight. I actually, it, there's some recency bias, sure. But um, saving the mom and turning red. Uh, when Ooh. all of the musical pieces come together to wow. save her with Four Town and everything. I think oh that's God. incredible. Bro, as someone who just watched that movie, let me tell you how much I was crying during that scene. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God. Like, yeah. It was already, it was already so good. Like the pandas have to pull the giant kaiju into the circle. So they start doing their Cantonese chant. But then you got the ooh, 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 ooh. you got the no the, the boys coming in, Before and you got the ten. friends doing the choir behind them, and it all mixes. Oh my god, dude, that's like one of the most magical Pixar moments ever. Oh yeah, I, I that that became like my clear like I'm gonna say even with recency bias, that's that's my favorite musical moment right now. And then I thought of Toy Story again, <laughs> and I forgot about how much I've always loved Buzz climbing up while sailing you will go sailing no more when he's trying to fly out the window when he finds out he's a toy and he falls oh yeah and i that got close that got really close for me i was like shit i've always loved that moment damn (laughs) um and you see his arm his arm falls off it becomes mrs nesbitt the next scene and then of course randy newman is all like i could fly and then it's all sad as shit (laughs) Yeah, I think there's something there's something wonderfully beautiful about, especially from like their very first film, like this, that the power of that moment. I think we've gotten pretty far away from it, but I think it's still really solid. Um, but uh, 
turning reds saving the mom moment is pretty pretty impactful pretty hard for me to not think about yeah brandon how about you go next and i'll talk i'll show what because mag's in the chat here i want to acknowledge what he said so do it Okay, so I guess for our least favorite world that Mag doesn't want to live in is the Wally Future Earth. Yeah. Well, yeah, wait, hold you, on a second. You wouldn't live Earth. on Earth. He's saying Earth. He's saying he doesn't want to yeah. live on the Earth specifically until maybe the end of the movie. Well, go go up into the space. Yeah, yeah, because I want to be like just be a slushy monster. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't think I want to be a slushy. I monster. want my bones to be as big as my. Pee I'm already a slushy monster. But then he goes on to say that Disney is so close to just make straight up make a kaiju movie after Ryan is talking about turning red. It's true. Um, yeah. Zara told me to put life as a highway, but and I was like, oh, yeah. And then I realized I can't remember anything from cars anymore. It's um, not very memorable then. No, um, it, it's it's for it's the second. Uh, remember me. The mm. one for for Mama Coco. Yeah, that's just so damn sad. Sure. There you go. And I'll be honest, it's because I forgot about the, the turning red, but if I had recalled, I probably would have thought that. Ryan, is yours uh, the turning red, saving the mom moment? Yeah, it, before this, I, I probably would have said Coco, uh, uh -huh. but like this hands down, like it, it was, it was just, it was, it felt like magic watching it. It was incredible. Oh, wait, here's one, here's a runner up. Wheezy singing You've Got a Friend in Me. Oh, sure. in Toy, Story Toy, Toy Story 2? Toy Story 2. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, that just makes it even more sad because it's revealed that the voice actor who played Weezy died. Rip. Mm -hmm. That's um, all right. Sorry. Most, <laughs> most iconic voice work. Oh, wait, Ben, did you say your most musical? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. I got a, I got an off, I got an offshoot. Okay. It's Bing Bong. Yeah. Do you, do you remember? I, I used to always say Bing Bong all the time. It's because I saw. I saw that movie once, and Bing Bong connected so hard. Connected with Bing Bong so hard, and I think about his. I think about his voice. What's right. that guy's name? Uh, I don't that's, remember. I uh, that's Richard Kind. Richard oh. Kind. Yeah, that's that's a great pull. Richard Kind is really wonderful as Bing Bong. Yeah. Um, did I put anything for most iconic voice work because some of these I didn't put anything. I wanna. I wanna. I think like it's impossible to talk about <laughs> iconic voice work with Pixar and not at least touch on John Ratzenberger. True. Uh, who is an appearing voice in almost all the Pixar films. Um, so there's that, uh, the voice of Ham, the voice of the, uh, the transporting semi in Cars, the Flea, Mac. the, yeah, uh, uh, all on and on and on, the Abominable Snowman, uh, all that stuff. Um, a school of fish. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, hard can I, he's mine. Sure. Yeah. Go for it. Because I think I think whenever I think about Pixar, I think about his voice immediately. It is he is the I, he is the voice. I have others here that I really like that I want to showcase, but he is the voice of Pixar in my mind. Um, there's I always I always think about that joke in Cars when they're at the drive-through and they're watching trailers for Pixar movies that John Ratzenberger is all in, and the semi is like, "Hey, wait, this guy who is John Ratzenberger is like, hey, they just keep recycling the same voice actor." Mm -hmm. I'll always think about that. If I put aside Ratzenberger and the incredible talent that he is, then I have to think of two in particular. There's a lot of wonderful voice actors, a, a, a literal litany of them, uh, a, a whole army in these films. But there's two truly iconic performances that have really, for me, like stood apart. One is 
Larry the Cable Guy. Like, Larry the Cable Guy might just be Larry the Cable Guy, but his performance as Mater is, like, he was... Talk about a, a an actor getting a role tailor-made for them. And, like, oh, he... Yeah. Mater loves made? It. Uh, he loves it. And he, he milks so much out of it. And, like, while the Cars films, specifically, like, two, can have some detractors, and it's unfortunate because that is Mater's film, the Cars shorts, which focus on Mater, are wonderful. I think they're super enjoyable things for kids. And Larry the Cable Guy is so 100% committed to that character. I think it's rather wonderful what he's been able to do with it. But another one that I have to say is uh, I've always loved his performance. And I and I think he's so wonderful as this role. It's hard for me not to think of him when I think of the Toy Story franchise. Is Don Rickles as Mr. Potato Head. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Don Rickles as Mr. Potato Head is one of my favorites, absolute favorites. I think he's so great as Potato Head. Um, uh, it's so sad that we'll, whatever they decide to do with Toy Story shorts or appearances from here on, that we're not going to have him anymore because he was wonderful, just wonderful as Mr. Potato Head. Um, yeah. One of my favorite characters right from the jump uh, in the first film. So, yeah, hard for me not to think of him. Like, like you said, there's just an absolute plethora of um, voice actors, of, of actors in general who have played amazing roles. Um, I, I was thinking about um, John Goodman and Billy Crystal, Mike and Sully. You got, I mean, he's maybe a horrible person, but his performance stuck with me. Ke uh, Kevin Spacey is Hopper. It's yeah. Yeah. amazing. It's a really good role, a really good job that he did. Um, of course, you got Samuel Jackson. Samuel like Jackson is Frozone, but I think the voice wait, wait, is wait. Real, real quick, what were you saying, Ryan? I couldn't hear you. Oh. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was saying like like all saying the same thing. Like Tim Allen's not a good actor, but his 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 buzz is iconic. Yes. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. I'm, I was also um, Samuel L. Jackson as Frozone. Mm. I mean, how many times do people parody and say, um, "You tell me where my suit is." Eh, eh, stop. <laughs> I'm sure that'll come up later. It will. Yeah. So stop. Yeah. Um, um, I have. But, I have. Um, if you want to. If you want to. <laughs> is there any more that you have? No, no. Like the two that do go that I instantly think of. Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. Yeah. It's it's the easy answer, the low hanging fruit. I know, but I don't care. They're just they're just too iconic. Yeah. Uh I the the answers that were in John Ratzenberger are um Tim Allen as Buzz. That's just an iconic voice. Um Ed Asner as Carl. Because sure. goddamn. Like yeah. that was speaking about Taylor Made, that that is Ed Asner's role. Yeah, I think that's one of his most iconic roles. So good, so good. Um, and then Brad Bird as Edna Mode. Mm, great pull. I didn't think about like when the directors step in and and voice a character. And Brad Bird as Edna Mode is a it's a wonderful one. That's great. Yeah, I just she Brad Bird is amazing in that role. He, the Edna Mode is iconic partially because of Brad Bird. Um, oh, yeah. Wasn't Pete Doctor the voice of uh, Roz in? Um... Uh, Monsters Inc. Maybe. Yes, you're correct about that. Yes, yeah. it I, is Pete um, Doctor. That's another um, one where the director came in and voiced one of the characters. Roz is a good pull as well. Roz, Roz is a good pull. I should have thought about Roz. He's like, come on. I can. Where's still do the voice. paperwork, Wazowski? Like, I come can on. Still, with your permission, I can do her voice. Uh, okay. I already, I already, I already shit the bed on that one. Ryan, um, did you you mentioned yours? Yes. Can you remind? For uh, voice work, we're doing the iconic voice work. Yeah, Bing Bong. 
Yeah, Bing Bong. Thank you. I, I mean, wanted to remember I it because everyone would say all the famous ones, but like Bing Bong is the thing what I think of mostly. Yeah. No, I love that. I think I think Bing Bong's a great pull. Um uh also really close for me, I, I think is Holly Hunter as Elastigirl. Yeah, yeah. actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think she's she's so good. <laughs> I just love her. I love that they found such a great character for her with her unique voice. I think yeah. that's wonderful. Um Mag is in the chat and he says Jason Lee as syndrome. Great yeah. pull. Yeah, also yeah. Great. really good. Um, let's go, let's go on. We're gonna move off films for a moment. Let's talk about favorite shorts. Ooh. I got um, I don't know what it's called, but I know exactly what it is. Um, okay. it's the chess one, the old man playing chess. Oh, I can tell you. So, Hold on. Jerry's it's Jerry's game. Jerry's yeah, game. Jerry's game. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite one. I love that short. I love that short so much. That I do too. Is... I think that's that that was my favorite for a long time until the ones I'm going to mention came out. I watched a uh, couple over the week. Um, uh, and the one that made me cry the most was Lava. So, yeah. Lava is an incredible piece of art. Um, so beautiful and so simple. And, like, utilizing, like, a familiar melody, but to tell its own story. Um, beautiful stuff. I love Lava. I oh God, I love that poll. I'm so I'm so thrilled to be doing this because like we get such different answers about what speaks to us in Pixar sometimes, and and uh, Lava is so wonderful. Um, uh, yeah, go uh, ahead. So Jerry's Game has always been a favorite of mine. Yeah. Um, that's a that's an incredible short film uh, that I watch quite honestly more than anything else that Pixar has made. I watch Jerry's Game more. Yeah, that uh, one that one was released with um, Bugs Life. Oh yeah, that's right. It was. Um, but Kitbull, which is a Sparks short, yeah. made me cry. Mm-hmm. Ev- makes me cry every single time. And Grayson, Grayson is saying the same. Uh, makes me cry every damn time. That is an incredible. That's just an incredible work of art. Like it, it is a work of art. I that Spark short. I don't have it with me. Um, because I'm not living in my usual space, but I have a little um, figure of Kit Kipple, um, oh, both adorable. the dog and the cat that they released, which is really cute. Kipple was so up there for me, but it didn't it didn't knock out my other two. I have one. I have one more, and it's because I always have to. I always have to shout this one out because it's just it is it is tailor made for me. It is La Luna La Luna? Oh yeah, incredible short film. You know what, uh, man? That that I was enjoying it up until the end, and then it showed me what the whole point of it was of them making the crescent moon, and I'm like, oh, this is incredible. Yeah, oh, <laughs> the payoff is so good. I need, um, re- I need to rewatch La Luna. I just remember I, how the the mustaches are just like the rakes or like the, the tools they use. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it's it. I I tried to keep it down to two for this one, and it was La Luna. La Luna, I've always loved. La Luna is one of the reasons I was so excited for Luca when it was coming because that's the same director, um, bringing that same style. You can see it, uh, and I love La Luna, love La Luna, but it's hard for me to not acknowledge Piper. Piper speaks to me because I grew up around those birds. They they are on the beaches down near where Ryan is currently. Uh, that is the area where these birds live and what they do. And I was like, that's so pitch perfect to that environment I've known for my entire life. That's wild. Um, I love Piper. Ryan knows this, that in that house, there is an art piece of Piper because my mom also loved Piper. Um, uh, it's hard not to mention that one. So yeah. 
Wonderful shorts. What's the short? I don't. Oh, was it a Pixar short? Or was it a Disney short? Which one? Where? Ask. Um, it's the one where the guy is constantly working, but he wants to go to the beach. That's and a Disney one. That's a Disney one. Never mind. Um, but uh, I was just looking at the the list. There is one other one that like I thought of because I just think it's it's geniusly made. Is um, day and night. Ooh, Mag, Mag just talked about that. He said he loves Sanjay's Super Team and Day and Night. Day and Night. Yeah, I think those. Good. I think those are great ones. Pixar has. We've we've said like Pixar never misses with the films. Pixar is never missed with a short. No, oh, no. Um, all their shorts are wonderful, wonderful to watch. Um, whether it's the Spark shorts or their their classically released shorts, or honestly, sometimes their shorts attached to the characters can be the more compelling in ways that uh, their film shorts. Um, with the film characters can be even more compelling than some of the stuff that happens in the films. Like, one of the best reasons, one of the reasons why I love going to a Pixar film in a the theater is just because I know I'm going to see a short in front of it. Like the only, the only time I think I was really, I was okay. I wasn't upset, but I was bummed that the short in front of the movie wasn't a short. It was Olaf in front of Coco. Yeah. Can, can I tell you, my brother hates Coco because of that Olaf short. Because he spent the entire Olaf short being like, because a lot of people did this, like, wait, why is this so long? What is this? Is this the movie? So th- I thought this sucks. Um, and then Coco, but that, t- that my brother is the kind of person that once that taste is in his mouth, it never leaves. Mm. Uh, so he just hates Coco now because of that short. That's awful. What a bummer. That's sad. That's a great movie. It's an incredible movie. They uh, shouldn't have short... put a 20 minute short in front of it. They should not have put a 20 minute short in front of that movie. That is shit. All right. Um, next up is our favorite villains slash antagonists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to kick it off. Uh, I had a very hard time with this one. I think Lotso from Toy Story 3 is wonderful. I think he's a mm-hmm. great bad guy. Very much a high tier contender for me. I think Syndrome is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful villain. Um, I think there's something fun about Al that I just can't let go of. Um, Al of Al's Toy Barn. There's something just wonderful about how gross and terrible he is. Uh, Dean Hardscrabble, who Ryan brought up earlier, I think is a great antagonist god god bless helen mirren but it's really hard for me to not talk about one of my absolute favorite villains in all of pixar and it's hopper yeah you got you already mentioned one of my favorites already shitty as kevin spacey may be hopper is an incredible villain for the character i i mean i wrote down syndrome and then after i was done because i didn't know we can go multiple hopper was the second was my second pick syndrome i mean i love syndrome so much because i love his origin story how he was a, a super fan of mr incredible mr incredible he screwed up but he mr incredible didn't help him he shunned him he was like kicked him to the curb essentially and he's grew he essentially went from superman to super villain all because he just didn't keep his own ego in check or his own faults but hopper god just talk Hop- about scary Hopper has one of my favorite villain moments in any Pixar film, which is where he pull he is talking to them when he finds out they're like, they're just a bunch of puny ants. And he's like, they're just a bunch of puny ants. And he takes out the little things they're eating and he throws one. That hurt. 
that no and then he's no. like well, how about this and he pulls the whole thing down and then he makes his point and i'm like god damn that is some good villain shit for sure hopper is my is on my list as well um an incredible performance by, by spacey and and it's just I was so terrified of Hopper for so long. Uh, I even had a, when I wasn't so terrified of him, I had a toy that was an alarm that I put up front outside of my door and it would tell me when people walked in. Not like the door opening wouldn't. Um, but um, that, th- that, that character, that design, how he moves, I constantly think about how he moves with his long strides because he's a grasshopper. Awesome character. And- and attached to how scary he was, uh, his, um, I forget his name, but the one that the, the grasshopper that was rabid that he could summon with his snaps. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, Richard Kind's in that movie, too. He's Hopper's he is, brother. Yeah, he plays Hopper's brother. Yes. Uh, yeah. Wonderful performance from Richard Kind. Molt. He, yeah, he, yeah Molt, because he constantly molts and it's like when all the things were coming, he gets freaked out and molts in his entire thing and runs. I love that. I, good, ah, remember Ma! <laughs> I remember Ma! Right. I just rewatched that movie. That movie's pretty good. I, I forgot how much I liked that movie. I was obsessed with A Bug's Life as a kid. Yeah, uh, I am I a stick. Totally Sorry, that's not that's the stick man, but yeah. Hopper's so good. Remember so, Ma! Uh, I, had, I had Syndrome, uh, but then I remembered who was originally my number one character design before I watched Monsters University. Uh-huh. It's Water News from Monsters, Inc. Hell yeah. Ooh, yeah. Um, Hell yeah. The spider guy, he is my favorite design from a Pixar movie, but I thought, what's cooler than an evil Spider-Man and evil Dragon Lady? Uh, I think Water News design is cool, and I love evil corporate energy where he's like, I'm the man in charge, but I'm also the evil one. Uh, James I Coburn, can... like, I love his voice. Yes. I, I should have I added him, too. I think he's got a great, like, menacing, uh, like, I'm the leader, but I'll fuck you up. Uh, yeah. I really, really like uh, water. Spooky Spider-Man. That's Can I have so a thousand good. children before that this company die? Yes. Uh, um, Mag Mag brought up Ernesto de la Cruz is up there for them. Uh, wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yes, Ernesto. Ernesto yeah. is a fantastic villain. I have two more that I put on my list, which are um, Lotso. Mm-hmm. That turn, when Lotso goes from Oh hey, we're just helping you guys out. We're gonna start you off in the thing, and then just turns a cold hard villain. Uh, wonderful, love his backstory, love everything about that character. Um, and then Zerg. Yeah, Zerg's cool. Zerg, sure. Zerg is a villain that I've always remembered. So this is kind of on the iconic thing, but like I think he's a cool villain, especially in Toy Story. It's Toy Story two where they had the second buzz because they opened up another Buzz Lightyear. And Zerg's like, I am your father. And like at the end of that bit, they're just playing catch. Yeah. <laughs> it's very Bro, funny. Son. It's very um, funny. One more villain that I just thought yeah. of. Yeah. The the chef from Ratatouille. The short one. So I didn't think of him. And this is the thing is like, um, he's a good one. That's a good mention, Ben. Um, honorable mention I couldn't put him here because I don't really think he's even an antagonist. The critic? He's more like the idea of an antagonist. And it's Anton Ego. The yeah. Critic, oh. uh, performed yeah. by Peter O'Toole. I love him. But the thing is, I don't really think he's the antagonist or villain. But no, there's really no other place to mention him. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I would say the chef is more the antagonist because he's constantly trying to make the... the 100%. 100%. Whereas, he, whereas Anton Ego, he, Ego is an obstacle. 
that he yeah. has to overcome that Ratatouille, that Remy, I was called Ratatouille, that Remy and Linguini have to overcome. Whereas I didn't know that was Peter O'Toole. Oh yeah. Anton Ego is Peter O'Toole. Yeah, That's wonderful. Rakakuni. Rakakuni. I'll just never forget that um just never forget that his office is in the shape of a coffin. <laughs> yes. Yes. God, he's so cool. Um <laughs> anyway. He's so freaking good. Uh our next category, friends, is uh, favorite love story. Um, oh, I, I'm just gonna I, I'm just gonna let Ryan and I probably get it out of the way because I bet it's the same one. It's Wally, baby. Absolutely, Wally. 100 Wally. Down. Easy money. Um, Hi, I love me Wally. too. Uh, oh, go, yeah. Great. Yes. Welcome to the Wally love story <laughs> fan club. Um, there have not been, to be honest, there have not been a lot of really focused love stories in Pixar. Um, there's love stories, but they are not the focus of the of the film. Um, they said when Toy Story 4 was being made that it was really Pixar's first love story, and I called bullshit on that. I was like, Wally's <laughs> right there, friends. Um, uh, that was John Lasseter so, who said that, and he was wrong. Um, I think Toy Story has some really nice love story stuff uh, between Buzz and Jesse, between Woody and Bo. Um, I think there's really nice elements of that in The Incredibles. Uh, there are places where where love is an important part, romantic love, but nowhere hits it quite like Wally and Pixar. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, certainly there is an honorable mention to Up, but that love story is past. Right, you you are more or less following like it is a love story that we are we are engaging with as reflected upon rather than currently occurring. Up is beautiful for that in its own way, but Wally is where it's at, baby, for love stories. My yeah. my my honorable mention is Woody and Bo from Toy Story Four. Sure. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Like the the amount of like emotion that the two these two robots can express without actually talking. Is just like a testament to how good Pixar is at what they do, mm -hmm. because like they are both of these characters are some of my favorite characters in Pixar's repertoire, and they don't say a single word. All they say is their name, like Pokemon. Um, it's I incredible. Love, stuff. It's incredible. I, I love this about us, you and me, Ryan. I, I love this about this our our infatuation with. Wall. I'm so glad you picked this too as well, Brandon. I just know that like Ryan's already mentioned that that's favorite film. My favorite or, Pixar. Or, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, that, that it's that high up there. Like I, God, I adore Wally so deeply. And what's um, crazy to me is when I was younger, I liked it cause I like space, but like, for some reason I didn't connect with it. And then I saw it again as an adult and I'm like, what was, what was I smoking? Like not the right <laughs> stuff. Like um, that, that, good shit yet. that yeah. La Vie and Rose montage of him treating Eve while she is, uh, uh, locked in is so cute and um, wally wally is just the cutest lovesick little robot yeah uh um, essentially his love for wall for eve generates a personality within her which is just so cool cool and mm -hmm. cute wally wally is one of my most relatable characters because he screams a lot yeah and I, I feel that <laughs> uh ben yeah favorite love story it's not Wally and Eve, unfortunately. But it's how good. dare you? Get rid of him. Get that out of here. Get that out of here. I won't have this Wally slander in my house. Go ahead. It's Carl and Ellie. No, that's fine. That's totally Great. wonderful. I know it's for only five minutes, and I do agree. And I do agree. Everything about Wally and Eve is amazing. It truly is a fantastic love story. But when I, the second I saw that category that was up there, my brain instantly went to Carl and Ellie from Up. I know it's only five minutes long, but 
to me, that is it. I, that's what I want in a relationship. That's what I want to be with with my partner. That's what I want to eventually aspire to to grow old together, to go on these grand adventures. I mean, to with the bumps in the road. Like I love how every time there's they their house, the tree falls in the house. Crack the open the thing. Carl gets his leg broken. Crack open the thing. But they just the fact that they're I love the scene that when they're older and they're reading, just one hand goes out, the other instantly comes to meet it. It's just like the cutest, most adorable thing. And that's like that is true relationship goals right there. So for me, that's the best love story in Pixar. Beautiful. You're within weird, five within five like minutes. Within five minutes of a movie. One of the best love stories I've ever seen in my life. All right, Sparks, say that again. Oh, you're weird, but I like you. <laughs> I love that. It's like America, but South. All right. Man, yeah. No, Up is great. Up is a great pull for that. Okay, our next category is favorite song. Can I go first? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It was really difficult not to click. Not to, not to click. Not to say you've got a friend in me. It's yeah. my goodness that song is iconic it is wonderful how what what better earworm has pixar ever written but i i chose un poco loco from coco that is a wonderful song that i cannot get enough of i think i'm gonna cheat a little bit because it's technically it's not a real play um it's put that thing back where you came from or so help me (laughs) (laughs) because honestly I had a hard time thinking of like, there's not that many, like, I mean, Pixar obviously has like original stuff, but I'm like, what immediately comes to mind? And it's just Mike put the thing back where you came from. So hell. Like, oh no, that's one. Well, and and he turns it, he turns it into a song in the credits, right? Oh, it's is, is it in the does. credits where you see the, where you see the play, they actually put the play on. I believe so. I I'm going to have to, I don't remember. I, I believe you. I don't remember this. I, I don't remember if it's a bonus feature or if it's in the credits, but I'm pretty sure it's in the credits and he, okay. they, they turn it into like a cast song. And then there's a part yeah, where he comes out solo and he's like, she's out of our head. Even better <laughs> than I actually win. All right. She, uh, the credit song at the beginning is um <laughs> one of my runner ups, which was the, uh, um the song that, that, um, uh, that, that Mike and Sully sing in the credits. What's that name of that That's damn a great song? song. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Oh. It's, it's right there. Uh, I wouldn't have nothing shit. if I didn't have you. Yeah, I, I love that you. song. It's such a beautiful song sung by Billy Crystal and, and John Goodman. Genuinely sad that like there's no visual accompaniment of that song anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that song's great. That's a great song pool. Um, for me... You've got a friend of me was close. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I did try to limit this one to one because there's a lot of good ones. Uh, one one that almost got me there is um, Toy Story Two. Uh, when she loved me, mm-hmm. great great piece. Um, but it's it's got to be Remember Me for me. Um, I think Remember Me is beautiful. Yeah, me too. In a I way, in a lot. way that I find simple and wonderful, but beautiful. Mm-hmm. The fast version, right? Not the slow version. Mm-hmm. Who hates? Everyone hates the slow version. All, all versions. All versions of "Remember Me." Right. I I didn't oh, write ben? one. I didn't write one down because the first song that came to my brain was, of course, "You Got a Friend in Me." How can you not? That's like quintessential Pixar music. But then I started thinking of um, of um, the stuff from Coco, like especially "Remember Me." But I think my favorite song from Coco 
is the scene, the La Llorona scene. I think that's my favorite song on the movie. So it's out putting Remember, um, not Remember Me, You Got a Friend of Me aside, it's probably the La Llorona song. Mm. Uh, runner Up and Nobody Like You by Four Town. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Great song. Yeah, that's, an, that's a real song that they put out that was on like on like the top 10 billboard when that movie came out. I'm like, hell yes. yeah. Yeah, hit song. Man, great stuff. Great stuff. Um, we're not at score yet, Meg. We'll touch on that when we get to score. We're just talking like song songs. Score song, comes up. Um, favorite joke. I want to be clear. This can be a visual gag. Favorite mm. joke. This one was hard as hell. Uh, well, I can tell you my favorite joke right off the bat, and it's very simple and very direct. And it's the one dude. <laughs> it's the one dude doing this. Well, the nuns are playing the accordions in Coco. And it's that because I can't not picture Brandon. <laughs> I have never been able to watch that and not picture Brandon. I knew you were going to say that. A crowd of silent onlookers and one guy just like, yeah, just losing it. Great joke. I laugh every time I think about it. Uh, uh. In Toy Story 1. I cheated. I I I found this one online uh, because I did remember it because I, I I wanted to find I want to be specific when the, the whatever. Uh, it's it's uh, Bo Peep telling Woody you can find me just a couple blocks away, and she's literally just a couple of like of like a couple of little blocks. Little blocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, God, that's pretty good. <laughs> um, before I before I talk about mine because I think I have a few that I just thought of. Uh, Mag says it says escape. Escape. No, just like escape. What's um, that one? That's from Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. I want to say mine before you say yours, Ben. Okay, go for it. I got one. I only got one. This is hard. This is so hard. Because like I I wanted to do like, Gerald! Gerald! (laughs) I'm finding Dory. But, honey, where is my super suit? Uh, I don't know. Is the funniest, the whole bit is the funniest I've ever laughed in a Pixar movie. Bar none ever. I love that scene. I love that moment. It is so endlessly quotable, playing in my mind at, through a loop all all day, every day. I am your wife. I am the greatest good you are ever going to get. <laughs> the the is for the greater good. I am your wife. <laughs> good bit. That probably is. It might. That might be the winner. It's okay. it's very 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 high up there. Uh, it was in my mention right after the the dude dancing to the nuns. <laughs> I can't picture it and not laugh. That part is so funny. There's a lot of great jokes in Pixar. This is hard. Yeah, The one I wrote down was from Cars 3 where Lightning is driving with um, with the old timers and they're like, whoa, when the moon shines, it's like, and he doesn't understand what they're talking about because they're driving in the middle of the night and they're talking. He's like, yeah, well, when the moon is shining, you can see. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, for love of, we ran moonshine, dummy! And they start going <laughs> off because they used to be moonshiners and bootleggers back in the 20s. Yes. I, I, I loved that joke, but I... I mean, I'm the sorry, joke. Can I, can I interrupt you real quickly and not talk about a Pixar movie? What? One second. One second. Um, I just remembered the brother bear bit. Quit telling everyone I'm dead. It's <laughs> not a Pixar That's, movie. I apologize. It's just that is a good joke, though. Yeah, but I when Brandon said, Where, "Honey, where's my super suit?" That entire bit. I everyone was quoting that line. Everyone was and quoting that thing. It's they so damn funny being Miss Frozone and Honey. It was just the funniest shit. It's so damn funny 
Because Incredibles 2 reveals that her name is Honey. Yeah. And that's just such... They've carried that joke over. I, I think they actually... Um, I, I think it's established in the first one because I know um, Elastigirl, she says, say hello to Honey for me. And yes. right, right before they go to bowling. But you're right. That's like... When he's, you, that's a, like a blinking you don't hear at line. And then when it goes into the second one, it's like, oh, her name really is Honey. Okay. Very good. <sighs> Did you have any really, more Really wonderful. Oh. Um, I mean, of course, the another good joke that I like now that I'm older and I understand the reference. Um, when Buzz and Woody are under the the van and Buzz and he's yelling, "You are a toy!" and Buzz goes, "You are set, set strange little man." And I and you have my pity. Farewell. Gives him the Vulcan salute. Yeah, I think of a uh, lemon snow cones. <laughs> what makes them lemon? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, another great visual gag for in Finding Nemo when they're doing the the fish are friends not food meeting, <clears throat> and that one guy is um, uh, what you It's like, oh, I seem to have lost my friend, and the fish skeleton comes out of his teeth, and he goes, oh, and he like sucks it in so Bruce doesn't see. <laughs> um, real, real quick. Um, he's gone to touch the butt. Uh. That's a good one, but um, Mag brought up, even though it's a blooper, it's the Raw surprise bits, and he brings up an excellent point. The bloopers that they used to do for the early Pixar films are quite oh. funny. Mm-hmm. Um, some oh, of my cool. favorite bits in there are Woody in Toy Story 2 messing with Buzz. Mm-hmm. And so he, like, walking, I always think of Buzz walking down the aisle of, of other Buzz Lightyears, and then there's one, in one spaceship is Woody just making faces at him, and Buzz can't deal with it. And I'm like, what a, what a goddamn other level they were on to animate these stupid bloopers. I think the blooper reel I watched the most was from Bugs Life. And when we were talking about Hopper earlier, it was a scene between Hopper and the princess. And it's like, do you think I'm stupid? And she just keeps flubbing her line and she just yeah. finally breaks and yells, yes. He's like, this is the 15th take. I can't take it anymore. I will be in my trailer. And I, she's still laughing. In Bugs Life bloopers, my favorite has always long been the um, the one female ant who's flirting with a, an ant next to her that turns out to be a cardboard stand-up. And then she says, oh, I did. I thought that was real. Who put that thing in my car. <laughs> Sparks, the second you said that, I instantly thought, oh, he's talking about the car scene. He's talking about the, 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 the cutout. I was like, damn it. Um, I just realized I didn't write down the honey wears my super suit. I want to highlight the one that I that I apparently thought was funnier until a few moments ago, um, which is what in Incredibles two, when speaking of visual gags, when they go to the happy platter because Bob wants to make it right, and Violet sees that their waiter is Tony, the boy she likes, and just all the water just <laughs> shoots out of her nose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just hi, I'm a <laughs> very fun. Maybe that was the funniest thing. That is pretty good. All I right. really like the Incredibles movies. Favorite merchandise. Um hard to stay away from the toys from Toy Story. I understand. <laughs> how how can we not acknowledge um, I, them? I will never forget this one toy I had from Toy Story. That is my favorite piece of merchandise. And I'll, do you mind if I just go right now or? No, go for it. It was a special edition Buzz Lightyear action figure. Um, it was like a special talking buzz that if you, 
I forgot what exactly what it was called. It was just, I want to say it was around until when Toy Story 2 was coming out. But like you turned him on, you can fly with him. Every button had a different fr- phrase. But my favorite bit was when you open his windshield and he goes, ah, the wind in my face. That's like, feels so good. And the bugs, are, that, that close advisor, that's better. I bought, yeah, I, don't really, I begged my parents for that toy. I don't think I ever, honestly, I don't think I got any other merchandise past Toy Story, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. I never, I wasn't, I definitely played, I, I played the games. I played all the Toy Story games and a Monsters Inc. game. Uh, 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 but I had the Buzz and Woody toy. But after that, I was, I moved on to, that's when I was in my Spider-Man collecting sure. era. Not so much like to- I Toy Story always, 2 was a great video game. Mm-hmm. I have always admired and been jealous of the fact that Sparks had, has, you still have them. Mm-hmm. The um the the buzz and woody in the boxes they came in in universe mm-hmm. um which i always thought was such a really cool thing that they sh- should have always made like from the get like the fact that they were just like nah it's plastic um and not try to make like you know buzz Lightyear as you would get them to- uh woody as you would get them like that was cool but my my answer though is the luxo ball that's the Luxo one. Ball, I got they, when they started selling them at Disneyland. I was like, mm. "This is part. This, this is I cannot believe they had not done this before. That it, that is easy. That is easy money. That Luxo Ball. Yeah. I have cool. one. Uh, it's great. I've been wanting to buy Luxo Ball for the longest time. We're going to do that when I go in, in a few weeks. Um, there's the toys. Any toy from Toy Story, really. Um, I had a wonderful. Um, bugs life toy set that was a big big version of dim the big blue beetle bug but his back wings opened up into a playset with small versions of the characters playing around the playset that was really cool um (laughs) uh there's some there's some really wonderful clothes that have come out related to coco that have just beautiful designs on them that i've really enjoyed seeing or getting um oh i've seen uh solely like uh solely onesies like giant like blue purple onesies that people wear and then you have like yeah. little like those are cute uh i think all the car sets made for cars are quite cool which makes sense um there are bath toys for finding nemo that i think are really great um and, and then they stay in their lane there's a wonderful ramen bowl set attached to turning red that i think is really well done that's like if you flip it to eat it goes from the panda to may I thought you were about to say ramen like sushi bowl for finding Nemo. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have the Nemo, please. Yeah, yeah that, that'd, be, that'd be wild. Because Onward came out right before the pandemic and everything shut down, I was bummed because I would have loved to go to Disneyland and buy um, the brother's jacket, like his mm-hmm. sure. for. Uh, I would love that, and also I would love the staff. It's hey, if we're talking, if we're talking games, the Lego Incredibles game is awesome. Mm. Sure. Yeah, games games count in this. Uh, I think the both both of the original Toy Story games are fantastic. Toy Story yeah. and Toy Story Two, I think, had great games. Bugs Life also. Bugs Life has a great game. Yeah. I, I remember three of them. I had the original. No, I, I had Toy Story. No, you go, Ben. You go. No, I was gonna say I remember my brother and I playing through the original Toy Story on our Windows ninety five. Um, <clears> that's the version. That's the port we had. It was a really good port, and when we finally beat it. It's probably like one of the first video games I think I ever beaten was the Toy Story game with my brother, mm-hmm. and of course Toy Story Two. You play as Buzz. I was 
I remember liking it, but I'd also remember not understanding what I needed to do because I do remember finding the boss fight up in the attic, and I was like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" And I no, I never cleared the first stage because I didn't know exactly what was going on. The the original Toy Story game was probably one of my was was my first like real true video game because that was one my parents they'd get me for the computer because I didn't have a console at the time, but they did get me that one. Um, and everything else I'd had up to that point was stuff like you know, the edutainment kind of games, which are not bad. I'm not knocking them. These are things like Pajama Sam and things. I, I love those, but that's pretty much all the kind of gaming I'd done on the computer up to that point. But then Toy Story, and that was wonderful. Toy Story 2, I also, that and Bugs Life, Toy Story, Toy Story 2 and Bugs Life were all on the computer for me, and they were wonderful. I think I rented Bugs Life <clears throat> when I was back in the day for the P, for the PlayStation. I could be wrong, though, but I do remember seeing advertisements for that game. I don't think I actually played it. All right. Um, favorite duo friends i'm just gonna say wally and eve and then yeah I them, but that's, mm -hmm. that sounds good because like because it's about the like, and buzz or, or sully and like about yeah my uh, mine's mike and sully mike and sully mike and sully are great uh buzz and woody also great it's hard to get away from those wonderful duos um yeah it's just hard <laughs> to get away from them <laughs> i i think that there's I think there's something wonderful in its own way about um, Carl and Russell. Ah, uh, sure. Mm, yeah. Uh, I think there's something really charming about about them over the course of their film. Uh, I, it's hard for me to think of them necessarily as a duo, um, though. But I, 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 I figure like they probably fit into the category well enough. Um, also, you know what? Uh, just because I don't have anywhere else to meet uh, to mention them, uh, Arlo and the little cave boy from Good Dinosaur. There you go. Good oh, Dinosaur yeah. for plug. I, um, I'm also going to plug Good Dinosaur in a bit. No, I have another bit where it's going to come up, but like, I give it a little. I really like the Good Di I, Good Dinosaur, but I don't think it gets uh, proper attention because it's on the the lower tier of Pixar for sure. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah, I'm just saying we got to see T Rexes ride like a like they're riding a horse. Oh, and also like great Pretty little good. bit was a great bit in that scene was when they ate the fermented fruit and started hallucinating. That sure. was hilarious. Oh, um, sure. Most stunning visuals is our next category, friends. Uh, I will I will go first. I will say um, it's it's four films for me, uh, all across the board. I think they're some of the top 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 notch visuals of Pixar. It's Coco, it's Ratatouille, it's Luca. And it's the good dinosaur because those environments are gorgeous. Those environments are gorgeous. I would also say Wally is amazing for all the stuff that they do in space, for all the colors, mm. especially when they're going through the cosmos. Freaking beautiful. Um, I feel bad because I feel Lightyear's gonna stomp it into the ground once we once that movie comes out with all the space visuals. But Wally, I think to me, has some of the best visuals. And Coco, of course, once you get into the land of the dead, it is like. I remember seeing that on screen. I was like, bullshit, they did not make this. What? <laughs> yeah. I go to I go to Coco and Luca. because uh, yeah. everything else it's like we got a lot of city stuff happening. Um Wally -E is good, but a lot of it is either like gross earth or just like a like following just a bunch of like people in a space station. So it doesn't focus on it being good all the time. Um whereas some of the other ones, like Luca just looks good the entire time. Like yeah. that entire Italian vista is just like gorgeous from Even underwater. <clears throat> underwater looks amazing. Mm -hmm. Now, you did not specify if this needed to be a movie sparks. So, if it be permitted, I will say I have never been wowed 
like I was during Piper. Still haven't. Okay. I think Piper is the most gorgeous thing that Pixar has ever animated. All right. But, but if I need a movie, if I, if, <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I need a movie, it's Finding Dory. Okay. Uh, I really like the visuals of Finding Dory. I think they're stunning. I love um, the underwater uh, stuff. The 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 uh, the what's not the Monterey Bay Aquarium, but was meant to be the Monterey Bay Aquarium. <laughs> that area that's gorgeous. Um, uh, the the the, uh, the sea otters are so cute. I love so that weird. Movie. I I wonder what happened because we know for a fact that it was supposed to be the Monterey Bay Aquarium, and yeah. then it, they changed it, and I don't know why. Yeah, because they said it was going to be, and then even even in like the first trailer, it is, mm-hmm. and then they changed it completely. Yeah, it's wild. I don't know. Uh, Mag says he's going to go with Sparks, but he's gonna also going to add the Incredibles for their Incredibles 1960 style fashion. I or... yeah, I would I would have I, I would almost did that, but like Piper, I know Sparks. You talked a little bit about Piper, but Piper is such a beautiful short film. It's got uh, it's it's super cute. The feathers, the, it, <clears throat> it looks like. Uh, it looks real. It looks real. The water effects are real. The the scale of the sand is real. The texture of it. It feels like it feels like I'm watching a nature documentary, not a Pixar animated short. It is yeah. a gorgeously stunning film that I'm just constantly, every time I watch it, amazed by its visuals. Yeah. Um, good, solid, love these. Uh, let's go to saddest sequence, friends. <laughs> Megan told me that this was a stupid category because everybody would just say it's the opening of Up and I pointed out several other sequences that made her go oh you're right <laughs> Ryan, uh, you're obviously, muted. obviously there's the Up opening but um, what else is there friends hold on Ryan you're muted I was talking to myself um, <laughs> uh, Bing Bong yes um, I, I want to expand on that because for me it's uh it's joy down there with the core memory and playing it back and realizing things and crying boy that gets to me all the way up to the to bing bong sacrifice that entire sequence i think is is perhaps the saddest in pixar i also did bing bong's death specifically her when joy is seeing when joy is is launched and bing bong is down there and she's what does he say is like give her a hug for me or something take her to the moon for me take her to take the moon, her to moon for me, for me. Arrow through the heart. I still wish there was a post-credit scene of Joy turning on an astronaut dream for her at the end. Oh, sure. Just to put her on the moon. I think that would have been a perfect button. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Close up for me, just real quick, before Ben goes. um, The up opening, very, very emotional, obviously. Uh, It's also Remember Me with with Mama Coco. Um, because it always gets me, but the first time, um, it got me and I didn't recover and I didn't recover all the way until somewhere in the credits. And then in the credits, they do the thing where everyone puts their loved ones who have passed, who worked on the film up on the screen. And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) and I didn't recover for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, it's up. That's the saddest thing for me. I mean, when I first saw that, come on. It's like first 20 minutes, first five minutes of the movie. Really, really, Pixar, you have to punch me that hard in the gut. But of course, then you got Coco, which had me cry like a little baby. And you know what? Even even Lava. Lava got me sad when the volcano goes in and it looks like they're not going to be together. 
bro uh because i just watched it like yesterday um the line is like and his tears filled the ocean and he started to drown and i'm like ah! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course you got inside out bing bong that i didn't think a, a freaking elephant was gonna make me cry <laughs> or make me, i was i remember walking up inside out it's like god damn it they got both they got me twice and because fanny already seen it she's like i told you you're gonna cry he's like no i cried twice i cried during lava and i cried during the whole the freaking movie so damn um, it bring up mag's comment because i want to i want to i want to speak on it that's a good one uh yeah. toys saying goodbye in their own way another i was going to mention that too that i was... wanted to i wanted to bring it up because i really like andy's goodbye in toy story 3 but <clears throat> woody saying so long partner at the end of toy story 4 crushed me crushed me it's not yeah. my saddest moment but my god that's a good moment it it was uh, like a happy cry in a way because when yeah because when he says so long partner he watches Andy drive off it is just like no he watched no no I'm talking about the one in Toy Story four about Toy Story four oh when he parts ways with Buzz oh I didn't talk about that one because if you recall our Toy Story four review that ending messed me up in a way I don't really want to look at too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Speaking of Toy Story four, I know this is like a bunch of categories back. Do you know another great funny part? It's the bit with the uh, um, with um, Key and Peele's characters, where they talk about how they're getting the mm. key back, and you see the old lady go through a whole routine, and they just go and they just rise from the bed and stare at her, and it turns into a horror movie all of a sudden. Yes. Sorry, right, that's good. we'll be here. We'll be here all night if we reminisce. Sorry, sorry. This whole thing's reminiscing. What are we talking? No, about? no, the old topics. Yeah, we're yeah, we're yeah. past topics. But um, yeah, the other the sad thing I was gonna say was um, yeah, Andy and the toys when Andy yeah. gives the toys to Bonnie and they're he's playing with them one last time. It's a good one. Let's go to um, favorite score, uh, or scores, friends. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, bring up Mag. Mag uh, said earlier when we were talking about songs um, for score, uh, the Up score, um, the Up theme, the Incredibles and Monsters Inc. score, all really great, wonderful. Um, for me. Uh, it comes down to it comes down to a few it's um ratatouille i'm gonna say like it's it's these three composers stand out to me um it's thomas newman specifically for finding nemo and wally i think both of those are wonderful scores um i think finding nemo and wally both capture the environment so wonderfully in their score mm -hmm. whether it's the ocean or or space um michael giacchino's ratatouille and the incredibles both just absolutely i think ratatouille might be my top of all of it i think ratatouille has an incredible score i think that movie gets a lot of attention but not often for its score uh ratatouille score is impeccable it is just impeccable. brilliant maybe one of my favorite works from giacchino in his entire like entire group uh i think that he's it might be his best mm -hmm. um and then uh the most recent turning red by Ludwig Göransson is in, is an amazing score. He's incorporating the four town music into the score throughout the film. It's it's rather impressive what he's doing. Yeah, uh, I was going to say my number one is Incredibles, but honestly, my my favorite score now, and it's not just because recency, recency bias, but it is Turning Red. Uh, Ludwig Ludwig Göransson's score is from the first minute where he introduces it with the theme, the do 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 do. Like immediately, I'm like, oh, this is 
catchy as shit, dude. Like this is instantly catchy, and the way he's able to turn it in a different like different uh, uh, types of music and using different instruments. Yeah, doing the, the 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 boy band pop music, doing the Cantonese stuff, mixing it all together. It's it also it's also very unique by because it's using like Chinese like music and stuff, and like, otherwise like most music like uh, modern music, American music doesn't incorporate those kind of things. So it's also refreshing to hear. Uh, that Ludwig, that Ludwig guy, man, he's insane. Like Pam Giacchino, like we got good people going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll say what my favorite is, but they're. Oh, sorry, you want to go? No, you go. You go. Okay. Um, I'll say what my favorite is, but I don't want to really talk about because we have talked about it a lot. But I do want to highlight another score that I really enjoyed. My favorite is The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I hum that damn song all the damn time. So the that's so good. But another score I want to highlight because I also think it was really good and it was really impactful for the film, or at least I thought, was Soul. Mm-hmm. The music in Soul I thought was really good. Even like it was all the scenes where you see um, Jamie Foxx's character, whose name I'm completely blanking on, but when he's playing the piano and he's playing and he's showing all the different ja- the like the different jazz clubs and the jazz music. Um, I think that's really impactful because it's like, hey, it helps with the movie, but also this is him showing you his passion. So that's a that's a great pull because uh, I, I I also think like the soul score get, has gotten a little too easily forgotten because that's Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross doing that and they do an incredible job yeah. um, coming over from Nine Inch Nails and doing that. I think they do great work with that score. Nine Inch um, Nails. <clears throat> yes. Uh, oh yeah, Trent Reznor. Yeah, he's been doing. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh yeah. Damn. All um, right. He's also the composer uh, for Guardians one and two. Uh, it's That's not Tyler it's, Bates. No, it's, it's Trent Reznor. It's not my favorite score, but this is a good moment to. Wait, sorry. What are you? What are you mentioning? Well, Trent Reznor's the the composer for Guardians one and two, right? Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. No, it's Tyler Bates. No. That's Tyler oh. Bates. Yeah. Cool. Um. Uh, it's not my uh, favorite. But I do think it's very good, and I think it's not thought of enough in this category. Um, and it's a good time to talk about this movie for just a moment. It's um, Brave's score by Patrick Boyle. Brave's good. Brave has Brave, a really great score. Brave might not be the worst Pixar movie, but it might be the most forgotten Pixar movie. Mm-hmm. I think so. Especially since it's a fairy tale and they put Merida in with the other Disney princesses, people forget that's a Pixar film. It's not a straight Disney film. Mm. I didn't touch it on, on it in my week, but it's the only Pixar movie I watched this week. Um, and I did because I'm like, there has to be something I can talk about here. Right. And like pretty liminally, to be honest, like I, it's just, there's nothing, there's nothing like breaking through in a way I I wish there was. And it's unfortunate. Like that movie went through such a unfortunate process of being butchered down from what it was because it was originally a film called the bear and the bow. That was much scarier and then it got dumbed down, dumbed down to where it basically became a, a pseudo clone of brother bear in a way. Um, it has its own value. It's not a bad movie. Just as Ryan said, it's a good movie. It just not, doesn't have anything that makes it like bloom the way that Pixar films do. Other than like at the time, Merida's hair was incredible. The animation was amazing. Yeah. Um, but even that like has has lost its way to time just because Pixar's gotten even better over time. So it's but that score, that score is great. Also, that song which there that's singing when she's riding her horse and doing the mm-hmm. arrows, really good song. I really like that. Touch the sky. Yeah, I think, I, I think about Touch the Sky more than I think about Brave, and I like Brave. I actually quite like Brave a lot. Um, I do too. Incredibles one and two have my favorite scores by Michael Giacchino. Sure. They're in they're incredible. <laughs> like 
the way he incorporates that jazz, uh, that kind of like old world kind of he, that movie succeeds partially because Giacchino's music so 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 well fits that movie. Um, that theme is iconic instantly in my mind, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And in the second one, when he makes theme songs, old. 50s television theme songs for Frozone, Elastigirl, and Mr. Incredible are instant earworms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think both those scores are great. Some of some of Giacchino's best. Oh yeah. Um, yes, I I think that's a solid point. Um, favorite quote. Hmm. Um, so many. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. Uh, I, this is where I wrote down, put that thing back where it came from, or so help me. Uh, because I really like that quote beyond just being a joke. Um, just keep swimming. Uh, I I really enjoy, this isn't flying, this is falling with style. Yeah. Um, from the end of Toy Story. But I, I really want to give it to this one from Ratatouille. Not everyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere. I think that's one of the best quotes in all of Pixar. That was a really good one. Uh, this isn't inspirational or anything. It's just something I think of because I think it's funny. And it's I think it's uh, Mike saying, you hear that? It's the winds of change. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I think that's so funny. This is where I put where is my super suit. I knew yeah. I wrote it down somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good quote and a joke. So like it works, yeah. yeah. Ben? In many ways, the work of a critic is easy. We thrive on negative criticism, for it is as fun to read as it is to write. <laughs> Just that whole monologue from Egon, uh, from Egon, from it, from Ego is really good, but also... Which, which does get to the one I mentioned, which is the yeah, great artists yeah. can come we're, from anywhere, yeah. We're supposed to, it goes to that. I mean, you also, you got some great funny ones. It's hard for me just to pick one. You, got, you have the motivational ones, like just keep swimming, um, you also have shark bait, have... hmm? shark ooh ha ha. Enough of the ooh ha ha. Um, you also have, um, you even have Merida. Well, I was like, I just want to change my fate. <laughs> I can't pick just one. I honest to God can't. But I... <sighs> damn it! So you said you've said a few. I think I that's okay. That's okay. I'm genuinely a little surprised, but I, I guess I shouldn't be like, we really wanted to pick like some, some specific things, but like, it's easy to forget how great of a line to infinity and beyond is because it's used so much. Well, I wanted I to, I didn't because I figured you guys would. I didn't. Yeah. Think that's why that. I wanted to make mention of it. Like, I understand where we were all at, where we're like, well, we can't say that one. Right. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> but, but we should acknowledge like, what a great line. What a great phrase. It's the iconic line. Yeah. yeah. If there's an iconic line to Pixar films, it's to infinity and beyond. Yeah. No capes. Um, no capes. No capes. That's a very good one. That should have been mine. I'll never uh, forget when Ryan and I were at Comic-Con, we found an Endemo cosplayer, and I was in my Mega Man cosplay, and she looked at me, and she was like, hmm, you're not wearing a cape. That's good. No capes. She was, she was a good cosplayer. She was fun. She was fun to talk to. Um, favorite sidekicks, Linguini. Linguini, that's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> they should have been in best duo. Remy uh, and Linguini should have been in best duo. Yeah, I, I think of Linguini as the sidekick. Sure. Ooh, he, Remy he, is the puppet master. Yeah, he's yeah. more like he's more like the mech. 
It's more like the mechanism. How did we get Ratatouille mixed in with Neon Genesis Evangelion? How do we? I'm not. I'm not a big fan of Ellen DeGeneres either, but I do think Dory is a great character. Me too. Is a a great sidekick to Marlin. Um, Mm -hmm. I also thought of Mr. Potato Head. Not traditional sidekick, but kind of belongs in that role. Um, depending on where what situation we're talking about, I like him in that space. Uh, Russell from Up, I think, is a great sidekick to Carl. But um, I kind of want to spot... I, I, this is an oddball one, but I want to spotlight Julia from Luca. Mm-hmm. I think Julia... Because Julia doesn't really fit any other category. Julia is not a love interest. She is a sidekick to Luca. She's just an alternate sidekick from Alberto. Um, I love her. I love her so much. I think she's wonderful. Me too. I'm... I know they're not sidekicks because they're a group, but um, the friends in Turning Red are really good. Um, mm-hmm. they're also the one, I would um, call them sidekicks. I mean, they're all great because they all work together, but also another sidekick that, like, when you said sidekick, the thing that instantly went to my brain was Toe Mater. He is yeah. such a good sidekick, especially in that first film with Lightning. He's showing <clears> Lightning how, it's like, A, how the town runs, but also it's like, hey, have some fun. This is what we do. Like the scene where they're in the when they go tractor tipping is still funny to me this day. Is like that's Frank runs away. <laughs> um, yes, I think that those are those are great pools. Um, Does the no. cockroach from Wally count? Yeah, the cockroach from Wally. Yeah, I'll give it. Yeah, to that's you. a sidekick. That's yeah. a great um, sidekick. You can have that. Yeah. Mag, Mag has a few good ones. Miguel's dog, Dante. Bing Bong, and the Incredible Kids. Yeah, I don't the consider the Incredible Kids a sidekick, though. It can be. I get it. They're on the cusp of main character versus sidekick. I think. I'll give it to Mag. I'll give it to Mag. Yeah. Um, uh, I was going to say, when you mentioned the Turning Red friends as as sidekicks, you got the the leader of the three, the, the main one that we see of the three with the green flannel. She's a real mm-hmm. one because she keeps that Tamagotchi alive. She mm-hmm. does. Oh, Even when so they're cool. fighting, she's like still taking care of it. Like, mm-hmm. Shut up! No, I'm not. Yeah. Um, Nice. Okay, let's go to our next one, which is tastiest looking food. You would think this would be a dead giveaway to Ratatouille. And it probably would have been. Except Turning Red came out. (laughs) And there's a sequence where the dad is making food and they have clearly taken what they started in Ratatouille and upgraded. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's cutting Dyson. Let me say mine then first, and then you guys can... I did say the Ratatouille from Ratatouille. Specifically the life-changing Ratatouille. Um, I, I thought that... Ratatouille is mine as well. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, I, I I, would never in a million years eat Ratatouille. There's no way. It's not the kind of food I like. But like looking at that on that plate and at what it did to that man, yeah, I want some. <laughs> it, was, oh, yeah. it was definitely the tie between... I was going to actually say all the food that Remy and um, Linguini make in Ratatouille because it all just looks so... I want to try that soup that he makes so bad. Mm. Um, and, and of course, the scene where the dad's cooking and turning red. Those are like the two tastiest things. But I do have to agree with Brandon. I want to try Ratatouille just because of what that scene in Ratatouille did to the man. So I, I want to try it. I do like uh, uh, that when we're introduced to the dad cooking, like you expect him to be like a big chef or something. Mm-hmm. And we're, it's like super cutting. And then it's just like a dude. 
Yes, like a dad. I'm like, oh, that's so perfect. And it looks so, it's like so artful. It's like a Burger King commercial, the way they film the food, like getting served up. I think both of those are are wonderful pieces. I just wanted to highlight. They do such a good job with how food is created. Um, They're both, they're both incredible. Like the second we see the food in, um, Mm. in turning red, I remember I was talking to fans like, this is like a scene in studio, any studio Ghibli film that started making food. Because Studio Ghibli also has that thing. And damn it, you're right, Mag. The Massimo's pasta. Oh, yeah, and Luca looks good. Massimo's pasta. The oh, that does look good. And I'm a pasta whore. Oh my god. New York York pizza in in Seoul, I think. It's so right. It looks damn it. All right. You know what you don't want? You don't want the pizza with broccoli on it from inside out. That's what you don't want. No, I don't. Who puts broccoli on a pizza? Uh, next up, favorite filmmaker. Um, oh. Yeah, I got. Um, I've got a big love for. Um, I got a big love for all the big three. I guess uh, Brad Bird, Andrew Stanton, and Pete Doctor Brad Bird getting to do um, the Incredibles films, and. Um, <clears throat> uh, Pete Doctor and Stanton uh, doing Wally. Um, Brad Bird also did Ratatouille. Uh, Stanton gets directed Wally. He worked on that story with Pete Doctor. Um, he's also going to be writing uh, episodes for Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, I think Wally is Stanton's only. Uh, oh no, it's it's Finding Nemo and Wally are Stanton's main contributions as director. I thought he directed uh, Finding Dory also. Um, Finding Dory. Yes, he did. You're right. Uh, so it's those three, because that was Stanton wanting to come back and tell a story again, and he did a good job with that. Pete Doctor gives us Inside Out and Up and um, Soul. I'm, look- I'm looking for it right here. Soul, yeah. Uh, and Monsters, Inc. Um, so I think uh, Pete, Pete Doctor has like a clear good voice those those three are some defining voices in in pixar filmmaking i feel mine there is a lot of wonderful ones here but those guys stand apart mine is brad bird with Mm -hmm. a runner-up to andrew stanton i do really like andrew stanton i like both the the nemo dory films quite a bit wally's great uh but brad bird is one of my favorite filmmakers ever and the incredibles one and two are just so damn good um i love them I this is like, again recessy bias, but like uh, I would probably I would probably say Andrew Stanton because like Andrew Stanton and Brad Bird, um, they've done a lot of the ones that I the movies that I like the most. But Domni Shi, who yes. directed Turning Red, this was her directorial debut, and she was the first woman to direct a Pixar movie and a Pixar short. Um, Turning Red is so phenomenal, like I cannot wait to see what she does next. Like truly, like I I am beyond excited because uh, if this is your what you do with your first movie, like goodness gracious. Right. So good. Um, yeah. Good. Good pull. I, I was also gonna say um, Domi Shi because Turning Red is just fantastic. Just the way it's shot, the way the story comes out, the way it's the way it's presented is absolutely fantastic. Ooh. Of course, I'm gonna mention Brad Bird because Brad Bird did The Incredibles and it's amazing. And even though there's some controversy surrounding his name, I just gotta acknowledge John Lasseter. Sure. He yeah. started all of this. He yeah. was the, he's made so many films that well, that forged my childhood. So hold on. 
let's 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 be clear. John Lasseter was the director for those early Pixar films, but yeah. it's not like he started this alone. He started this sure. with Pete Doctor, with right, Andrew Stanton, Joe Ranft. Like all these people were part of that. Yeah. Starting. Yeah. So um, but Lasseter, but Lasseter was our director for the first three films, Toy yeah. Story Bugs Life and Toy Story Two. Yeah. yeah. I would I got I mean, I gotta give a shout out to John Lasseter, but I wanna say Domishi, I mean it's partially recency bias, but also because I really enjoy that film so much. I thought it was just such a great film turning red. But and also Brad Bird. And yeah, also I want to give a shout out to someone else who where was that name? Where is the name? Damn it, damn it, damn it. Also, <laughs> I it, um onwards director, uh Dan uh Scanlon. I liked his sure, I like sure. that movie a lot. So yeah. Thanks, Dan. I really like basically anything Brad Bird has directed. Uh <laughs> just real quickly, just like Iron Giant and uh he in my opinion, he directed the best mission impossible. It is four. Mm. He also directed mm. Tomorrowland. I know he directed Tomorrowland, buddy. I know. Uh, yeah, shout out to Enrico for Luca. A hundred percent, Mag. Like Luca's Luca's wonderful to me. Oh, yeah, Luca's um, amazing. Let's go to favorite parent or parental figure. Massimo. Uh, Massimo's pretty good. Um, I dad from Turning Red. It's the dad from uh, Luca. Oh, the dad from Turning Red is mine. Isn't the dad uh, that's... from Luca Massimo? Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah. He was saying, is it the dad from Turning Red? I was saying Massimo is the dad oh. from Luca. Okay. Um, I, I think Massimo is, is wonderful. It's hard for me not to put him high up there. Uh, Massimo is pretty much at my top because Massimo sees the need and fills the need of a dad for Alberto uh, so quickly. And I think mm -hmm. that's so beautiful. Um, I want to give a shout out to pretty much the only time I, I mention um, Onward in, in uh, my time is Laurel. I think Laurel's a wonderful mom. Oh, um, yeah. In, in Onward. I think she's really great. Uh, and Jin is May's father from Turning Red. Um, and uh, mm -hmm. I think I think Jin is great. I think Jin is so good. <laughs> His little, like, uh, you can say, you can say here and spend time with dad. Oh? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll drive. Oh. <laughs> uh yeah he's my he's mine because he he there's the turn where he sees the camera and he sees that like everything's like been really great since she like embraced the panda uh yeah it's such a great moment uh yeah he's my favorite parental figure Hell yeah. yeah um doc hudson from cars mm. yes. yes i love that i love the fabulous hudson hornet doc hudson he is just he's the type of guy who I mean, yes, he's brash and he's kind of blunt, he's very blunt, but at the same time, once you get to know him, once you connect with him, it's he's such a good voice of wisdom to Lightning McQueen. And also yeah. runner up, Crush. Crush just seems like the chillest dad ever. Crush is a great dad. I, that's great. another director. Yeah, that's Stan. I, I want to hang out and chill out with Crush. Just to, I love there's a reason why I love going to Turtle Talk with Crush. There's a reason why. And that's one of the reasons why he's just so chill. And, um no go ahead oh yeah i was gonna put up a uh, mag because mag mentioned uh, marlin from finding nemo because cool. that that little fish travels the entire ocean to find his son he's, he's pretty good yeah he's right. he is pretty good too there's, there's a lot of good there's a lot of good ones um two two honorable mentions apart from the ones i mentioned before would be uh sully to boo mm -hmm. in monsters yeah. inc i think sully's a great parental figure i think that's that's really wonderful but i gotta give a shout out because it needed to be here to king fergus 
in Brave. Oh, sure. Great Billy, dad. Billy Connolly's character. That's right. Billy Connolly. Yeah, he's a great dad. He just uh, he just loves his family so damn much. Wait, who, <laughs> I love King Fergus. Um, 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 something Thompson. She plays the mom. Lily. Lily Thompson. No, what is it? Lily Thompson? I don't know. It's the mom of Brave. Lily Thompson. Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. That's the one I was talking thinking about. Yeah, she plays the mom, but yeah, Billy. I don't want to grow up. I don't want to be free. Just that whole scene where he's pretending to be married. That was hilarious. Yes. Uh, Miguel's yeah, great-great-grandfather. Yeah. I need to watch Brave again, damn it. I need to watch so many more Pixar films. So. Damn, it's almost like we had a week to... I was watching Stranger Things. I'm just kidding. Um, we'll continue to character you'd most like to befriend. Andy. Andy's the guy that you know has everything, and so you definitely want to be over at his place when you're a kid. And then as you this grow is, up, he's definitely the coolest nerd. This is this is Brandon showing from his uh, the annual discussion, uh, forcing a friendship so he can get access to the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Wally, I want to befriend Wally. Um, yeah, Wally, Wally's Wally's a real one. Uh, Woody and Sully are great too. I thought about them, but but. Wally, I want to befriend Wally. Uh, I think if I was like around uh, her age, May, May and I would be real good friends. She's mm. super fun and quirky. <clears throat> Might be her age. It was set in two thousand two. Oh shit, you're right. What's up, Fred? <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have to ask? Yes. Yes. Onward. Barley from Onward. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Wouldn't I'm it be weird be... hanging out with yourself though? I want to play. <laughs> True. I want to be in his D and D campaign. So then, wait. What's the next? What's the answer to the next one? Yeah. If, if Barley's who you want to befriend, who do you want to be? Oh shit. Uh... <laughs> uh, can I change my answer? I want to befriend Laguini from and, and you want to Laguini. I'll so take Laguini. So they could give me the food. <laughs> sure, sure. That's good. Okay, so Ben wants to be Barley, which no makes shit. sense. Yeah, okay. It's either um, it's either Barley or Ian, because Ian can actually do the magic, but of course Barley knows all the lore and stuff, so he can help Ian. And also he's the older brother, I'm an older brother, so I'm, I would definitely want to be Barley. <laughs> um, yeah, so our, our next category is who, do you, who would you want to be? Um, Ryan, who would you want to be? This is tough because I want to live in a superhero world, but I don't. I don't want to be Mister Mister Incredible. So I picked Frozone uh-huh. because he has a stable relationship, and he's a big superhero. He's the, sure. he's a, he's a winner. And he's Samuel Jackson, and he has ice powers. I pick. I, I pick. I want to be that guy. I also pick picked Frozone. Yeah. Because like I didn't want to be Mister Incredible because that just seemed hard. Yes. But Frozone seems like he's got his his shit together. He's got his I want stuff together. Exactly. Yeah, I want to be that and have yeah. ice powers. Come on. Um, I want to be Bruce the shark. <laughs> Fish are friends, not food. I want to live in the ocean. Um, all right, yeah. If, I, if I'm not picking Bruce, uh, I want to be Buzz Lightyear. Sure. Which one? The well, probably the toy because that's the only one. That's out We're talking now. about the first 25 films, so I want to be Buzz yep. Lightyear, mm-hmm. as we know him, the toy. You know what? I'm from the future. I want to see Buzz Lightyear. I want I, to be Buzz Lightyear. 
I I want to be a kick-ass toy who can do anything cool. Um, like follower um, style. Yeah. Okay. Friends. says he wants friends. He wants to be friends with Massimo from Luca and friends with the characters in Soul. Oh yeah. 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 Also, I'd be friends with Sully. The best bear hugs. I thought. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Our next category, our second to last, is most underrated blank. Uh, you can fill this in with character, score, film, director. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. Yeah. I got it. Most underrated I got I got two. Most underrated character and the most underrated film. Sure. Merida, most underrated character. Mm. I think Merida is a really great character. I I really like Brave. Um I think that that the like there's there's very few times that, like voice actor was born for for an animated role and like it it that I believe that actress and Merida are just like linked together. Really mm-hmm. like that character. Most underrated film is The Good Dinosaur. Yeah. A lot of people wrote that movie off, but there's some great stuff in that movie. Yeah. Um, the, 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 I always think about the T Rex cattle wranglers, which is just a, such a cool idea, uh, visualized really, really awesomely. Uh, I, I think Good Dinosaur is a very underrated film. Yeah, um, my most underrated is probably Good Dinosaur. I think there's a lot that get forgotten a little too easily. Wally falls in that category. Bugs Life falls in that category. Brave falls in that category. But um, unfortunately, I don't think that I don't think Brave is necessarily underrated. I think Brave just didn't quite meet the criteria that people wanted it to, and yeah. so it's kind of just holding the place that it is. I think you made a good good call with like most underrated character is Merida. Um, I think I I wish that the impact of that film could have been bigger. Yeah. Um, it's it's unfortunate that their one princess story uh, doesn't doesn't have that 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 like punch of Pixar <laughs> magic uh, to stick or, stick in your brain quite the way some of these other works do. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I think Good Dinosaur is incredibly underrated for the quality of film that it is. I think if you if you know what you're going in for, which is that it is a it is a western like classic not not guns western but a classic frontier western film with dinosaurs i think you will be set up for a good time um, right because that was where the that was where i felt and we talked about this before where the marketing failed that movie because it didn't it didn't showcase the fact that it was a western it's not a dinosaur movie yeah it's a um, frontier it's a frontier western film told with dinosaurs yeah and i thought that that like watching the movie i was like oh this is not what i wanted what i thought it was going to be at all and in fact it was exactly what i what i needed it to be yeah um I think I think to a degree I would also put Cars three and underrated character Cruz Ramirez in that category. Mm-hmm. I don't think either of those get the the attention they deserve. Sure. So I also have two, but they're different from Brandon's underrated. I would say most underrated performance belongs to Phyllis Smith, who played Sadness in Inside Out. Mm, not yeah. a lot of people talk about how good she was in that movie she was through they talk they mostly talk about amy poehler who don't get me wrong she did every actor in inside out did an amazing job amy poehler richard kind um bill Hader, um lewis black minnie keeling she was really good but not a lot of people talk about phyllis smith's role as sadness sure. and she was a core part of the movie and i never knew who she was and she's from the freaking office yeah do you know how she got cast in the office real quick? 
I did not. Did she? Wasn't she like one of the writers for the office? No, or? no. She was the person at auditions reading the line. She was part of the casting unit reading oh. lines for people who were auditioning, and they realized that she had something, and so they put her into the show. They created the character of Phyllis for the office because of her. That's um, and awesome. that's and that's and that's how she got into it. And uh, you're right. I think she's a wonderful sadness. I do yeah. think she's underrated for her performance of sadness. Yeah, and I just freaking forgot my other underrated one at all. <laughs> That's okay. I'm talking about sadness. I'm talking about sadness, but yeah, I think Phyllis's um performance. It's, it's a lot of people don't give it the the prop the proper pedestal that she deserves, and, and she was great in that movie. Mm-hmm. If yeah. I like, remember it, I'll come back to it. Right. Sure. This one was hard for me because the underrated movies are the ones that I haven't seen for that mm. exact reason because i didn't mm. give them a chance not that they're bad i just i just didn't um i i said toy story 4 because i feel at least from what i've seen i really like toy story 4 and i've seen a lot of people turn on that movie in the last couple of years uh and maybe that's just like just from what i've seen in my periphery but like a lot of people are like that's the sequel we didn't need and i'm like i think that movie is i think toy story is the only franchise that has had like flawless flawless movies almost the entire way through um yeah. So I, I, in a weird way, I would say like a movie that doesn't, that is the fourth in a franchise, um, but like that people kind of shit on, I think because it is the fourth in a franchise, you know? It's very hard to live in the shadow of the pitch perfect success of Toy Story 3. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think that only speaks to how tough of a job it was to, to top that for people emotionally, that it could be as good of a film as Toy Story 4 is and still kind of go like, yeah, but it's that it, it's that Pixar high quality thing again. Like, yeah, like Toy Story three and two, like they were able to do that. Like, that's insane. Um, like, yeah, I, I I hear you on that. I think that's I think that's a good pick. Um, attached to that uh, underrated performance of Tony Hale as Forky. Sure. Oh, oh yeah. I, but he, wait, is that underrated? He did get a show. I think it's under. I think it's a little underrated uh, because, like, him getting the show is not necessarily an indication of people's like affection for that character being as strong as I think maybe it ought to be, or at least recognition of it. Sure, I'm trash. Ben, did you did you remember? I yes. you did a thing. I, yes, I remembered. It was um, most underrated um, comedic character, and I'm putting Francis the Ladybug from A Bug's Life, mm. who I never realized was voiced by Dennis Leary. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Freaking hilarious. Just the whole, I remember watching that scene where you see, of course you see like the kind of like misogynist um, bugs at the circus who are cat calling the lay bug. And the second she starts on the like, it's a guy. Uh, Attached to him, like uh, the, the uh, underrated performance of, of the stick bug. Yeah. (laughs) And frankly, Heimlich, like, uh, like, I think I think Bugs Life itself gets yeah. a little isn't bit too Heimlich, Isn't Heimlich one of the directors also? Um, I'm looking it up right now. It's David he... Hyde, David Hyde Pierce was Slim, the stick bug we were talking about. Yeah. And then um Joe Ramft. Yes. Uh, Joe Ramft was not one of the directors, but he was one of the um creatives at Pixar. And he, uh, he passed away. Yes, he did. He was he was uh one of the uh, writers and supervisors and um, animators and producers on a lot of the Pixar films. He was one of the people who started Pixar with them, but he was not a director. And yeah, right. he did pass away. Um, yeah. Speaking of Bugs Life, Mag also 
excuse me, Meg also says Bugs Life is underrated for him because yeah. because of the villain in Hopper and it's an homage to Seven Samurai. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to. I want to. I just found some data that I think is really cool, and you probably already know the answer just from doing research. Maybe one of you guys. Do you know what the highest grossing first movie is in Pixar's history? Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said, mm, first, first, like first film in a franchise thing. Yeah, like which one of the first made the most money out of all of them? Um, I would say Toy Story, but it could it's be Finding wrong. Nemo. Oh, huh? Finding I'm Nemo must made a billion Nemo. dollars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was uh, I was gonna guess that, and then for a second, I second guessed myself and thought it might have been Cars. I thought it was. I didn't think it was gonna be Finding Nemo, but Finding Nemo is like the highest. It's so high. It's like wow. Finding Nemo was was a big big hit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. We ran we ran through all our cat. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. We have one more. Favorite film. Do I have to say it? It's The Incredibles. It's, it's The Incredibles. Um. I mean, if I'm being like, if I'm if I'm giving it all, it's Toy Story three. Um, mm. Like I think Toy Story three is is tops, 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 tops. Um, because if it wasn't Toy Story three, it'd be Toy Story, but it's Toy Story three because Toy Story three somehow surpassed it. Um, but but beyond that, like Coco, Coco's very powerful to me, and Wally, Coco, Wally, and Toy Story three kind of live in the nebulous of the triangle of top Pixar films for me. Right. Yeah. Coco is incredible. Mag agrees with you. Yeah, I, I, Coco's Coco's simply wonderful. Uh, yeah. Incredibles was mine for for years and years. Um, like I think the superhero aspect is a it does a lot for me. But the fact that it's like the like the best version of a superhero thing that's ever been made like also helps. Um, but then I saw Wally uh, uh, again. The first time it was it impacted us, but it's not as a doll. I'm like, oh no, this is the shit that I'm looking for. My entire existence of living now is like, hey, what if things that don't have souls have souls? That's the type of fiction I'm all about. So Wally, that's that's that whole thing, baby. Uh, <laughs> and then I saw Turning Red. So in, in about in a couple of years, uh, I guarantee you, Turning Red will be my number one. But it's recency bias, so I will tell you, it's Wally. Nice. It's but it's definitely it's definitely those two sitting up there. Like turning red, like I knew immediately, like oh, this one, I'm in this one already. Right. Oh, yeah. That's how I felt uh, seeing Coco. Mm-hmm. Ben, it's Incredibles for me. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't deny what I, what it is. Um, I love that film. I love that movie. I love everything about it. Um, I remember every, almost every time I watch it. When I was watching it back when I was living with my parents, my dad would come in. He's like, "What'd you watch it, Incredibles? Man, that is a really good movie." And he would sit down and watch it with me for a few minutes. Um, another film I've seen a, a lot, a bunch, and it's also up there is um, Finding Nemo. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, and just and also for nostalgia purposes, Toy Story. It's, yeah. I mean, those Toy Story and Finding Nemo might like jumble a little bit, but for me, if gun to my head, it's it's the first Incredibles film. I don't think anything. I mean, no, I know things can top it. There have been such great films, like Turning Red being one of them. Luca is also up there, and Onward m- maybe not a may not be the best movie but it's my favorite because it just gets me in all the places that i like i but in terms of just like quality acting style everything that makes pixar pixar incredibles is the top one for me yeah i think i think pixar has a great um repertoire of films to kind of you'll you'll kind of generate different emotions as you watch them throughout the years with different points of your life because they are speaking to so many different points of living yeah um yeah it's one of the wonderful things about pixar I really, excuse me. I really like The Incredibles. Um, it it has my favorite characters in the whole in the whole of Pixar's library. 
it's one of my favorite directors of all time. It's it's to me it, it is pitch perfect. Everything I love about animation, animated films, everything I love about Pixar, everything I love about just it it's it merges so many beautiful things and creates a style all all uniquely onto its own. Uh, it is it is a great great movie that I just cannot get enough of. It's, it's the Pixar movie I watched the most. I'll tell you that for sure. It's tough to pick best around a Pixar because I think almost all of them do such a great job of what Brandon just expressed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even the ones that fall short in some places are still such such incredible. I never feel like anybody made any of the films, even the sequels, just to make money. Yeah, yeah. me too. There's always passion on that screen. Yeah. Um, uh, real quick, Mag did mention another uh, underrated Kelsey Grammer, Stinky Pete, in oh, yeah. Toy Story 2. That's a great one. Uh, oh, great, yeah. Great acknowledgement. Um, that'll do it. This was wonderful. Thank you for going down this large rabbit hole with me, friends, of Pixar That's, films. Pixar Endgame. This has been such a fun trip down memory lane just talking about these films because, I mean, it, Pixar has has been around since we've all, all four of us have been small children. Yes. And this come and this studio, even though it is one of Disney's an arm of Disney, it is even you're right. We said it earlier, even their worst movie is still a really good movie. And mm-hmm. it's still a good film. Like we we've talked about films that are fine or they're not maybe not the best, but you or we always find something out of these Pixar films, whether we like them or not, that makes us smile, makes us laugh. And I think that's some of the best qualities of a Pixar film is that even if you do or don't like it, there's something in there that you're going to enjoy. Be it a joke, a character design, doesn't matter what. There's something in there for everyone to enjoy. Yeah, yeah I'm really happy we did this. I love these movies. Um, getting yeah. to revisit them has been wonderful. I wish I watched far more than I actually did. I'm I... probably, they're now, now that we've talked about so many of them, I'm like, oh, I'm probably having a Pixar summer. <laughs> um, I'll probably be there with you because if I ever kept telling myself, I was like, man, I got to watch some Pixar movies, but then Stranger Things kept staring me down the barrel. I was like, ooh, but I got to take care of that first too. All right, All right, but we are not done for the night, so let's move into our book. Club. Actually, I was going to ask, it is, oh, okay. it is not past four hours. Do Jesus. we want to call it a night and move the book club to next week? I'll do whatever you want to do. Ryan is is, is I'm, okay. I'm, I'm I'm sleepy. Um, I, right, why I, don't, why don't, I vote yes. I vote why yes. don't we do that? We've gone we've gone far longer than we, isn't, than we had. This isn't an Evangelion episode. What is this? We've gone very long this week, so why don't we move our sorry sparks? Uh next week we will do your book club. Why am I sad? I get to intro twice. Oh. <laughs> that is true. Um okay, guys, so notebook club this week. Uh, thank you guys for, for sitting through with us. Uh, that was a lot of fun doing these Pixar films. We 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 really loved getting to do kind of these these deep dives on like these things, and I'm really happy that the next one we did was far better than the video game movies. Yeah, still fun though. Still fun. Mm-hmm. Next I to, week, I, I got sorry. I got to I got to see one of my favorite movies of all time this week because of this list, which I honestly I don't know when I would have watched Turning Red otherwise. Even so, like I'm glad we did this totally. Yeah, me too. Um, getting to revisit some of these, especially like I hadn't seen Incredibles two in a long time. I love that movie. That movie is so damn good. good the movie. Screen Slaver. Oh yeah, good name. That is a really good name for a villain. So next week, the book club once again. Sparks, what is it for the render? It is Darth Vader, or I shouldn't say Darth Vader. Vader, Dark Visions. Yeah. Um, also next week. 
the sixth and supposedly final entry in the Jurassic franchise, Jurassic World Dominion. Grayson's in the chat saying the reign of Sparks continues next week. Um, now, I, I also want to give it out, like, you know, we don't have to do Jurassic World Dominion. I don't know who's who's interested I'm, or not. Granted, I'm the only one not excited about it. <laughs> I know, but like, I don't. I would rather us all do something that we are we are happy with than to 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 drag anyone through something they're disinterested in. That's up to y'all. <laughs> I just don't have to see it. Okay, well, if you don't want to do it, that, that, that well, that's we'll stuff we can talk about. We'll talk about. It. We'll see if it's above a fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes or not. Uh, okay, so so stay tuned for whatever we decide to do that week. All right, guys, thank you so much for doing this for for uh, sitting with us tonight. We greatly appreciate all of your support. Um, if you like this video and you subscribe to this channel, you can check out our other shows on this channel, such as lots of lots of episodes of Fake Nerds Watch are coming and are out. We have concurrently Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, a which is uh, continuing to go. Stranger Things, we did part one. That's out, that's out now. Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, we did one episode of the first two episodes, and then we will do three and four. And then, of course, Miss Marvel, The Boys, and Umbrella Academy are all coming up, guys. Mm-hmm. Watch them. So, a lot of fake nerd watches. You can also check out Basement Arcade, Basement Arcade Pause Mini, where there is a new episode out. Sparks and I hijacked the show from... We 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 ripped the show from Ben Magnet's cold, dead hands. It's a zombie. <laughs> and we did a Spider-Man review. Um, I was wondering which one of you slipped me a phoenix down when I was asleep. I really hope that was a phoenix down. I don't know what you're talking about. It was definitely rat poison. Final fantasy. <laughs> you can check out Fakner Book Club and Animation Station also on this channel. If you like this video, hey, subscribe to this channel. Stay safe, Mag. You too. I always love Bye, when Mag says yeah. goodnight. Thanks, homie. Good night, sir. And of um, course, Grayson, thanks for the company. Bye, friend. You're gonna, if you'd like to support us financially, you can check out our Patreon and our T Public, which you can find links below or on our website at fictnerdpodcast.com, where you can find just basically anything we do there. That's all there. Thank you to everyone who listens to the show. Thank you to everyone who has watched the rewind and who watches the rewind. And thank you to everyone who has watched the live show. We greatly appreciate all of your support. Um, and uh, we hope you enjoyed the Pixar rundown. I hope that was a good walk down Pixar memory lane. <laughs> Good long you can, one. A long one. Um, thank you to Jeremy Vellucci for all the music you heard here tonight and all the music in all of our shows. Uh, you can find him at Jeremy Vellucci Keyboards or you can find his podcast at Suburban Proctologist Official on Instagram. You can find it on iTunes, of course. Uh, sorry, that's Facebook. And Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Thank you to Mike Matola. Mike Matola did three of our logos and has collaborated with us all like so many times and we love him. And you can find him at Mike Matola on Instagram and TikTok. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fakenerd Podcast, fakenerdguys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find my writings on Screen Rant, which I've linked below. I put up a bunch of lists. Um, you can find my writings on Atomic Geekdom, where I write some features and a series about the Infinity Saga, where the latest issue is out now about Doctor Strange's ending. Or I edit and write for, atom- for kaijuramamedia.com. Ben. You can find me trying to find some of the best places in Paris to eat ratatouille because that's where I'm going this summer at benmaga 27 on Instagram and Twitter and also TikTok. You can also find me streaming on Twitch, um, which is probably going to be Elden Ring, Tuesdays and Saturday mornings at 2 o'clock in the morning Pacific Standard. 
And finally, you can find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, GoNintendo.com, and Fusion Gaming Magazine. And also, thank you, uh, thank you, Grayson, for hashtag Revivify Ben Magnet, because apparently I am dead. Sparks. Uh, you can find me hotly anticipating a summer of Pixar at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. Ryan. What about your summer of anime? Oh, it'll still happen. Don't even worry. Like oh, that, that train is not slowing down. All right, there's multiple trains. I just want to make sure. Don't, there's don't multiple trains. There's going to be a summer of gaming, summer of anime, and summer of Pixar. The train station of an- of game. Oh, whatever. I'm DJ Tony <laughs> Snark, 616 all over the internet. Sometimes I stream if I, if my mind will let me. Uh, my, I can't fortify my mind enough to stream. I can't handle it. Fortify your mind! Exactly! Maybe this week I'll stream. We'll see how my brain feels. Alright guys, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcasts, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video and subscribe to our channel. And until next time you see us guys, to infinity and beyond.